Hey! We dumped some of their kind here. What? The joints. They left the weight outside. We don't want them. Hello and welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner, your host for the show, and you are listening to episode 42, the Empire Strikes 3-pack. Joining me as always is an R5-D4 focus collector, loose, modern and vintage completist. It is Richard Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Evening, guys. You smell lovely tonight. Normal. Also here, as always, the elder statesman of the team, a Luke X-Wing pilot focus collector. It is Jezebel. Good evening, Jez. Good evening, Stu. Good evening, lads. Good evening, everyone. And just for our listeners, Jez has become a cyber bully. <laughs> He's got an ESB gimcrack and a love of Ray. He also likes to send saucy snaps of Barbie up to no good to his friends. It's Peter Davis. Good evening, Peter Weedy. All right, little fella. All the better for hearing your chirpy voice. And finally, we've got Simon. Hello, Pickle. <laughs> How are we, mate? I'm good. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Now, lads, we head towards Christmas, and we've got so much Star Wars to look forward to. You've got Rebels just started on the telly again. The Last Jedi is fast approaching. You've got the Dave Prowse Empire Day on December the 16th, which is going to be his last public appearance. And they've released the prices as well. Autograph, £40. I thought that was going to be about 60 And a photo with the great man, £25. We've got two more Vintage Rebellion podcasts after this one. And, of course, the amazing Farthest From Christmas show in Fordenbridge on December the 9th and 10th weekend. So much Star Wars in the next few weeks. Out of everything yet to come, what are you most anticipating? And anything outside of what I've mentioned will you be getting involved in? So let's go to Cy. Farthest From, it's always a great event, and it's the Christmas one. So it's going to be even more jovial than usual. Well, for me, it is the last Jedi because hopefully this year my little nephew will be up for maybe watching it this time at the cinema. I, well, hopefully. But uh, it will finally, the ring will be complete or the circle complete or whatever you want to call it will be completed. And uh, I can take him to the cinema and make him suffer porgs and all that sort of stuff. So but yeah, for me, it's all about the film. The trailer just makes me very excited. I can't believe anyone who hasn't watched the trailer isn't excited. Or if you haven't watched the trailer, you're not a very excitable person. So yeah, it's all about that. And uh, all the other things are just, you know, mere add-ons. How old's your nephew? Well, he'll be six. Ah, it's so a good age, actually. My lad's six. And um, I promised I'll take him. And he, he sat and watched Force Awakens from start to finish on Sunday, actually, to get himself in the mood for it. He was loving it. So, so much so that he came and stole a, a load more handful of loose figures off me. Good, good. Feed yeah. Passion. <laughs> uh, Rich. Obviously, everybody else, I'm looking forward to The Last Jedi. But, like you said, they had lots of things going on. We're recording two shows over the Christmas period, so I'm looking to both of those. Father's Former Size series is obviously going to be a big hit. But I'm also looking to um, Secret Santa as well from the Stars Form UK. So it's nice getting a little box through the post um, with some vintage goodness. It's, it's one of the small highlights and small pleasures. Jez. 
Oh, mate, yeah, I cannot wait for the movie. I'm looking forward to Father's From. You know, we go to three of them a year, but to have another movie coming up, I just love it. The whole atmosphere, building up to it, meeting people at the cinema, really, really looking forward to it. And catching up with Grant as well, who uh, are going to meet in the cinema. That'd be great. It's going to be good. What about you, Stu? Oh, it's difficult, because I think it's just going to build, you know? We're going to be recording podcasts before the next event, and you've got Father's From, that build-up over that weekend, and then, bang, the movie during that week, so a great big crescendo i'm very very excited so for me probably is getting a new porg figure well as well as a great run over the holiday season the last month has also not been too shabby either is it so i must admit i'm just going to point this out kivecast finally returned and their halloween special is great it's got some great stories on that i'm sure you boys have all listened to it i would recommend going and having a listen to that we've had another vectus auction myself and three of the team have been over to belgium for the fax event which we'll discuss later in the show and rich traveled down south to warmer weather to attend echo live so plenty of opportunities for purchases but have we made any so rich did you pick anything up from echo or elsewhere i did Stu. i did quite a bit on me bargain runs actually so at echo i purchased an empire strikes back at that driver um it had a crack bubble but it's still in you know fantastic condition and that came under the 50 pound limit i think i came in at about 40 quid and i got that from martin who goes by lom at vectis that you've just mentioned before this is my biggest bargain so I picked up a Palatoy 20 back power droid with the crack bubble but it was all fully sealed and I picked that up for £48 including all fees and I was checking the day and the card back alone went for £145 Was that a resale? No No just a crack bubble yeah, so so the the card back went for one hundred and forty five pound on one of the Facebook groups in the last week or so. So I thought, oh well, I've, I've got a hell of a bargain with that one. A big parcel arrived for me in Sanderson. He's been stockpiling stuff for us a while, and in there I was pleased to get, amongst other things, the uh, Tomots price guide, the hardback updated edition. So I've been flicking through there and having a look at some of the prices, the vintage stuff in the mid nineties, and some like fantastic images in there, absolutely cracking. The last thing that's arrived is I don't know if you remember about two years ago when Gary smith used to have you know the cardboard at that from the hoff ice planet adventure set yeah and you only had the art at and we were all feeling dead sorry because you know gary's like you get the same stock out and the art that was just looking so sad and lonely and nobody had bought it father's farm after father's farm after father's farm so i went and bought it and i've had it sitting there you know just lying in a heap and then bill cable on facebook posted a, a fantastic condition loose hoth ice planet adventure playset and it had everything in it except for that at that and i thought wow that was just such a coincidence so I, i've purchased that and i've now been able to complete me how hoth ice planet adventure set lovely hoth ice planet adventure mm-hmm. set Richard. yeah you, is uh, that the one that you stole from me at uh, father's farm <laughs> <laughs> uh, snooze you lose yeah <laughs> yeah well I, I think i only need the the cloud city playset now and that and then possibly i've got every playset i'd have to go and double check that but i'm pretty sure it's only the cloud city one i need i've got so, a feeling um, Andy Goulding sometimes has one knocking around. And yeah, because you, ni- you, nicked, you nicked one of them off us, didn't you? I've never bought a Cloud City place. Have you not? No, no, somebody else did. Anything. You're under £50 mock purchase. How many How many you got now? I'd guess 15, 12, 15, somewhere about there. All of them have been under the 50. Yeah. Jez, have you picked anything up? Well, I have made a purchase. You know, I've been saving my money a little bit for Christmas, waiting for my Farthest From, uh, my Secret Santa at Farthest From putting a bit of money aside for a purchase but i did buy something recently on ebay i was delighted with it however when it arrived in the post 
I didn't have my Star Wars Return of a Jedi film press pack with photos and a 60-page production booklet. The seller made a bit of a mistake, so I got a Prince Purple Rain (laughs) theatre programme and some photographs of Prince, um, the singer. So, um, yeah, not particularly chuffed. Did you you manage to get that sorted out? 50%. So I've sent it on. (laughs) Yeah, I, I sent it on at my own expense to the correct owner and who has confirmed that they have received that prince stuff and at the moment the seller still hasn't sent me the correct stuff he said oh i may have got lost this that, and the other i'll get back to you I'll, I'll, if if it has been lost i'll reimburse you and so on and so forth completely out of pocket <laughs> and uh, nothing to show for it so yeah n- not brilliant from my point of view unfortunately but you know there's always hope for next month <laughs> uh, i disagree with that i don't think there's any hope for jazz simone picked up a couple of little things from fax fax was surprisingly good for purchases so i got another beta x-wing i seem to be collecting them at the moment so that's that's three four that i've got this one was just a very yellowed x-wing but it had a canopy on it yay and that was only five euros so i thought that was money well spent and then i got loose layer bush a really really nice black bespin guard loose no weapon but he was just in super condition and a die cast x-wing from one dealer they were a handful of euros as well so that was great uh, but the bargain of the the trip was the meccano trilogo rancor keeper that i got from one of the dealers who was selling up his own collection and it was just sat there amongst about five or six kenner cards they were all mocked up at i think just said he had been asking 100 120 euros for those and he had this meccano rancor keeper for 60 euros so I, I took his arm off for that so that was that was facts that was really good and in addition to that i've had a clipper general medine which is great because i hadn't got any clipper before so it was just nice to have an example and that's as close as I'm going to get to a European-type Medine. So forget the Tri-Logo, he'll do for now. That's it. Very nice. Um, I didn't realise you bought all that stuff in fact, didn't it? Let me play with it on the Falcon on the way home. I did. I'll let you have the x one. Peedy Weedy. Well, I have bought some specialist magazines. So <laughs> Don't I know. What about Star Wars? <laughs> I can't reveal what they are because, obviously, it's. I have to keep them quiet because you might say they're not obscure enough for the purchases of the year oh, keeping so it keep back. my powder dry and uh, i bought a few so i've got a few in the range of obscurity i think some of them are very obscure a uh, facts i i'm going to challenge simon's bargains by saying that i've got a what was it <laughs> it was the base of what well, a complete base of the probot turret set for one euro for one euro what can you buy for one euro these days nothing i say nothing you can go to the toilet twice at fax that's all you can get for a euro <laughs> i also bizarrely got it's not really vintage but it looks good um, it's a very large um, <laughs> cardboard millennium falcon which i'm not quite sure what to do with it really because it's quite large i'll stick it on a wall i guess um it was a smith's promotional item from the netherlands but it's, it's print on both sides so you can have the millennium falcon printed incorrectly or millennium falcon cr- uh, printed correctly but it is quite big it's about three foot across i think maybe even four foot across great pickup and that only cost you about 10 euros was it 10 euros i didn't really spend i don't we all spent that much do we apart from maybe simon but um i thought was, i did well and uh, got all my bits and bobs and a couple of nightmare for christmas items and, and all sorts of answers oh i also picked up a the tomart guide the one you've got Stu, as well recently Brilliant. for a couple of quid good condition as well it's not not too many much thumbed through it is an amazing book 
It's a great toilet book. It is a good toilet book because you always come out of the bathroom having bought it now on eBay. <laughs> Phone in one hand, tell my guy in the other hand. <laughs> He's literally like that. But Stu, what have you bought for your garage? Well, while in facts, I went off the uh, scale and was buying um, all sorts of rubbish. Now, you got a bargain 10 euro Millennium Falcon. I spent 35 euros on some episode one toy for my lad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it really was great fun but what i did buy wasn't vintage but i did buy that gentle giant bust of size snootles didn't i so i have cleared a little shelf off in one of my cabinets a little dedication to size snootles so i have added a nice ralph Macquarie print the image of the band to focus that's gone on the back of the shelf and now i'm looking to find a few vintage oddball items with snootles on it because she is a babe <laughs> Well, I think we can all agree that. I grab myself a Star Wars Wonder Bread shelf, which has turned up from the States. So I've got my eye on a couple of other Wonder Bread pieces. Got myself some uncut tops cards. So numbers 45 through to 55. I've got these at a good price, but I bought them because there's one of the card with Greedo and Lucas in there amongst them. So um, a little something to go in the Greedo focus, which I'm considering selling. <laughs> and and I finally started that loose run on a budget again. So I've grabbed six figures this month from the 79. Got an wow. R5, Num, Klaatu, Attack Commander, Clatter, Skiff, Rebel Commander. They're all, I would say, they're all mint, all with their correct weapons. And so far, my spend is at £26. Oh, R5 oh, coming in the good. most expensive for a tenner at the moment. Yeah, keep it down and uh, hopefully make your one and a half grands seem rather silly. Yeah. yeah. Good effort. Yeah, so good start there. Where well. did you find a nice R5 for a tenner for, Stu? I bought that on eBay. He's actually very nice. I've got him in my hand now. He's um, got a sticker and he's got a head and so that's it being turned. Um, no marble up his jacksy. Yeah, incomplete. Nice. Actually, he is actually really nice. And my wife's just gone out to pick me up a modern set and I noticed in the bucket of figures there's an R5 Power of the Force 2 toy in there and I've never played with the rocket thing that comes out the back so I'm very excited for her to return home tonight. <laughs> Not to see her, just for the toys. <laughs> Right, so moving on. While we were in facts, I made a challenge to Pete. I gave him a random quiz show and told him to create an opening quiz for the podcast based on the premise of that show. So I'm not 100% sure Pete has run with that game show. Oh, I have. Brilliant, because I have no idea how you're going to associate that with Star Wars. So Pete, over to you for this month's quiz. Are you ready to go shopping? Please grab your trolley and together we'll go up my aisles in search of Star Wars items. Hi everybody, here are the rules of the quiz. Both teams, that's Team 1 and Team 2, will face four questions in a buzzer round to gain first or second place in the aisle challenge. For the aisle challenge, both teams get ten seconds, but can add to this in the foursomes round. So, let's play Supermarket Sweep! The first couple I should be meeting tonight are the delicious Team 1, which is Richard and Stuart. Yes, thank you. Team 2, let me just reveal Team 2. That is Jeremy and Simon. Anyway, it's a food-based Star Wars quiz. So, question 1, are you ready, boys? Remember, you just yep. got to say your name. Mm-hmm. In Empire Strikes Back, the word food is mentioned, but... Where and by whom? Stuart. Stuart, answer the question. I'm going to go Yoda. Well done, it is indeed Yoda. Question two. In Return of the Jedi, who mentions the word eat? Richard. Richard. 
I'm going to say it's Luke. Incorrect. So the other team will win. It is actually Princess Leia in conversation with Wicket. Question three. This is going to be really difficult. Han tells Luke that he's strong enough to pull the ears off a Gundark. But what animal ears do the UK successfully export to China? Simon. Simon. (laughs) Pigs. Indeed, well done. Pigs, it is indeed. One of our biggest experts. What the hell was that question? (laughs) (laughs) It's a food-based question. (laughs) Alright, last question. Question four. You ready, boys? Yep. Yep. Which popular starter is Admiral Akbar? Jez. I'm alright. Jez, well done. Team 1 has answered correctly to go first on the first Star Wars Isle Trolley Dash. Team 2 will go first on Isle Challenges 2, 3 and 4. Now the teams must build up their time in the foursomes round. Good luck, boys! But you now have an opportunity to add seconds onto your totals. We'll start with Team 1 because they're really very poor. So we'll get from one team to the other. So you can you can both answer together. Team one, the original films are full of consuming food scenes, whether it's food or drink. So we'll go through the scenes in all the three movers. For each one, you'll get one more second to your total. So team one, give me a scene that we haven't already mentioned that involves consuming of food items. Uncle Owen is having his breakfast. Well at done, the table well done. In the team two, give me one. Give me a uh, an answer. Cantina. Team one. We'll, we'll go with the blue milk and the cloudy drink. Yeah. Good, good. Team two. Rancor. Rancor. Good, good. Like that. Team one. We could you could stick with Jabber when he pulls his uh, little frog thing out of the bowl. Good man. And good man. Like that. Team two. Okay, we'll go for Yoda eating some of Luke's food. Uh, no, we've already mentioned that, that scene. Oh, so that is a zero, zero score, no. as I mentioned earlier on. Uh, ones we haven't already mentioned, as I said. So that's um, a zero. When, when did you mention Yoda? He did mention that. You're not listening, are you? No, no, I'm not. I'm In the first question, I talked about where is the word food mentioned, and Yoda mentions that on Dagobah. The first first oh, question, Stuart right. right. So, so zero there, zero there. So next, Darth, Darth Vader welcoming. Um, Han and Leia in. Yes, the Cloud City table. Well done, well done. have a meal. It is, They were about to, they didn't. Doesn't matter, it's food on the table. Team two, your go. Hoth Wampa eating the remains of a creature. That is good, good man. Team one. On Endor, when that piece of meat is hanging up in the air and Chewbacca is going to eat it. Good call, Rich. Team two. Yoda stirring his stew. Oh, good call. Um, at the end of Return of the Jedi, when they're partying, they're drinking. Good man, good man. Lots of food and drinking on that. Team two, team two. Oh, oh. Jabba eating his frogs. And we've already had I've that. Already said that. What? No, so no, 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 no. That's, that's a zero. Listen, okay. No, so on his barge, on his sail barge. <laughs> yeah, a, diff- a different scene. Um, that's the rancor. Wait, wait, it's not your oh, code, you just got one wrong. Excuse okay. me, Jez, Jez uh, order please, order please. Team one, okay. please. You have failed team two there. The space log, as it's going to eat. Good man, the, good man. The, yeah. yeah Does it matter? Does it matter? It's a food. Can you take points off there, but why? I'm tempted to remove seconds here in a minute. Okay. 
The, the Boba Fett oh, is eaten by the Sarlacc. Good man, Absolutely. good man, good call, good call. Team one. It's when Otto Dieter has got the... Good man, I'll see uh, we'll we'll yeah. That's fine. Okay then, if, if we're going to go out there, <laughs> they're ready to cook Han Solo. Because good. they're going to eat it. Good call, good yep. call, good point. And um, outside Jabba's palace, you've got that funny little toad oh, thing, right. that the thing out of the air. Excellent, that, that was one I thought no one would get. Excellent. Anyone else? Dianoga. Dianoga, good call. Well done. Another point there. Another second. Right. Outside the mosque is the um, cantina, the market sellers outside are selling food. Mm. When they come, when they, when it pans out. I'll leave that to the just and fair. Uh, quiz master. Let me have a think. I'm not really sure if I've ever seen food there. I'm going to disallow that it's one. Hang it up. I'm not it's convinced. Hang it up on the market stalls. Yeah, it's hanging all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Episode one. Um, oh. I'm, episode one. We're not having an episode, oh, episode one. Can you take another point off him for whining and, and, and swearing? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not whining. I just says I think you're getting confused. There's no. There's no episode one in this. In this quiz. Thank you very much. No. So, uh, team two, do you have an answer, or are we? Yes. Are we exhausted? Yes, Minox eating the electrical wire. <laughs> well done, Minox. Well done. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Surely that can't be classed as food. Electrical well, wire. As long as they're what, eating. Like the <laughs> as long as they're, they're chowing down on something, that's a food-related item. Right, any more, Team 1? Um, Luke, when he's clearing up C-3PO and R2-D2, when he's uh, sorting out the restraining box, he gets called for his dinner. It's not really an eating scene, though. It's got to, it's got to well, involve. Well, yeah, it is because he's going off for his dinner, and if he didn't go for his dinner, R two wouldn't have scarpered. His <laughs> dinner <laughs> is vital to the whole of Star Wars. It's vital. I'm going to give you that one because that's a good point. So, good team one. two. Right. Okay. So after the battle um, over Yavin, and they blew up the Death Star, the guys went back for tea. And medals. <laughs> yeah. So you, you saw the medals, but take it from me as an aviator. They have some I think Team 2 has exhausted itself. Team 1, we've got, got any more. Luke, Luke, when he's staring at the binary sunset, because you can tell he's got food for Okay, I think we've we've done that. Right. Team 1, I will oh, count yourself. Aunt Baru and Uncle Owen, when they've been barbecued. <laughs> I've got to get a point just for. Um, I think pure... I'm going to give you a bonus point there because that's quite good. Yeah. Right. Tea and medal. Tea and medal. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, add up the extra seconds accumulated. So, team one has added one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve further seconds. So you have 22 Ooh. seconds to answer in your rounds. Team two, you've already got 10 seconds and you've added one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So you want 18. <laughs> you're going to take your trolleys now and you've got to go down the aisles. So we'll start with Team 1. Team 1, you've got 22 seconds to give me the highest priced item from StarWarsTracker.com for a certain subject. Okay. We can confer now, yeah? You can confer. You can talk. As you're yeah. pushing your trolley down, you've got to put your item into your trolley to answer the question or, or to give me a high-priced item. And then mm. I'll give the other team opportunity to have their high-priced item. It can't be the same one. So you can't okay. both say, Oh, it's Boba Fett! So you've got to come up with something <laughs> that else. That's a great impression of Simon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start my, my little, little timer here. 
The first aisle that we're going down is any flavour of 12-back. So that's absolutely anything goes, OK? I'll start now. Well, we're going to go broad, aren't we? So, well, Palatoid Chewback, that's going to be high, isn't it? Yeah. Right, I can't... Oh, um, Double Telescope and Ben. Minimum oh, that's a great shout, mate. Yeah, yeah I don't think 50, you're not going to get any higher than that, are you? 55 grand at the moment. Yeah. yeah, go with it. We'll go with that one. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's what we're going to go with. Double Telescope and Ben, Mint on card. Brilliant. Is that going to be on Tracker? Oh, oh, well, that's the question. Answer. That's you've the question. Given your answer. Exactly. You have given your answer. Remember, it's on StarTracker.com. So, boys, are we ready? You have 18 seconds to give me a 12 back of any flavour, the highest price one. Uh, this isn't the answer, but we could probably just say a Klaatu because. No, no, twelve. Oh, that's your answer, right, mate. No, 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 no. We've got eighteen seconds. Just let's let's play it safe and go for um, chewy palatoy. It's it's super high, and they're not going to have the DT Obi Wan. Yeah, do you have the one that Rich said? We'll just go with that because that must be a good answer. We haven't got anything ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) We're now going to go down the second aisle, Team Two. Remember, you only have your eighteen seconds. Remember to answer. And the second category, or second aisle, is Return the Jedi Mocks of Any Flavour. Yeah, oh, well, mm. any... Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, 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 that's Power of the Force, oh, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> Return, the Return the Jedi is Tri-Logo right, as well. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that's Power of the Force. Return the Jedi, Tri-Logo, um, whatever you want. I mean, what, Maydeen. Boba Fett? Maydeen, yeah, brilliant. General Maydeen on Tri-Logo. Excellent. That's your final answer, because 18 seconds are up, so General Maydeen. So, Team 1, you ready to go? Now. Yeah. yeah. What are you thinking, Rich? I'm not sure if a Medine will be on tracker, like what they pulled us up on DDP. And we you know something like a Tri-Global Fest definitely going to be on tracker. Yeah, uh, so we, yeah. well, how about just hedging our bets? Okay, we'll go Tri-Global Fest. Right, boys. This is, this is, this is... They've got more thinking time, haven't they? Well, that's, that's the thing. Because we're brilliant at <laughs> Yeah, this is true. Well, team 2, you ready with your, your third option? Which is going to be? It's going to be a twelve-inch boxed versions. Is it going to be there though? The, uh, Lady Jawa, that Lee's just picked up. Is it going to be there? Mm-hmm. Remember two years of data. Probably not. Uh, Tuscan Raider, Lady. Tuscan. Yeah, go for Tuscan. Go for Lady Tuscan. Yeah, Lady Tuscan. Uh, Rich, have you seen a twelve-inch no. Lady Tuscan come up in the last few years? I don't think so. Not. How about going with just? Um... We can see anything really, can not we? Yeah, I'd go maybe just a bit more. Bit more mainstream and maybe just a yeah IG eighty eight boxed yeah yeah because right. it's going to yeah. be on there isn't it yeah boxed IG eighty eight the twelve inch box you have got the tracker you think about it that's all off eBay Vectus um, Facebook they've only just started doing definitely no no Tuscan on there these boys are idiots <laughs> <laughs> eat your words you chunky monkey. The final aisle that you boys will be pushing your trolleys down is. Are you ready? Are you ready, Team Two? Are you ready, Team Two? The micro collection. Vulcan, surely. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy Vulcan. to go with you. Yeah, that's that's the hardest to find one, isn't it? It's only about six hundred quid, but I go can't think of anything. Yeah, okay, yeah. Vulcan. Micro collection, Vulcan. Yeah, Time to spare you. Well, you have three seconds to spare. There, three seconds. Yeah. What do you mean, Rich? I think that's going to be difficult to beat. Come on, boys, Team One. Should we go with the... Isn't the Rigamorian God pre-production item? Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Sorry, Rich, what's your final answer? The Gamorian God pre-production item. 
Fomorian card pre-production. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? Oh, uh, dear. Wait, man. Where's that? Oh, yeah, back in the bag. That's not on there. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, not sure. I'm not sure that's on the trailer, but well, I put it in. Okay, the trolley dollars prices are in, and it's closer than I thought, boys. Much closer. So I'll go through the rounds. First one was 12 backs of every flavour or any flavour. Team one went for a a double telescoping lightsaber thingy. Zero. There's none on there, boys. None. That's that's no pounds. But team two went for Palatoy Chewbacca, and the top price is 4,500. Oh. Yeah, four thousand five hundred pounds up. What was that, man? <laughs> okay, the second round. <laughs> Return the Jedi mocks of any flavour. Um, team one went for a Trilogo Fett, and that got them back in the game with four thousand two hundred pounds. And team two went for General Medine, that only came in the highest price for any General Medine in Star Wars Trekker over the last three years. It was one hundred twenty pounds. Oh dear. Oh, Good choice, dear. boys. Yeah, it's <laughs> so it's it's close. It's it's close. Not as bad as it seems. Okay, oh, so dear. round three: oh. twelve-inch boxed versions. Oh, dear. Oh, now, now the IG eighty-eight box came in at eight hundred forty-one pounds. Good choice, boys. Oh, One of the top prices. But the uh, team two went for a Tuscan Leddy, and uh, there just aren't any on Tracker. So that's Does a big it mean f- to there. say that hey. I've oh, never seen I've never seen a box one sold since I've been back collecting. <laughs> Okay, right. And the final, the final game, which I sadly, I think, Richard, you might have cost your team here because <laughs> Mike, I asked for the micro collection, the top price of the micro collection, and I thought it was going to be a straight fight between the Falcon and maybe Death Star World or one of the other ones. But no, Rich, you you've chosen your team, a Gamorian Guard. Which well, I couldn't which, think of anything that would beat the Falcon anyway, so we were going to lose that one. If you'd gone for anything, Rich, anything, anything, turret cannon, yeah, anything like that, you, you would have probably won because the Falcon came at, came in the top prize paid five hundred and sixty three pounds oh. because the totals are team won five thousand and forty one pounds, but team two win on five thousand one hundred eighty three. So if you just anything half decent, Rich, you would have won. If this is uh, the Apprentice. Would Rich be getting fired now? He would be fired. Ejected <laughs> out the window. You are in the cafe. Having a greasy spoon, <laughs> and me and Sire just like on top of a skyscraper with cocktails. T.T. gets cast. Vector shiny, new and improved. No, still not right. 
Star Wars tracker updates and discount code. The dangers of the battles. The rebel base is on the moon on the far side. We are preparing to orbit the planet. Now, Rich, uh, TT gets cast. Yes, Joe, so for those who are unaware, Cass have released a couple of photographs recently of where they are grading Titonis and they're actually putting Titoni down in their labels. So that's really interesting. It's got the community asking questions and, and talking. They'd arranged an interview with Todd and Ross from Cass and it was arranged for last weekend, but unfortunately they're so busy at the moment that the interview was cancelled last minute. So I've got a couple of questions that I've plucked from the internet that people have been asking for Cass and I want you guys to consider this. So Stu, I'm just going to start with you first. Do you think it's a good thing overall for grading companies to acknowledge Titonis. Joe you know Rich, when you when you gave me this question, I'm I'm really split on it because it comes down to how you accept Titonis, isn't it? Now, Sai's got the Senate coming up later where he's got four people arguing whether Titonis should be accepted and sold. I think it comes down to that. So I think if you fall on the side of that you think Titonis should be sold then I think it's a good thing that the grading companies can stick a label on it. This is a TT. It's proven to be a TT for this, this, and this. So you know what you're getting. On the other hand, the people that are calling them reproductions, would you accept a Darren Orme piece being graded or a, a Poon Trooper? I don't know, Rich, to be honest with you. Your question to me, I'm really split. I don't I don't really know how I feel about it. I don't own a toy Tony, so I, I find it a very difficult thing to answer. Yeah, I can see your point there, but move away from the selling. Okay, so imagine that you've got a, a TT Boba Fett and you, you're a little bit unsure about it and you put photographs online and people are split and you've sent it off to Cass for them to grade it as a Toy Tony and you haven't got the intention of selling it at any point. Does that make it a little bit better? I still can't put myself in that, those shoes because I don't grade my items. If I was keeping it, I don't, I don't know, Rich. I really seriously can't answer you. I, I suppose they're doing a service. They're trying to do the right thing as a company to acknowledge what it is and to give it that protection because they are all original parts. So I know size very, very pro toy toners. I, d- I don't understand the why they need grading. There's plenty of graded ones out there that were mistakenly graded. I'm not too bothered about the grading part of it. It's the authenticating of these items with the toy Tony label. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So authenticating them, right? But people that sell them on, I know you're saying ignore the selling, but if I wanted to try and sell it as original, and it was in one of these cases, I'll just break it out. I don't see why it needs to be done. But I don't want to do Cass a disservice because I think they're trying to do the right thing. I don't know, mate. I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. on the fence of it. I have a really um, split opinion on it. Pete, the question's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, okay, because I know what some people's responses are going to be to this. Going it from a certain angle here. Titonis are repro, have no place in our hobby. Is this legitimising repro items? Ooh, well, Rich, depends what you mean by rip-roar, because uh, I, <laughs> I don't think, apart from the glue, there's anything that's you know technically rip-roar. Um, it's all genuine constituent parts, but, you know, toy tonies to me, I just have no, no interest in them. I, I don't know, I'm almost tempted to rip them off and rip them to pieces and uh, separate them all off, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, it really, really annoys me that they're even being kind of talked about really but there we go um i guess people don't want to throw away the genuine items do they so it's funny you're seeing that pete actually because there's there's one guy from one of the i think it's from the ic and he's pretty much i wanted toy tony to burn it <laughs> well i think you'd be burning a big good thing i think i don't know i mean i mean would you guys be accepted of them being taken to pieces because i don't like the fact that there's a a figure that wasn't 
a factory controlled figure in there. No controls, but not the right word, but a figure that came off the production line and went into a box, taken to the factory, then assembled into a mint card, a mint bubble. So, I mean, they were bought off eBay, weren't they, apparently? So he didn't have those figures. So, you know, you, you're freeing up a, a half-decent figure. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't like the, the whole grading of my I think it's pointless. I don't even care whether they're, they're being preserved because they're not a genuine item. And at some stage, they're just that box, that graded box can get lost and they'll be back in circulation again one day. But uh, I don't know. I just, me, I'm not a fan of it. I wouldn't accept them. I don't know why we, we're going down this road, personally. But that's just me. Jez, obviously there's a, there's still a lot of debate now as to is that eight in Matiti or we're not sure, we're thinking maybe, we're thinking maybe not. And Cass have recognised that some people have more of an expert opinion than others. And they've appointed our friend Jason Smith onto their board of advisors now. So I've just got a question for you here. Is there a danger in that we could be over-relying on one person's opinion based on what some people refer to as circumstantial evidence? Well, first of all, Rich, I'd really love to acknowledge the work which Jason's done, because whilst there may be some people who are saying, oh, it's circumstantial evidence, the amount of time, effort and energy Jason's put into this whole scandal over the last couple of years is phenomenal. He's gone out of his way to help advise and assist people. I don't believe that anyone in the UK needs to actually send anything off to CAS because Jason, bless him, goes to almost all of the conventions. He goes to Father's from, and he said that he'd happily help people and assist people. So, yeah, he's assisting CAS. Again, I, I think he's doing it as an almost voluntary service. If I've got that wrong, I'll make an apology on the next episode. But I, I think he's just trying to do the right thing by people. And so he's offered to assist CAS. I don't think there's anything financially in it for Jason. However, the question which you said is, are we putting all of our eggs in one basket, pretty much, with regards to one person's opinion? Jason is the man. When it comes to this, he, he's done a great deal of research, but it was very interesting recently when Simon came round to my house and and showed me instantly his, his knowledge also in carded figures and stuff, because I was showing him my German 45B, which, um, according to Jason, Luke X-Wing has never been a, one of Toy Tony's at all. But Simon, you had a point of view on that, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was just a feeling. As you know, your your GM forty five is is proper battered, isn't it, mate? The bubble, yeah. the card, everything. It really does look like it's been through the mill. And the general feeling is, if it's battered, it's not a toy Tony. But clear as as the day was a great big iron mark right in between the twin stem. Now, whether that was done in an attempt to reseal it or whether it was done someone else, yeah, yeah, who knows? But I mean, that was the the first thing that that jumped out at, at me about it. But uh, I, I don't think that list is complete, personally. No. Rich, I guess in my experience, it's best not to hang your hat on anything. You know, uh, as we progress through our collecting over the last few years, we're learning stuff all the time, we're picking up stuff, and, and information is changing. I think Jason's got uh, almost all of the information there. But as you say, side that, that some things might change. So I, don't, I wouldn't want to taint something with a particular sticker. But, yeah, all credit to Jason for the work he's done. My big worry from doing research on this topic, and I was going to put this to Ross and Todd, was in particular the Chewbacca's, because there'd been one or two Chewbacca's that were definitely, oh, yeah, they're definitely Tony's, definitely Tony's, and then one turned up in the States with a price sticker on it. So then there was a lot of backpeggling, there was a lot of reevaluating going on, and this was going over a period of about six months, and then others had changed their opinions, 
And I think in particular, these Chewbacca's, and possibly Sai, if I got this right, the Darth Vader's as well, is a question yeah. mark on whether Darth Vader isn't on the list, but the telltale signs on the Darth Vader's are virtually identical to the Chewbacca's. I believe so, mate. The the bubbles on the some of the Chewies and Vaders were the very long, thin bubbles, uh, narrow bubbles rather. And I believe a lot of the Chewies first were labelled as Toy Tonys, but as you say, the Vaders weren't, and yet they were turning up with identical bubbles. And then uh, you've had a number of people come forward and said, well, I have bought this Chewie off the guy who pulled it off the peg in Menzies in 1983-84. You know, it's not a Tony. So there, there's there is there's bound to be a bit of confusion because you know he's had what was it twelve thousand card backs and he's had years and years to knock them out. He would have changed styles, done the odd bubble here and there. There's there's no encyclopedia to it. Jason's work is absolutely phenomenal, but I think it's a and, and Jason, I, I I know will absolutely agree. It's a work in progress. The more we find out, and the more we discover. Uh, the more will come to light and the better we'll be able to identify them. Yeah, I think I would be happy somebody in the States, for example, having an item that they're not sure about, sending it over to, to Cass. I mean, Jason's really good at Boba Fett's. I think he spots Boba Fett's in the dark from a mile away and, and you can <laughs> tell Boba Fett's. I think possibly Dengar as well. There's, there's, there's a few characters that Jason can see quite quickly. And I think those ones, putting Tritoni labels on those, at least removes them from circulation. Although I'll take Stu's point that somebody could smash them out at a later date and put them back into circulation again. But I, I just think it's as much as what we're feeling is that we wish Tony had never existed, it, I think it personally it's wrong to deny the fact that they have happened and not acknowledge them in some way because these are genuine cardbacks and these are genuine bubbles. And although the figures don't necessarily match they, they do have a very, very small place of history. If there was a Toy Tony of ID four I certainly would be interested in owning it and having it put to one side and just, you know, labelled. So I wouldn't pay a lot of money for it. I wouldn't pay much more than uh, maybe about £50. Okay, if I'm thinking of the price of the card back, the price of a nice loose figure in a bubble. I wouldn't pay any more than £50. I certainly wouldn't be paying hundreds for one. But I would like one in my collection just because it does have a place in history. And I think what Cass are doing is that they're authenticating some of these um, obviously they're not going to be authenticate all of them where there's a little bit of doubt but they're authenticating some of them A to remove them from the market and B to acknowledge the fact that they do exist Sai, this is something that I've wrestled with for a long time now and I think a lot of people are also in this mindset and I'm just going to use the word I here I don't believe that Toy Tony is the only person guilty of doing this I think there is similar evidence of other long time collectors who've at least tried it so, should we also grade them too? Are we talking about trying to seal figures onto car bags? That's exactly what I'm talking about. I think I know to whom you refer. Um, yes, but we're not going to name any names. No, we're not going to name contacts names. us. You're no. not going to get the names off us. No, uh, I think the danger is that once again, because I believe if the person you're talking about is supposed to talk about, uh, they're associated with the, the this same lot of card bags in some loose way. Then you fall into the trap of, well, is this person A's or person B's and who did it and all the rest of it. it going back to the whole question of grading them or at least authenticating them, which I find authenticate them to be a strange term to authenticate a fake, if you know what I mean. I don't think there's any harm in what Kaz are doing. I don't think equally there's any benefit at all in what Kaz are doing. And so it's down to the individual. Should we be authenticating or, or, or certifying, if you like, fakes? I just don't see the point. I don't, it, whether it be a mint on card figure or it be a baggie, 
it strikes me as completely and utterly pointless. They're not what they claim to be. And I've got to pick Stu up on a point. He says, I'm a big supporter of Toy Tony's. No, I'm not a big supporter of Toy Tony at all. And before I get hate messages. I, did, I didn't mean uh, that, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I find them fascinating. I find the whole f- affair fascinating. And I find the his clear development in how he was sealing them fascinating. As I say, I, I'm a big believer that there's a lot more work to be done, in particular on the General Mills cardbacks and the Palatoy 45Bs, because I think he'd got far farther than we thought he had uh, in that respect. But that's that's an ongoing piece. Should we be grading or, or, or certifying every fake that pops up? No, absolutely not. It, it's down to the individual how you treat your own collection. I, as Stu, Stu was, as people pointed out, you, you slam it in a case, it can be pulled back out the case again. So there's no benefit there at all. People are saying that they should somehow be marked permanently to identify them as a Toy Tony. I think that probably lends more weight to the argument than putting them in an acrylic case. Because if you somehow mark that, and it's forever marked, it can never be identified as anything else without actually destroying what it is. Because let's not forget, these are, a lot of them, 100% genuine parts. The card, the bubble, the figure, the weapon are genuine parts. So to to destroy any part of that, whether you're pulling the bubble off it or slicing the bubble or, or whatever, it just it doesn't quite feel right, especially when we haven't got there yet with a 100% identifier. And there's been a couple of threads in just the last couple of weeks of people posting up things going, is this a Toy Tony? And one guy had a Bespin, Luke Bespin, and Alexander McGraw, who, who you know is a Bespin nut job, said, no, mate, that's the real deal. Um, and I think it was an argument from the point of view. It was a, a PBP figure with a matching saber. But Jason had said he suspected it was a Toy Tony. So there's there's still sort of a disagreement there. And what was the other one that popped up in the week? There was another figure that popped up. And there was, again, not sure. We're not sure. So if people start buying these things and ripping them over or burning them, how I'm sorry, but how juvenile is that? Uh, utterly pointless um if you start destroying these things then you might run the risk of destroying something that is actually genuine we need more knowledge let's get the knowledge first and then make decisions afterwards question for you Si: if there was a way and i'm not saying there is a way but let's say someone developed a something that destroyed the glue but didn't destroy the 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 card and you could remove these constituent parts would you be for that Oh, yeah. Imagine all the amazing card backs you'd have. I mean, this is the biggest crime of it all, isn't it? If the imbecile, if the if the fraud-sucking piece of, you know what, had left the card backs alone, they'd be worth more than any of the Toy Tonys that exist at the moment. So, benefit of hindsight, wonderful thing and all the rest of it. But yeah, I'd be, absolutely. If you could remove those bubbles without damaging the card backs, that would be the best possible outcome. Because there is no, let's face it, there is no real value in what he's assembled other than the card back and the figure i mean there's the example this week of a of a bloody boba fett selling for and it, it, it i correct me if i'm wrong but i don't it, was, it wasn't a tri logo boba fett in there or a light blue boba fett it was a regular boba fett on a toy tony card and it sold for 462 pounds and i was gobsmacked so i went looking on ebay and that seems to have been cheap for a toy tony boba fett the world's it's- gone mad who on earth is paying money for what is effectively, I know it's daft, but 
what in my mind is effectively a loose card with a loose bubble and a figure yep. that someone's used modern glue on. The thing with a FET is I'm seeing the return of the Jedi carded FET going for near on a, a grand nearly every time at the moment. If someone's picking one up for 400 quid on a Toy Tony, 450, it's over half the price. And there, a lot of collectors will be putting that on there. It looks like the real deal. I'll put it in a case. And we see it all the time, the amount of people that buy Orm products or, or buy reproduction weapons because they look like the real deal. They're not that bothered. So that Toy Tony card is looking effectively correct with FET for half the money. There's going to be tons of people out there that are going to be happy with them. What about fifteen? What about fifteen hundred pounds then? One with a fifteen hundred pounds. Yeah, it Go was ahead. a tri logo FET, but it was on a Tony card. Uh, who knows if the sale actually went through in the end? That's, but, but that's again though. How much is a is a tri logo FET at the moment? Yeah, but it's not a tri logo. What loose? No, no, no. I meant a card. Oh, it's not the no, it's not the correct no. fit in there. So, well, it what it can be on that card back. Right. You can get the tri logo fit in. I believe that card back, but it was a tri logo fit on a Palatoy card back, and it shows us sold on eBay for fifteen hundred pounds. I believe it was described as such as well as a Tony. It made it quite clear in the description. Just don't be fooled that, that there's a there's thousands upon thousands of people in this community, and the people we're in touch with is a minuscule amount of people and some people won't care we see it all the time darren orm is selling tons of stuff so he keeps on doing it right we can all hate it but he's got a following of people that will go and buy those items and it's just going to be the same with tony's people will not care we care because we care about the integrity of the hobby but there'll be more people that don't care about that hence why you still see people pulling figures off cards I'm going to chuck something else in there in the mixing. Okay, so so Casa authenticating these. What about the fact that they're documenting them then and keeping tallies? Does that not lead some kind of weight to the fact that it isn't actually a bad idea? How do they not know they're seeing the same figure again? Trained Eye, I think, would keep a record of these virtually. I mean, who was it? Was it UKG spotted that they were grading the same loose DT? Vader again and again. They put a stop on that and refused to grade um, loose DT Vaders for a while. I think you're going to see rather fewer loose DT Vaders than you're going to see Palatoy Tony Fets. Though, I mean, this is the other remarkable thing about the prices for Palatoy Tony Fets. It's one of the most common ones. It's just the numerous. I could understand them recognising the same DT Vader again, particularly if there was a particular nick to the cape or a you know a, a, a weird paint application or, or whatever, some discernible feature because you are studying that figure in 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 microscopic degree aren't you with a tony fett it, yeah i i guess you could but mm. well we'll wrap this up then so we've got a lot of questions there and we can put them back out to ross and see if he responds and um, we can obviously discuss them on the next show but i think it's right that the grading companies are acknowledging toy tony personally i think it's right that a grading company has actually got the the gumption and a bit of nose about them to actually go these exist and they are in the hobby and we are going to do something about it even if it's just small extent and not all of us can see the purpose of it at least they've made some kind of acknowledgement that these exist and do have a place in the hobby so let's hope we can get ross and or todd on at some point in the future to answer these last few questions that we've got the moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes a rich, vector shiny, new and improved, no, still not right. Now, this is going to be linked with the recent Vectors auction, I'm sure, and a new yeah. interface. So Pete, about oh, five years ago now, it's 
criticised and slammed Vector's website as being, you know, dated and something out of, you know, the mid-90s. We were all super excited to see the shiny new interface that had appeared. It was about a month ago now. So this was the first Star Wars auction on this new interface. When I first went on the website, I thought, oh, it looks clean, it looks crisp. I like the way that you can zoom in on the images now that every other website created after 2000 allows you to do. And I thought, you know, you can you can zoom in, you can see all the images really clearly. And it got to the point where we were watching the auction. So, Sai, I think you probably of all of us had spotted, you know, the, the problems with the auctions first. Uh, so do you want to take up your story about when you went to bid on, I want to say it's a Jawa, is that correct? Yeah, it was a, it was a Final Cape Jawa. It was loose. I'm I, I, no way do grading, but it was AFA 85. So you've got yourself a very nice Final Cape Jarrah that had come up. Uh, and bidding had stalled at 800. And I thought, well, 850, that still keeps it below the thousands. Yep, I'll, I'll, that's more than I wanted to pay, but it's a good grade. You know, fine, that's 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 good. So I clicked the bid button. Nothing happened. Clicked the bid button again, and nothing happened. And the third and the fourth time, absolutely nothing happened. And eventually, the auction just ended at 800. And afterwards, I thought, well, maybe it was a glitch on my computer. Maybe the internet was so whatever. But I went in afterwards, because one thing I will say about the new system, which is good, it will not only show you uh, all the bids that you've won, but it will show you all the bids that you've made and lost. And in there was the Vinyl Cape Jower showing that I'd bid £850, but I'd lost it to a bid of 800 Nice one, Vectis. I'm sure the seller of that will be delighted. Yeah. Later on with me, I was bidding on an item, and I did um, exactly what you did there. You know, it was later on, and I pressed the bid button. But I assumed that by the time I pressed the bid button, it was too late, and the auction had closed and moved on to the next lot, because my bid registered on the next lot I came up, and I was like, oh, what's this rubbish I'm, I'm bidding on? Please, somebody outbid me, and thankfully, somebody did, and it, and it went off from there. So I just assumed that was my mistake, until later on. So later on, right towards the end of the auction, there was a, can you remember the tri-logo? A man man with the quite badly teared it looks like somebody tried to get the 159 sticker off and they made a bad job ripping it off yeah yeah, yeah. so i looked at it and i thought you know what it's only 150 pounds so i clicked the bid button and it didn't register it and i clicked it again no no registering at all and i think it went for the 150 and i was gutted so the next item came up i can't even remember what it was now the next item came up and my bid hadn't registered on that but the item after that, which from memory I think might have been the, the Lando, me bid registered on that item. And I was like, really? Yeah, what's happened there? I, I, thought, I haven't clicked the bid button until I'd realised what had happened. So me bid had actually skipped two auctions and went with the next one. So thankfully I didn't win that one either. So I contacted Vectors and saying, hey, what's going on here? Like, And, you know, I got the usual, well, the website only works at Chrome at the moment. I went, well, bang, take that. I'm using Chrome. And I'm also running Windows 10, so so that's not the issue either. Um, so it's been reported to the, the tech guys. But if I had won that second lot, you know, in my bid button, I would have been gutted. Take a worst-case scenario. Imagine that had it been you, side with your vinyl cape jower, and your £850 bid had it registered two lots later on something like transfer stickers or something like that from, from you know, Shreddies. You would have been devastated winning that if somebody had a stuck a stupidly high uh, bid in for the second one. 
Yeah, that actually happened with a sheet of Darth Vader TIE Fighter stickers. I pressed bids, nothing happened. It waited. It, the price went up and up and up. And then the bid went in, and I won them. I emailed Vectors. I said, I'm sorry, I'm not paying for that. It's your software, not my problem. And fair enough, no argument, they just struck it. And as usual, when I'm asked to go down to Vectors, like everybody must go down and said, if you've got that trilogue, I'm man in mind, there's going to be hell to pay. I think it's disgusting what, what, what they've done. I really do. I think um, it's shameful from a company who is dealing with people's money, is dealing with, I mean, an auction is kind of like almost like a, um, it's a bit of a gamble almost, almost uh, like an emotional transaction because you can get carried away with stuff. To not have the, the system in place when you go to an auction is is shocking. It's absolutely shocking. I mean, if you've ever worked in software development and you put out a product that's not right or it's not ready, then, you know, you, you are inviting all sorts of issues and problems. They should have They should have easily tested that they could have used the community. They could have said something like, you know, look, guys, we need 25 people to come and run an auction and we'll, like, you know, give a prize out to one of the random people or just offer an incentive, maybe a discount or fees just to help them out and develop it. They, they clearly have not user tested that. Uh, if they have, then goodness knows what they've used. But um, I'm, I'm actually quite disgusted by what they've done. And they, they, they've put a bit of software out there that only works with one or two browsers. Now, there's people tuning in for all over the world. They'll have, you know, They'll be using their phones. There'll be Android phones. There'll be you know iOS. There'll be people on a variety of browsers. To only work on one browser is just you know absolutely appalling. And I mean, I mean, I went to the auction. There was, there was no way did I see a big thing saying, "Hey guys, you must be on this browser to work." It was just a mess. I mean, they they should hang their heads in shame for that. To to have an auction with. An unprepared product is is awful, awful, and unprofessional. Jez, I'm going to put this one to you there. I, I, I think are you the winning bidder or at this moment in time of the fifty five thousand dollars DD Ben on Hicks? Uh That's a no, Ridge. It's no. All oh, right, okay. You, you're keeping it later, are you? Um, <laughs> I think listen to what Pete said. Hicks don't even offer that kind of bidding system. I think it has to be emailed in or it has to be a link that you clicked and register. So at least Vectors are offering that kind of option. But the H thing, Rich, is is Mm -hmm. ongoing now. It's a far longer thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, so so people can bid it. And it it just seems, as as Pete said, that there's no advert saying it's only available on Chrome. If If I was a seller, I'd be furious. And have you heard of that? If they said, right, free fees you know will waive the fees or anything like that certainly p- would put me off if i was a seller having seen that oh yeah if i was a seller at this moment in time i would not be confident in unloading all of my stuff at vectors until i've seen the online system working and working properly because i think everybody and their dog had commented on the fact that this vectors auction there seemed to be a lot of bargains i mean t- take my power droid for example but well, there's another reason for that, Rich, because no one heard of it. I mean, it. Well, some people who are on their mailing lists and this, that, and the other, but it escaped my knowledge, passed a lot of people by. I didn't see a great deal of advertising for this at all. That, that is a fair point. You know, um, before, when they've had big sales, they've been on the news, they've been pushing this, that, and the other, there's been lots of things on Facebook, but I didn't see anything of this at all. You missed all those photographs that I shared. I'm broken hearted now, Jez. I actually went to Vectis and I took photographs and I shared them yeah. on our Instagram yeah. page. You did. did that. You did, Rich. You <laughs> did, were they have, did they actually have a big ticket item, though? Because normally when they do their big, their big mm-hmm. thing, they have a lot of stuff or they have a big item which is going to get the headlines. They had a um, toy fed. 
Was it was a monster? What did it go for? Was it the monster? Five and a half thousand from memory. Okay. But it wasn't like, you know, an eighteen twenty you know, a twenty six thousand pound Meccano no. effect, was it? It was just uh, you know, we've seen figures go for up to ten thousand pounds without much of a notice. Mm-hmm. I just think it was I mean, Jez, were you really in for anything uh, much? I mean, you're not really buying stuff. So I mean I I mean it was definitely on my radar. I mean I, yeah. I saw a few mentions of it. I mean, we all know that Vectors auctions come up every, you know, they come up at certain times of the year. There's always one between now, and then there'll probably be another one around Christmas time. They're, they're about every two or three months, aren't they? So it's not like you would go, oh, I, I never heard of a Vectors auction. I just think that people are not buying as much. That is a fair point as well. And a lot of people have said that quite a lot of collectors are watching Hakes. Yeah. You know, it's a, lot, a lot of the big amount collectors are perhaps keeping an eye on this Hakes auction and thinking, actually, there, there wasn't anything at the Vectors auction that was a one-off stellar item. I mean, some people might argue those poss- possibly the prototype coins. I think there's one or two of those or may have been of interest. But do you think there's somebody now, you know, who's sitting there thinking, oh, I bid on that power droid, you know, it only went for 45 quid and I clicked the I clicked the bid button and it didn't go. And somebody else like Sa, you know, obviously young and better looking, who was clicking on that vinyl cape jar and seeing exactly the same. I bid £850 for yeah. that. And yeah, there, there could be. So, so who knows, you know, Obviously, we talk amongst each other as we talk amongst the other Star Wars collectors. There could be Action Man dealers seeing exactly the same from the auction previous. You know, do you have Action... Well, I can't imagine Action Man collectors being all fair with the internet, but they've probably had some kind of experience where there's been problems with these with these auctions. So let's hope they get it sorted. And, and Pete, you're right, there is a one in December. So let, let's hope that Vectors get the sort of the December auction because if it's another farce, then I'm going to be very disappointed. I'm not sure it's even a necessarily a software issue. It, it could be quite simply they just don't have the bandwidth because the, the biggest tell was the fact there was no audio. How can you run an auction without audio? You had no idea where the bidding stage was at. Some lots took five minutes to sell. Others took about 15 seconds. You didn't have a chance to bid. But without an audio stream, I mean, why wasn't there one? That's the simplest piece of back-end software to do. Why wasn't there one? It could just be being tight on the servers but whatever you know pete you're absolutely right they, they, they need to get the house in order before they even think about running another auction with that platform tracker updates and discount code i've tried to get jared on the show the last couple of episodes to discuss the new star wars tracker features because i've been involved in the beta testing of the ios app and unfortunately, Jared's very busy and it's been really, really difficult to tie him down. So I just want to quickly run through some of the features of the Star Wars Tracker app and to announce a discount code for our listeners. Jared tells me that it's available for iOS and Android now. Simply download from the App Store or Play Store after creating your account search Star Wars Tracker. There's also a desktop software version, which is probably the, the version that I use the most. And if you're struggling with that, just contact Jared Corp on Facebook or um, any of the other usual methods and he's happy to help. What he's promised is weekly maintained price guides for all figures, mint on cards, vehicles, playsets, powerful coins and any other new additions that he's going to do. He's also putting on there deep enrichment prices covering licensees, graded, ungraded, sale location, markets, Vectus, eBay, Facebook and now Hakes has also announced that they're going to be included on the tracker. Automatic currency conversions across global markets in your preferred currency. Weekly marketing reports highlighting interest and sales and valuations of your collection. 
one of the good things I like about the tracker is that you can create your own portfolio. And what he's done now is he's, he's got an option in there where you can add items of your own collection by taking your own photographs in your portfolio. So you're not using the, the stock images that have come from eBay, which I think is an absolutely fantastic idea. Custom label generation for home printed barcode labels and alternative to EFA grading. So the design to fit perfectly with GW case, GW acrylic mock cases and the awesome deluxe figure stands which are available from Ian Sanderson. The label barcodes can also be scanned with a tracker app to pull up information from your portfolio directly. And all updates included in the subscription across all of the platforms will be included for future improvements. And it's also happy to hear feedback for any kind of future improvements if anybody's got any ideas of what they can do with the tracker app. Once you download the tracker app, if you put the discount code in of VR-25, Okay, so that's VR-25 or VR-25 to receive 25% off the annual price of the Star Wars tracker. Now, what I haven't done actually is I haven't actually written down how much the tracker costs. It's about, is it somewhere about £20 a year? Is that is that about right? $25? Anyone know? Yeah, it's, about, it's roughly about that. About $25, £20 a year, so it's quite a cheap tracker anyway. Now, I contacted Jared recently and I asked him about, see, if I took all photographs of my collection and I uploaded the tracker and I had my portfolio, has he had any experience of anybody using it for insurance purposes? And he said that, obviously, he doesn't want to commit and say, oh, yep, insurance companies will use the Star Wars tracker and they will definitely pay out on this, because that's not true at all. But he is aware of one or two individuals who have used them to track the items for insurance purposes. Even if it's just for that, say I've had a fire and I've had some card of items damaged, they're in the tracker, there's the photographs, there's the average price in the tracker app. You know, I think it's as, it's as good as evidence of anything else you're going to get and it just removes that one little extra hassle. So by all means, go and check out Tracker. I think it has a, a 30-day trial period for those who want to check it out. Upload your own items, create your own portfolios and happy tracking. And even sing along with Pete in the market section. Rebel base, one minute and closing. The dangers of the battles. Quite a hot topic across forums and boards, uh, Rich. Okay, so I've got a few questions on this one first before we actually launch into what the battles are. So, general question. Do Star Wars toy collectors have an addictive personality? Yes. I think anyone that collects does, yeah. Is gambling an addiction? Yes. Do we all like a bargain? No. What? <laughs> do we all like a bargain? Yes. Of course, yeah. Of course we do. So pretty much I would think everybody in the Star Wars collecting community would answer yes to those questions, okay? Toy collectors have an addictive personality. Gambling is an addiction and we all like a bargain. So over the last couple of months, if anybody has been on Facebook, you would have seen the term Star Wars battles. I know a lot of people on the forum have been asking, what are you guys talking about when people are talking about battles? So it's a Facebook group that's been set up and it's sometimes it's secret, sometimes it's closed, and then it goes back to secret again, alternating between the two. And it's a Facebook group that's been set up whereby people can sell items on there in the form of a raffle. So just to give somebody an example, we've got a carded figure that I think is worth £150. So I've put it up on the usual selling platforms for £150 and I've had no takers. So what can I do about it? Well, I can, I can reduce the price until I get a taker or I can stick it up on the battles page. And the way the system works is, as a seller, I can decide how much to sell that item for and how many tickets I'm going to sell. So I could sell 150 tickets for a pound each. I could sell 
10 tickets for £15 each or any kind of combinations. Although I think what most people are noticing is that I would probably stick it up for £200 and sell the ticket, 20 tickets at £10 each, thereby making £200 on something that I can't sell for £150. People will then contact the seller and say, I'd like one ticket, two tickets, five tickets, and often the seller will give discounted incentives to purchase multiple tickets. Okay, so in that kind of situation, I might say, anybody who buys five tickets, instead of paying £50, I'll let you pay £45. And then it's even more confusing because if you've got a big item and you can't sell the tickets, you can have what's known as mini-battles. And mini-battles will occur, for example, I can't sell the last 10 tickets, so I'm going to have mini battles for 10 tickets. So I will create another whole raffle system whereby I'll sell tickets and the winner of the first, second and third prizes will then achieve spots in the main raffle. Okay, so it does get a little bit complicated. So you could be somebody who gambles in the mini battle and wins nothing or somebody who wins something, but all you get is tickets in the main battle as part of the mini battle, if that makes sense. There's lots and lots of things going on there. Lots and lots of questions are being asked. So, guys, before I go any further, and I don't want to go into any major detail yet because we could get questions a little bit later on on this. Generally speaking, is this a recipe for disaster or is it a good thing for the hobby? Disaster. Go on. I don't think you wanted any details at this point. <laughs> <laughs> One, I don't know whether it's legal. It's not legal. There's no right. doubt about it whatsoever. Yeah. It is not legal. Two, I think it's going to force prices up. Already you're seeing, I don't want to pick out any certain items, but I saw something that someone was trying to sell on the Facebook groups for 150 quid. Didn't sell, so then raffled it, and the ticket prices have came, come to about 220 quid. So it wasn't selling for £150 as an item, but he sticks it in the group for 200 £220 quid, £10, £15 a ticket, and people buy it because there's a chance they might win something with a tenner. I, I think it's a terrible idea. The three-pack that's just been sold, you've got people, oh, what, 50 quid a ticket, was it? Something like that, $50? Yeah. No. People are taking a hedge of bets. There's a lot of people that would never be able to afford a three-pack. But, oh, I'll drop 50 quid on that, just on the off chance I can win a three-pack. You're, you're going to be doing so much money so quickly. I just I just think it's a terrible idea. And it needs shutting down, personally. As you just said there, just see, I'm a typical collector, average man, and I can't afford a three-pack. I can't afford to spend three, four, five, six thousand pounds on a three-pack. But for 50 quid, I've got a chance of buying one. What's the harm in me buying a ticket? There's not necessarily a harm in you buying a ticket. But if you can't afford a three-pack, you don't need to buy one. You know, there's so many different things out there, Star Wars-wise. I can't afford to buy a three-pack. I can't afford to buy a 30-pack, so I'm not buying them. Why would you drop cons- 50 quid on the chance, Jez? There's that, that, that three pack, what was there, 250 slots, something like that, 300 slots? Yes. Yeah, You've like not that. got great odds, right? I, I have a little bit on the football every week, okay? We're talking a few quid here and there, and I've had a few winners, but I wouldn't be dropping 50 quid on a football bet. And also, it just seems that these things are just shrouded in dodginess and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's now going to be a secret group. Now it's going to be a close. Now, now it's going to be a secret group. It just. Is there underhand stuff going on? I mean, I don't know the personalities, but I've heard all sorts of stuff about, oh, so-and-so's mate's just won this, who's not even a Star Wars collector. If you work for the National Lottery, you can't play the National Lottery. If you're a family member of someone who works for the National Lottery, you can't play the National Lottery. But we're doing these battles, which are completely unregulated. 
PayPal, you just haven't got a chance. No, there's no comeback on anything like that. And I also worry that it's going to overinflate the market with conversation of someone who's just won something which is valued, as you say, at 150. They've won it when they had sort of sold tickets in, in excess of £200. So then they go around saying, oh, yeah, I got this £200. Yeah, this is £200. And then suddenly the market value is £200. That we, we could be inadvertently inflating the market um, of all other of all other carded figures. So something which wasn't selling for 150 sells on this battle for 200 and then someone else who's got the same items, like, oh, well, that sold for 200 the other day, uh, have mine for 180 And we've just increased the market value there by 20% without even knowing it. So. And you'll also find that all of the expensive items will always be raffled off because they're always going to be 25% stuck on top of what it's actually worth. So everyone's just going to go via this. So are you going to be able to go and buy a normal piece? Or no how, one, are you going to always have to go through this stupid raffle idea? No one's given anything to the community here. And we see so many good people doing good things on the groups, You know, some of the admins or various different things going on on the groups. Now, with regards to battles raffles call it what you like i think it was a a twin pack which i sold on star wars forum uk about three or four years ago because it was just a, a bog standard twin pack with a couple of jabagoons no one really wanted it and i asked what the value was and i think um, everyone said it was about 120 quid but no one wanted to buy it for 120 quid so i, I did a raffle then to that exact value i can't remember who won it maybe i sold 12 tickets at 10 or 24 tickets at fiver but it it sold so i was happy because i got the sale i wanted didn't make any extra money on it but i was happy and i got the sale i wanted and someone got an absolute bargain didn't affect the market we just need people to be a bit more genuine a bit more honest that was recognized early on and that the prices were unrealistic in the rich city we know that john paul ragusa took it upon himself to not quite be the price police, but but to advise on prices. Now, ignore the person here, okay? This could be anybody at all, any collector who's taken on that role. Is it possible to regulate the prices in this kind of group? No. And and I think John Paul recognised that very quickly in that he was advising people, you know, that £150 card that you've listed for £200 now, it's overpriced. I would imagine he's probably just held his hands up and said, look, this is just crazy. I've offered to do a service to the community and people are telling me I'm wrong. It's not worth the hassle. And he's now distanced himself from that and said, I've given up. There's nothing I can do with this group at all. Now, Jez, you mentioned the three pack there. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something out that's completely hypothetical in a second. But Pete, I don't know if you were watching this three pack, but the three pack went up. I think Stu's probably right. It's something like 300 tickets at $50 a pop, whatever it was. That item was won by a person who was not a Star Wars collector and only appeared to have one friend, and that mutual friend was the person who actually owned the group. Is everything in that group transparent? <laughs> I have to be careful here. <laughs> So, right, okay, how can they make it transparent then? How can they make? How can they convince you? Because you're quite a, a cynical person. How can they convince Pete that everything in this group is transparent? Well, I think I think on that particular one that you were mentioning, the I think it worked out. I don't know what the value of the item was, but I think it worked out it was eleven thousand pounds, wasn't it? That they took in money. Yeah. And I think what 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 was that three pack worth in in the, in the real world? I don't think it was too far. Maybe about a thousand pound too expensive from memory. So yeah. somewhere in about nine and a half, ten. 
Okay, so it wasn't too bad then, but no. I, 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 I think I think the problem with it is that people are going to get their noses put out of joint. I don't like I mean, the, the the case you're talking about. Uh, that's really dodgy. That you know, some some person no one's really ever heard of who's a friend of the admin won the 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 tight yeah won the prize. I mean, that just sounds ridiculous. I mean, that shouldn't be allowed. I think you have to have people on there, Facebook people who have been around a bit, you know, I mean, you can look at anyone's Facebook account and you can, unless you're an absolute idiot, you can pretty much work out whether they're a real person or not, because most of the time, real Facebook people have real Facebook friends. They have hundreds of friends. There's pictures of them, pictures of their cats and their dogs and all this stuff. And then you get these people with like three friends and they're all, you know, strange people no one's ever heard of or, or groups and there's no pictures of them. And I think those people should not be allowed to enter. But I don't know. It's, it, and they, it's a raffle. And if they want to enter the raffle, they enter the raffle. And don't, don't. I'm not interested in it at all. But I might be interested if the tickets were a pound, maybe. Yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? I saw people buying five or six of those tickets for that three pack. They're spending three hundred dollars on something and losing. But if they've, got, if they've got cash to burn, I mean, you know, I mean, maybe my pound a ticket will be too much for some other people. Maybe they only want playing ten p a ticket, but. That's what I could justify, but yeah. if, someone's, you know, if someone's earning, you know, twenty grand a month or something, yeah, you know, what, what's a couple of hundred quid to them? Nothing, is it? They just throw it yeah. away. You know, I, I, yeah. I kind of get. I don't, you know, people want to do it. That's fine. I, I've already not really got a problem with the, the actual premise of what it is. I look at more that I do think is going to damage the hobby, and I think that's where the issue is here. My problem with it is it, it smacks of all the things you've talked about, the, the greed and the, the potential corruption, at the very least. And as Jeff says, it's giving nothing back when you've got sites such as, or, or Facebook groups such as, well, Echo do a lot for charity. Star Wars Forum UK do a lot for charity. You know, And let's not forget Jabba's Court as well, because they do a, a heck of a lot for, for charity and support of Jez on his running Stormtrooper. You've got all these groups and Facebook groups doing things for charity, and the only thing that seems to be happening here is is gambling and people lining their own pockets and selling things over inflated prices uh, perhaps a better way of regulating it would be you get the forum admin whoever that is they say okay you make the submission to me i'll do the valuation on it if you don't like it tough take it elsewhere but for that i am taking a one percent cut for me and say one percent of sales goes towards charity so there's yes there's there's work involved but then there's recompense involved there's money going back into the community you can also you can also make sure that there's a cap on the prices in terms of making it transparent post up a video like jez did for his draws for his running stormtrooper a video of the draw being done live then they do do that sorry they do do that they do do that do they yeah okay yeah well, I'm, I'm not sure how you can still be that, fixed, then. though, can't it? You could you could keep videoing it until you get your winner you want. Not if right. you say the draw will be done at nine o'clock tonight and it's done at right. Oh, well, yeah, live Maybe. at nine o'clock tonight. Yeah. Apparently, I just want to because a lot of people ask questions about that. Um, so I'll just cut that bit off there. What they do is they they do the they do the draw, but they randomise it three times first, and there's a there's a code that gets generated on each draw. And the code can be shared so that you can go and check the code. So there's there's no suspicion whatsoever that these draws are fixed. I create a fake profile, okay? We'll just call it, I don't know, something like Jake Robinson. Okay, so we've got Jake Robinson, who has created a fake profile, and he lists a, a three-pack. And according to the rules, everything is sent through through PayPal. It's all gifted. 
no mention of Lotwi. I get the cash. Okay, moderators, everything's fine. Go and run your draw. I shut my Facebook profile down. I shut my PayPal account down. I've transferred the money. I've gone and I've disappeared with 10 grand cash out of the community. Is that possible? Yeah, of course it is. We've seen it with genuine people doing it. It's got to be easy to stitch this up, surely. Yeah, and that's my biggest concern about all this. I don't think the admins are involved in any way whatsoever in any kind of underhanded, oh yes, we'll, we'll, we can do this, we can do that, we can prioritise with mates. I don't think we can do that. But my biggest concern is the addition of people to this group and the vetting of the people who are selling on this group. And it, that's an extreme case. It doesn't have to be that. As, I think PTU about a year ago had mentioned some guy who was up on Gumtree who had listed a load of cards for 30 quid each. What to stop somebody from going on here and saying, OK, battle one, there you go. I've got a I've got a ninety pound Jedi card, ten battles and nine quid. Whack ninety quid. Easy work, easy money. Um, PayPal will will you know go after people. I mean, I think I, I mentioned to you guys not on, obviously on this, but I had a case where someone had damaged an item of mine, returned it, pretended they hadn't done it, and they immediately got refunded. But I complained and complained and complained, threatened all sorts of <laughs> legal action and stuff. And uh, in the end, they, they actually went and got the money out of the guy's credit card account. So as long as it's attached to something, which all PayPal accounts have to be, they can go to the bank. So whether that's something new they've done or I just didn't know about it. So yeah, there, there are ways of getting the money back. It's whether it's gift, that's the issue. Because you wouldn't have been gift paid, would you? No, I'm a gift paid, but I think I think now they're I think they're realising that people are having a bit of a scam, aren't they? So yep. as long as, as long as accounts are attached to people accounts attached to to bank accounts, which obviously have to be, then I think you know, PayPal do tend to uh, they start to look after people a bit better. I think. Right, guys, we've been quite critical on this, okay? It's gambling's addiction. It's not good for the hobby. It puts nothing back into the community. It's great for sellers who can sell items at overinflated prices, generally, although I am aware that some people on there are selling stuff at decent prices, and I've even seen people reducing the prices on there now in order to attract more to, to attract more buyers. It's a gamble for the buyers, okay? Caveat mTOR, let the buyer away and all that kind of stuff. But what about the people who just say it's a harmless bit of fun, it's a thrill of the buzz, you know, you could go and stick a tenner on the lottery with even more ridiculous odds that you're not going to win. What's the harm in it? What's the damage? Leave us alone. There isn't any harm. They can go and enjoy themselves. My only concern is the hobby rather than the what's going on there. It's their money. They do what they want with it. There's something we haven't kind of touched on, which is um, not really a negative or positive, really. It's the fact that there might be an item there and someone might really want it. And they see and they go, oh, my God, I don't want to go in a raffle. Can I, uh, you know, can I just go and buy this thing off somebody? You know, they might see it late, and the, the raffle's already there. I think, you know, there might be a genuine collector there, and someone, someone who doesn't really care about it. I mean, if I went into a three-pack lottery, I wouldn't really want it. I mean, it'd be nice to have because I'd probably, I'd probably sell it. But um, you know, it's taken away an item that someone might actually really, really want. My big problem is to go right back to the start. There's been a huge thing in the UK recently about gambling and limiting gambling machines and, and bookies to just £10 or even £2. I've seen stories where people have said, oh, I've lost 400 500 600 and even $700 in this battle group already. Now, the, the argument back then will be, yeah, okay, but if you can afford you can afford to lose $700, fine. What about the people who can't afford to lose $700 and think, right, I've lost five battles now, I've lost 500 quid. i I'm going to keep going until I win something that can't, 
you know, that at least gets half my money back. And now we all know that that situation never exists, and yet we've got a huge problem with gamblers in this country. I think I agree with Stu from what he said at the moment. I, I hope this battle page doesn't go on for much longer. It isn't legal. It's against Facebook rules, as far as I can see, which I am fully aware. Can I um, just say something on that, Rich? You saying that, I, I know several people who have, not me personally, but I know several people who have reported the group, mm-hmm. and yet the group's still up. So mm-hmm. I do, you know, uh, do Facebook take that kind of thing seriously? Or are... Well, that's a million-dollar question, isn't it? Because how many people do Facebook have working for them? How many reports do Facebook get? We've reported things left, right, and centre on eBay that are you know, copyright infringement and all that kind of stuff. eBay seem to do nothing about it. Facebook seem to do nothing about this. Has it been reported to PayPal? Who knows? I've got no idea. I will say, though, and that's a good point that Pete just put in text chat, if anybody is feeling as though that they've, they've lost a little bit of money on these Star Wars battles and they're worried about going into any kind of trouble, um, by all means, check our website, such as Gamble Away and places like that. Get in contact with these companies and say, look, this is what's happened, and uh, you know, talk to somebody about it. Don't keep chucking money away at it, because, as you know, the only person who wins in any kind of gambling situation is the person who actually owns the premises or the person who's selling. So... Please be careful, guys. Delighted to welcome this month's main interview. We are joined here by Jesse Cedar Soberman, a very well-renowned three-pack collector, amongst other things in the community. Jesse, welcome to the Vintage Rebellion. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Jez. Hi, Star Wars people. Like you just gave a nod to Jez is with us tonight to go through your collection. Jez, good evening. Hey, Jesse. Pleasure to speak to you again, mate. Good to hear from you. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. That's right. Had him on NA, didn't you, back in episode 38? Yeah, that's right. Some brilliant finds. And that was on one where Simon co-hosted with us. And I'm sure we'll cover that again a little bit later on. Jesse, when we had you on last time, it was for a specific item. But tonight, I'd love to go back to your younger years, why you collect, what your youth was like and coming through as an adult collector. So your younger years, what what was Star Wars to you? Was it the films or the toys? What was your youth like with regards to Star Wars? Well, I was born in 1977. So I like to think like if I was a duck, I was a baby watching Star Wars. And, you know, at that point in time, I think that my dad was collecting Star Wars toys for 
for me, essentially getting a little collection together for me and keeping them all together. And because by the time, um, you know, as soon as I could see any pictures of me as a child, I was holding, you know, a Luke Skywalker figure and, and this and that. Yeah, my, my dad would bring me back a souvenir from when he would go on a trip or something and he would bring me back like, you know, the Death Star or, uh, you know, a land speeder or whatever. So as I, when I was a child, my, you know, he would he would ask me to put the um, Death Star and the Millennium Falcon back in the box and basically, you know, put the figures in the in the Star Wars vinyl case. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I kept it like uh, mint condition, but I, you know, I had a couple of semi-complete decent items that were still in the box. So when I was about 18, I started gathering them all up and looking at what I still had. And it turned out, you know, I had like 24 action figures, um, nothing particularly rare, but in the in the vinyl case and i had uh the death star and the millennium falcon in the box and you know my daddy must have like i said he was kind of collecting at that time for me he found the the tie fighter sorry the tie bomber die cast and the um jawa sandcrawler which i still have today and in some cases i was able to complete these items that i had as a child either through like ebay purchases back in the day or recent more recently with a lot of the wild finds kind of putting the pieces together and completing my Millennium Falcon and my TIE Bomber was missing a wing, that kind of stuff. Him picking up things like the TIE Bomber and the, the Sandcrawler, yeah. is this foresight that these were the rarer items? I wondered that myself because, like I said, I think the, rare, the the best items I had left over besides the complete Death Star and the Millennium Falcon in the box, I had a 12-inch Jawa with most of his accessories, no gun, still looking for that, and the TIE Bomber and the, the Sandcrawler. And I, I think that my father traveled to Michigan, you know, where his family was. And I think when you go to the, the larger population areas, they might have had more toys or cooler, you know, some of the exclusives in the big department stores. And I think that's what happened is that he came back with the coolest thing he saw at the moment. And it just happened to be something you couldn't even get in other places. You know what I'm saying about the, dist the distribution? I didn't study that. But I think if you ask my dad, he would not really remember <laughs> And when he was telling you to make sure you put it away in the box, is that because he wants you to keep your toys nice or did he think they would be collectible one day? Yeah, I mean, I think to some degree that he did acknowledge that he knew that it was collectible and that people were commenting on that a little bit like this is going to be collectible someday. But, you know, nobody really had a lot of people didn't really have the foresight to keep things sealed and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah. you know, like he even uh, at one point in time, you know, we moved on and we started buying Transformers and things like that. And I had like a, um, a, a jet fire and an Optimus Prime. Sorry to get off topic. That I also kept in the box. So it was like these items, the boxes were really, you know, ripped and sometimes they had tape on them or the proof of purchase missing. But it was kind of cool to have that start off with my childhood collection really intact. And that's that's been something that I've never sold. Like I, I put that in a special, you know, box of its own. This is my stuff. No matter how torn up it is, it's mine and it will always be untouchable. You get to adult life. I think you just mentioned you're 18 and you start to look at these as collectibles rather than toys. Well, I lived in Oregon at the time, and I had graduated high school, but I hadn't started college yet. I was trying to save some money to move to Hawaii in college, and I just was bored, and I started calling antique stores and asking, do you guys have Star Wars toys? You know, some of them would have a couple of loose figures, and um, I did find a comic shop. It's like in Beaverton, Oregon. At one point, it's funny, you know, I talked to Todd Chamberlain years later, and he said that he lived in the same area at the time, and he attended the same uh, comic shop that I did, and he knew the, the 
guy that was selling Star Wars toys. And I did see a couple carded figures. I remember seeing a Darth Vader. And at the time, I thought, that's ridiculous to pay $100 for a carded figure that you don't even open. I just want a loose figure that I can look at. I don't care if it has guns. I don't care if it's in mint condition. I just want the ones that I don't have. And I went around buying a few. And and, and even, um, you know, my mom bought me a few for Christmas that year. And some of them, I mixed them with my childhood figures at the time. And I kind of don't remember which are which. So, again, I leave those in the childhood collection bucket you know like these are off limits i'm not going to try to figure out what's what but that was kind of that phase and then of course after that episode one came around what so that would have been around 96 so it's i was a pretty early adopter but i hadn't really gotten serious about it had you gotten into the power of the force 2 line in 96 i looked at it didn't like it at all didn't like the way it looked i was like i, I don't he-man went out of style years ago and what about the episode one figures? Because you're saying 99. Yeah, so 99 comes around. I'm in college. You know, I'm still carrying. I'm carrying my childhood figures around with me when I move houses and stuff. I get them out every now and again, and but not too much. And Star Wars Episode One comes out, and I go and watch it. And then all of a sudden, I realize I need there's action figures in the store. I need to go buy some of these. You know, <laughs> so I you know I got on my bike or got on the bus and rode out to Fred Meyer's and and Target and stuff and and. I collected them one by one really slowly and some of them I opened and some of them I didn't and that was fun you know I, I remember distinctly having a pod race with between Sebulba and Anakin's pod racers in my in my uh, driveway and stuff <laughs> around the block you carry on collecting and in all honesty you build up a very 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 impressive collection don't you yeah um, you know I mean it's it's not it, it's never going to be uh, up to the standards that I originally <laughs> from my older collection what the stuff i found back then was a lot easier to find really nice stuff than it is today for the price at least you know your, your original collection can you kind of give us an overview of of what it looked like before you decided to sell any of it just to just to kind of make the final link i think between like episode one and episode two i had a friend a person i met in Hilo town had a, um, a a shop that sold a lot of beanie babies and pokemon at the time and he had those episode one action figures so my wife went in there and said oh he's looking for a, a queen on me dollar or something like that you know a figure i couldn't find and again i wasn't very serious about it at the time i just didn't want to spend that much money and i, I wanted a couple of key figures that i like uh, but at that time i was you know looking at them as sealed examples and stuff and then so i ended up meeting this guy who owned the shop and the first time he took me out shopping he just would buy everything simpsons star wars legos whatever you know and he would always be looking for the like investment value of which ones would shoot up in value and make a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars off of it or whatever so i kind of copied the way he did it and and that's when i started getting really serious about it and eventually yeah i looked on ebay and I saw the vintage carded line and stuff. And of course, I flipped my mind. You know, I flipped my lid. I don't know if you guys remember that first moment when you realize you could buy carded figures. You kind of spend a lot of money all at once, right? Yeah, easily done. The whole carded thing just slowly creeps up on you doesn't it the whole journey from figures to carded to so on and so forth as it progresses you would never have thought for a second when you first got into your collecting figures that you'd end up progressing uh, onto what you ultimately did right you know yeah you run to the store you you see the first day the figures come out and you know then you go home and you go on ebay and you're looking at amazing items um and i think uh, the first time i noticed the three packs was in steve sand suites uh, it was a gray book they have 
have that um that three pack line in there, and I, I thought, wow, Android set, and it has Chewbacca in it. That's so interesting, and the colors are so so nice, and the way they all look together, and I just fell in love with them right then. I went home, I looked on eBay, and at that moment in time, Bill Wills was selling he had a literally stack of them on ebay and he said he was selling a few at a time and he said you know you never you rarely ever see this many uh, at once in one sale of course at the time you're thinking man you can, these are easy to get you know i can just go on e- ebay there they are there's a whole stack of them and um so i i bought um an imperial set from him and i, I passed on a rebel set you know, and back then those were selling for a thousand to twelve hundred, right in there. That was pretty expensive because these things were mint condition. And then I ended up buying an Android set from them and a Droid set from them that were also just case fresh, beautiful, anywhere between a thousand to two thousand dollars. And so then I had a nice little beautiful, uh, you know, uh, condition three pack collection, three or four. And then next thing I was like, hey, you know, I gotta have like, you know, gotta have more like seven or ten and you know whatever. And I just kept buying them. And yeah, at one point I completed the six. Uh, for a very brief moment in time, I ended up kind of doing a trade, and I didn't even end up getting. Um, I don't. I don't know if I took a photo and I lost it, but I don't have any photos of it. I would just randomly take photos, like if I would get a bunch of displays I liked and a bunch of three packs, and every now and again I would just put them all into a picture and take random pictures. You know, I wish I had kept better records of how it was back then. But I think you know to answer your initial question, you were asking what did my collection look like back then. So my focus was three. So again, I, I found the advertising displays. Um, I, I think another thing that really just changed my world was finding Gus Lopez's. At, at that uh, time, the website was called Toys R Gus. Yeah. It's currently known as the Star Wars Collector's Archive. Just looking through at some of the prototype items and pre-production and, and advertising displays, I really fell in love with the advertising displays. So again, in that photo, you see there's like, I don't know if it's Toy Galaxy or Toy Center. It's probably the less rare one. I had a, I had a 21 Bell. I don't think I ever had a 12 header but i had uh, several bins with tray you know with the action figure tray and my goal at one point was to fill that up with 12 backs of course like everybody wants to do i had a die cast display and header i had the early bird header I believe twice i had this collect all 65 the collect all 79 um i had an empire space scene display uh, which is the du- dual-sided one you know like an oral b toothbrush display i had all 16 three packs i've had doubles or triples of most of them with the exception of bespin alliance rebel set rebel set series three i was only able to find one of those back then occasionally like i did have a couple of interesting finds like i found um one guy sold me 115 return of the jedi carded figures for like three thousand dollars it was like amazing i was so happy jesse can i just stop you there for a second because some of the stuff you've listed already all of our <laughs> listeners will be what sorry we've just glossed over the yeah yeah i had all 16 let's just go back to that for a second shall we all 16 three pack I don't believe that there are, I don't know, more more than five known collectors who have got a full set of 16 three-packs. Do, do you know, I mean, within the three-pack collecting community, tell us about the three-pack collecting community as well, because you must all be fairly well connected. To have a full set of 16 is, is something pretty historic, isn't it? Well, I mean, I will, you know, preface it by saying it's all a little secretive. At times, it can be kind of secretive. And there are people that have published the fact that they had completed a set, and then it became public knowledge. But I believe that there would be at least as many that nobody ever really knew who had it or if that set existed, right? So I do know of famous photo, and I believe that it belonged to Jeff Jacobs. He had a set that, and again, I believe it was assembled by the help of Thomas 
Derby. Please don't quote me on this. Uh, this sure. is all legend at this point, but uh, a set of AFA 80s. I'm sure it could be easily confirmed by somebody who has took better notes than me. But yeah, there was a set of AFA 80. That's like the has been the gold standard. You know, we know of Russell Branton's collection that's currently on Hakes. That's two. It would definitely, I think, you run out of people to name and you know, or even rumors. You know, because I, I I know of at least let's see one two. I know of at least three four people who currently have a full set. That's what I know. And then there's there's um, me and a couple other people who are in the like you know eight nine ten group ten eleven group. You know, and I I um I mean we haven't got into my current collecting yet, but yeah, I was you know you, you can get up to eight or nine or ten in a year, and then it kind of slows down. But but as far as me finding that sixteen, I think okay, I, I bought those ones Phil Wills. I bought a couple from Todd Chamberlain. A, a bunch of people came out of the woodwork and offered some to me. And uh, I think Nick Stasis had 14 and he gave up. He sold, he had a big sale. It was great. I, I bought um, my best spin set from Nick Stathis, which is a real uh, tough stumbling block. And, you know, I had found like a reseal Hoff Rebels. The, the details of it are even really fuzzy for me from back then. But at one point in time, um, two best spin alliance sets popped up on eBay. And this guy had just had them up in his attic. And before I could get to um, you know, Cloud City Collectibles bought these two AFA 80s quality Bespin Alliance sets. Basically a wild find on eBay. And in that shakeup, I was able to get the Bespin Alliance, um, somebody else's upgrade set from a private collection. Uh, and that was, I think, the final piece. When, when you say you, you're putting it together, was it easier in your original time to put together a 16 than it would be now? Are they more underground now? I mean, I wouldn't say that it was easy. No. I would definitely, you know, I think that if you, you know, if you have a lot of cash, you can shake stuff out easier. But I think back then, you know, I had to talk to a lot of people. I had to, you know, really show them that I was serious about collecting three packs and, you know, in some cases offer more money than other people. But if, if it was easier back then, you know, probably it just, it's just, there's only so many of, of, you know, some of the Empire Strikes Back sets and the hero set that they just don't come up that often. And when come up, you know, you really have to be ready. And I mean, back then I was ready. I, I just really wanted them really bad and I, I made sure to get everything I think now you know, you're competing with people at a higher uh, income bracket. You know, we were younger then. You know, we've, our careers have developed now. And, you know, some of the same people even have more money now. And plus, you know, you have a lot of people now who want just one three-pack for their focus. You know, if you're like, not to call anybody out, but let's say you're an FX7 collector, then you want you really want a Hoth Rebel set. So there's one Hoth Rebel set that's not part of a complete set. Well, that makes it that much harder to make a complete set, right? So I want to come into your current collection in a minute, but... Just before we get there, you so your original collection, you've got a full run of uh, three packs, you've got prototype items for three packs, you just said Blaze. Why and when do you sell? Well, you know, let me make sure to come back to that why do I sell why did I sell at the time? But I wanted to touch on what prototypes. One of the one of the coolest things basically in my life was was meeting a Kenner employee, Tom Nyheisel. I think most people would you know who were collecting back then would have had a chance to see his list of prototypes and proofs and I just asked him, Do you have any three pack items? And he had like four chromalins, hundred and fifty bucks each, and I just bought those right away. And I also bought um, you know, a bunch of power of the force unproduced logos referred to as the lost logos so i had about 13 of those you know and he used to have like he had a, a gargan hard 
hard, hard copy for sale, unproduced figure. He had all the proofs. I mean, it was amazing what he had back then. But just, just meeting a Kenner employee, talking to them on the phone. You know, I was in the, at one point during Celebration 2, if I had made it, I was going to go visit him. And it was really like a dream come true. But I think that was around the same time, you know, getting back to your question of why did I sell, that the whole thing kind of changed for me. Um, because I, I guess I always started from the beginning of when I started collecting, I usually would sell a piece, a few pieces, and then, uh, you know, get into the piece that I really wanted. And, you know, like, I know uh, I bought uh, Power of the Force Wicket was one of the first carded figures I bought. And it was nice. It was maybe like a C8 plus, And I, I got it for like 60 bucks, I think. And 90 I don't I don't know. It was cheap back then. And then I realized I could sell it for like 120 And I made 60 bucks, you know? And I just was like, I really like this Wicket. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it again for 60 bucks, But I, if I sell this, then I can go and buy that Sears Canadian for three pack, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of made that choice that I had to do that. But why did I sell my, why did I sell my chroma lens? Why did I sell my early bird display? Why did I sell my white Imperial set prototype uh, mock-up? Why did I sell my quality control Bespin set? Those, you know, that some of those are worth twenty to 25000 now. Why did I sell them? I think, you know, when, sorry to give the canned answer, you know, that most people would give at the end of the, uh, you know, prequel trilogy um collecting kind of kind of slowed down for a while i guess you'd call it like the second dark age <laughs> i had um issues with space i had a lot of stuff in a in my house i had issues with um, weather you know with items deteriorating bit by bit and i i had issues with w- worrying about theft and things like that and 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 then the, i think the final factor was well two things i was expanding my house and i wanted to take my kids to disneyland so i kind of prioritized that experience of life and uh, enjoying you know disneyland and disney world with my kids over the three pack at that time so i mean it's it's easy to say like oh, okay yeah i sold something for x amount that could have been worth 10 times x but i i have those memories and experiences of spending you know vacation with my kids and I expanded my house. So here I am today in 2016. Um, you know, Force Awakens comes out. Everybody loves it. And, and we all start collecting again. What year was that when you decided to sell? Well, again, I think at the time there were certain items that I kept in really high uh, esteem in my collection. I kept them in a, in a, in a, you know, to myself. But I think most people who know me <laughs> from back then will remember that I kind of always had a list. Like, here's the items I have. You know, here's, here's the price that I value it at. And and most of my stuff at the right price would have been for sale. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of an ongoing process. Like when, when did I, when did I sell? It was an ongoing process, you know? And uh, so, yes, yeah, so things were just generally available over a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, like I said, there were certain pieces that I kept aside, like my first Imperial set that I bought from Bill Wills. And, you know, I, I, I had an Imperial forces kept right down to the last. Yeah. It just, it just came down to, uh, to that last moment where I said, you know, I still really want to take my kids on vacation so i'm just gonna sell these last pieces that were really special to me you know or i really wanted to make that last uh, investment in my house and hey jesse if you had waited three years your kids would have all been grown up and, and you would have missed that thing you're a man completely after my own heart and i'm sure our listeners as well because from a principal's point of view yeah i've had to do exactly the same thing last year it doesn't mean to say you're any less of a fan or anything like that you still acquired a fantastic collection since then but as you said you you just prioritize and it sounds to me like you've nailed the prioritization so um yeah no all good all good from my point of view thank you jess yeah i would 
would say to those people who are concerned about, I could say that I've been a, a flipper. You know, I've been a person who sells. I would say to people who are concerned about that, you know, getting a bad reputation from that, just do it with passion. Make sure that you are doing what you love, that you're going after what you love. And don't just, the, the lesson that I learned from, you know, letting go of everything and then coming back into a, a market where things were just not available, things were really expensive. Nobody was letting go of anything good. Um, you know, especially the year after The Force Awakens, the market was just mad at that moment in time, right? Indeed. And, yeah. So, you know, it was like, yeah, you're looking back and like, wow, there's so much regret here, but uh, about the items I let go of, I'm never going to be able to see those chromalins again, you know, and those uh, three-pack chromalins. If, if anybody's listening to this and, uh, you know, I know where three of those chromalins are. One of them is unaccounted for. If you're listening to this and you have that chromalin and you bought it from me, please email me. Let me know. I'm still looking to buy those back. <laughs> shameless plug yeah i mean coming back into that market it was it was a little disheartening the lesson that i learned was to really keep at least one special item out of each find that i make you know because it's not just about me selling these things and making the maximum profit it's about me having a memory from each one of these collecting experiences whether it's meeting people or you know having a great find you know that person gave you something that was special to them and you have to keep it special to you you came back into the hobby properly early 2016 let's see the the movie came out in the end of 2015 yeah yeah i want to say that that's about when i started collecting yeah yeah so you've come back in and let's be honest about it things have really changed the last two three years in this hobby a whole stream of things so you come back in first of all you look at the three packs you just said that you've already you're up to eight nine ten three packs already on another run that's quite an achievement in 18 20 months what are you seeing price wise with three packs to when you originally put the run together to what you're having to pay now all prices have gone up but the three packs from i've never bought a three pack but from an outsider looking in those prices seem to have gone astronomical compared to other areas of the hobby just how different is it could you give us some kind of numbers you know from when i started collecting three packs in like 2002 2003 like i said i paid about 1200 for my imperial set that's an interesting story about that three pack because i i've actually sold it twice and <laughs> i still own it so i sold it once for i believe 3000 or 3500 to a man in yemen and then about two months later at celebration it, it came back and uh, Jordan Hembro bought it. He threw it up on eBay. I said, hey, that's my three-pack. I just sold it for $3,000, and I bought it back for 1800 on eBay. So that would have been around maybe 2005, I think. Then I sold it to um, a guy in the UK when I, when I had basically had sold all my three packs for for five thousand that would have been around 2010 i want to say so i'd had that set for eight years then you know six years goes by i come back into collecting i, I go i look up three packs i look up in you know i see this imperial set on ebay and it was my imperial set the first one i had ever bought and it was being advertised for ten thousand dollars i wasn't able to buy it and it sold i'm not sure who the collector is but there was a um toy grader pedigree out of 10 Texas or something like that. And then he ended up selling it through um, through a Texas toy store. And I made a deal and I bought it. I won't disclose the price. It was less than what it sold for on eBay. But it was a lot more than I paid for it originally. So I still own that. My first ever Imperial set. That's incredible. And it's been to Yemen. You wouldn't have yep. there'd been that many collectors out there, would you? It's been at Celebration. It, you know, it's been with Hollywood Heroes. It's been with Bill Wills. It's been to the it's, UK. It's been in some good hands. And it keeps coming home, which is a lovely, lovely story. The Imperial set, is that the one with Zuckus in it? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Zuckus, uh, TIE Fighter Pilot. 
pilot and ADAT driver. Yeah, lovely. The other thing about coming back into the hobby, back when you probably left the hobby, it was very much a forum-based community. But you come back and Facebook is taken off in a big way. Good or bad, I don't know how you look at it. What did you think of Facebook when you first came back into the community? Was it something you grasped and got involved with? I think that there was a lot of new faces. And then there, there was a lot of people who maybe you knew in the Rebel Scum forum, but you didn't know that you knew them because you didn't know their name, maybe. You only knew their their RS handle. So a lot of times you would say, hey, I was, my name was Bespin Alliance on Rebel Scum. You remember me? <laughs> you know? But I think at first coming back, it was like, I wanted people to remember me like, hey, do you, don't you remember me? I had the three packs and the displays and stuff. I'm like, well, what do you have now? Nothing, you know? So it was a little difficult. Um, but, you know, a few people really um, helped me get back into it. You know, like Chris Caswell was real supportive. You know, he had, he had amassed a major collection of three packs and, you know, prototype pre-production three pack items. And, and he said, you know, you can do it. And so, you know, he helped me, you know, keep my morale up and help me get a, a three pack. And then uh, a couple of the people were real supportive. I had some good friends out there that, you know, like Alan Young was a guy that I used to collect with and he got back into collecting. But yeah, I chatted with like Mike Mensinger on Rebel Scum when I, when I first came back and I said, what's going on? Like nobody's in the forum now. I think the Facebook element has definitely helped helped with the expansion and the and the availability or the sort of ease of access for people and networking. While we're on the topic of Facebook, what about the Facebook battles? It's something that we've discussed on a, on this show just previous to this interview. And in particular, you've got a, a three-pack which was put up there, the villain set, which, you know, all the three-packs are rare pieces. And this item has ended up being won by a non-Star Wars collector. What's your overview opinion on the battles and an item like that going to someone who's not got that, that instinct to care and look after it and love that item that is a nuanced issue <laughs> it's, it's still a new thing you know i heard about it i didn't think much of it and then of course when i saw that the three pack had been offered i, I went and took a look i think that if it's the right time for you and you want to do that go for it i just think that when it comes to really particularly special items there is there is a stewardship issue with people you know like you said taking care of them you know yeah. like not oh i forgot it was up in my attic and it got wet and that, you know yeah. but you know I, I i can see how it could be good to like potentially like let's say an item has inflated in price and it's not even selling but that's just the value and then it goes on there somebody wins it if they were to sell it back at a much lower price and somebody who really wanted it got it then that could kind of refresh that you know maybe potentially refresh people's interest and energy in those items that's my thoughts on that but it's kind of nuanced i think and also you've already alluded to it twice what what did you think about the recent hakes auction especially with well, three mean, packs it went okay i mean i i think that um for me i've been using hakes for 15 years to buy star wars toys i always tried to keep it a secret <laughs> and it worked out really well for me <laughs> i don't think that that's possible anymore um but so it, it, it it's fun to watch it's entertainment um i'm certainly interested if i could get a, a three pack i need but I'm not counting on it because of the publicity there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, brought a lot of attention. Uh, and, and and I think it's, you know, there's some benchmarks that come out of those prices and milestones, but I don't think it's going to determine the value going forward. It's just a benchmark. But, you know, I, like I said, I, I used to um, buy, at one point in time, there was like the Tomarts collection was on Hakes. And I was buying, I bought a bin from him. I bought like a, a pack of 
four or five shipper boxes, you know, and I'd buy them with one bid. I bought Lily Letty stuff on there. I bought a lot of really, you know, Boba Fett's and just great items at, at, at respectable prices. Um, and I would talk to Ted Hakes, who was the owner back then. And he had the, like the world standard for customer service. And I would talk to him and his wife and it was a family run business. At some point in time, they sold to a larger auction house. So they use his name, um, but he's not associated with the business anymore. And he has his own, uh, he was more into like political buttons and things like that. So if you find Ted Hake's new website, that's what he sells. But it's a, it's a wonderful auction house. They have the best customer service in the world for any of those auction houses. And it's great. I mean, to, to have an opportunity to bid on a full set of three packs. I mean, it's, it's a great time for everybody. With regard to three packs, I just want to move off off them in a minute but just at a stab in the dark if you were thinking of putting together a full 16 what would be the hardest of the 16 packs to be chasing down and can you kind of give us a ballpark figure of what the 16 might cost in the current market i think it again is a nuanced issue when you're talking about which one is most difficult to find because it becomes kind of dynamic when you look at who is looking for what item at a given time and um that item all of a sudden starts to seem really hard to find um because there's about I think when you look at the Empire Strikes Back sets, there's about three to five sets that are, you know, tied for first and second place as the most difficult sets to find. And those would be the, the special offer Empire sets, the, the second series Rebel set, and the third series Bespin set. So, uh, you know, typically the first three Empire sets are considered the most difficult to find. That's the Imperial Forces, the Bespin Alliance, and the Hop Rebels. For me, the, the, the most difficult one to find has always been the Bespin Alliance. But again, I've only had one Rebel set with R2-D2 and Luke Hoth. So, you know, those are both... You know, but the Rebel set isn't even supposed to be that rare compared to those other ones, but I've only had it an opportunity to own it once, and I've owned, like, as many as 53 packs. As far as putting together a whole run, again, I think it's it can be very um, variable because, you know, like, if you throw a three-pack up on eBay on a given day, it could be... It could sell for 7000 or it could sell for 3500 And I don't think you can really say that the last eBay price is the actual price. So, I mean, it really comes down to who has what and if they're willing to sell and if those items, you know, come up and are available. Because I've heard people say, like, oh, I, I, I've been offered the Best Bun Alliance set more than, than, than the Android set recently. And that's, that's crazy. But, you know, you, 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 if you miss those opportunities to buy it, it doesn't come along much after that. So, I mean, I would think you're looking at at least, I don't know, maybe 140,000. Uh, not too bad then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a real rough estimate. I just said, you know, five thousand for eight of them and ten thousand for eight of them. You know, that's kind of how I figured that out, and that may or may not be very accurate. <laughs> I don't think that was that far away from what we were expecting when we were discussing the Hague's auction a month or so back. Yeah. Actually, um, okay. from our point of view, Jesse, if I may, I know Stu said we're just going to move away. I've just got two final questions for you with regards to three packs. First of all, having completed a full set and then moved them on, and now you're back into Star Wars again, you're in a position where you can collect star wars is so vast there's so much to collect there's so many different avenues why three packs why have you gone back to three packs when that's something you've already achieved did you consider going along a different avenue or was it a no-brainer you are three packs well when i came back i thought that i was gonna have to get used to enjoying the most minimal items like at one point i considered just collecting catalogs and you know paper items something that i could put in a box and not have to spend that much money on but of course like usual it escalates to that that point you know where you're in 
in over your head with the most uh with your most desirable items right why do i love three pack i've always liked multi-packs with the exception of i'm not so into mailers i mean i, I can see the value there but i like items like the crafter mac kdm packs or the items packed with the mini rigs i like the sears multi-packs you know seven packs 12 packs yeah. um i love i love the um the kdm play packs that come with two figures inside or the the darth vader case with the three baggies all the special offer items like what i what i try to do and not to give anybody ideas please don't compete with me <laughs> no it, it's it's okay if you want to get into multi-packs and three packs just email me and I'll, I'll give you a rundown but i like to collect i would like to collect all 96 figures with the majority of them being inside of some kind of three pack special offer item or um, multi-pack of some sort i just think it's a cool aesthetic, and that's what I like about it, you know? That's a really good challenge, isn't it? To go for all the figures in some form of pack. So there's some reason to my, my rhyme or uh, <laughs> method to my madness. Now, my final question, slightly off, slightly strange one here. You've been around for so long, be it on the forums, very well-established collector, very connected co- uh, collector. If you were to create your own three-pack, you are one of those figures. Within the collecting community, who would the other two figures be within the collecting community? And what would your three-pack be called? Wow. And bearing in mind that we haven't preloaded you with this question. So if afterwards there's anyone who you've forgotten, you've got a get-out-of-jail free card there, really. You know, we are putting you on the spot with this one. Okay, well, you know, there's so many people who who obviously would go into the first wave. There's maybe nine people. <laughs> and you know who you are. But um, if, if I was going to make one three-pack, and um, let's let's call it... Let's not call it a hero set. That's kind of boring. Uh, let me think about that for a second. But, you know, I'm going to go with the, the person that sold me my my first three-pack, Bill Wills, and, and not to gloss over anybody who sold me a, a great three-pack uh, three or prototype um, or Canadian three-pack or whatever, but um, and then I'm going to go to the um, the person that today probably has S collection, which would be Christopher Caswell. That's going to be the, uh, was it the three-pack, three-pack? No. Um, the, um, gosh, what would you call that? You guys have any ideas? Well, actually, it just came to me when you said Bill Wills, and, and I was just thinking, you know, the old guard, the people with all the knowledge and stuff you could be the guardians of the wills <laughs> yes perfect <laughs> guardians of the wills because that's what i'm I'm, I'm still colli- i'm still protecting that original imperial set that i bought Absolutely. from Bill i think that works perfectly mate and also when i asked chris that question you were in his three pack as well big man hug going on there wait am i am i allowed to put myself in the three pack yeah you're the you know you're the one bill and chris cool. guardians of the wills what was the name of chris's three pack i think or oh, you put me on the spot there i think it was something like the real trifecta or something right. like that oh thank you so much that was a great question one thing i wanted to ask you jesse was um, especially on facebook you get a lot of what they call the wild finds um but it does appear you seem to to stump up with some some fantastic finds at times don't you um what i really wanted to know was how you go about finding these if you're willing to diverge your information and perhaps you could tell us a story of maybe your best in the wild find i mean i don't think it's a big secret i i check craigslist i check offer up you know and especially craigs i i refresh it i try to do 
do it daily. And I think if if in your town, you know, wherever you live, eventually somebody's going to sell their childhood collection. And it may or may not be that great. But, you know, as soon as it goes up, they're going to get an email from somebody. And depending where you live, you know, there may there may be more competition or people that are willing to spend that kind of money. And I just happen to be I just try to be the first person to contact them. You know, I've I put an ad on Craigslist once and I couldn't believe that I an email saying, how are these? And it had a, uh, a 77 back Boba Fett and a Luke Jedi, you know, and I got a really good deal on those. And then but from meeting that guy, he took me to the local swap meet and introduced me to a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, people that were selling stuff at the at the swap meet. And I kind of just was friendly to people. But I asked them, you know, do you have any vintage Star Wars toys? And a lot of them are they're a little guarded at first. Oh, I'm not selling. I'm buying or, you know, whatever. You know, when they're ready to sell, let you know. And I found some pretty, you know, purchased people's collections that way. I'll just name like two finds because I don't want to just talk about my best find since I've already talked about that. But when I uh, when I was collecting uh, after The Force Awakens, like I said, I was really collecting quite modestly a figure here or there. And I, I got a call from Todd Hudson and, and he had um, discovered a lady out, out by the Disney Hotel on that side of the island and who had like um, 43 carded Return of the Jedi figures, about 10 ships, a couple puzzles and about 10 mini rigs all sealed boxed you know and he said can you go look at it for me and um i was pretty pretty impressed with that find Uh, it wasn't the greatest find you know in terms of value but just after being in in such a state of being such a humble collector at that time and to find a huge cachet of 43 carded jedi figures um really got me started again and me and todd split the lot you know he's was really fair about uh letting me um hold on to quite a bit of that and that really got me rolling of course i think the biggest find i had this year was the three three pack with the 16 or 17 uh, 12 or 20 backs that were kind of open but with the mint figures and a couple of sealed 12 backs and die cast and whatever else is in that photo also found a shaken and a birthday poster so some really and oh yeah i just bought a double telescoping vader a couple weeks ago so sorry if that's too much information but i I think i attached photos of those <laughs> just found it. Just found a double telescope invader. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't get that on my gum tree over where I live. <laughs> go lie down for a bit. I'm, I'm lucky if I find a dancing Jar Jar. So. Yeah. I've had a good. I've had some good luck this year. I've had some great finds. I think just moving to a big city and and just really penetrating out there and being friendly to people and kind of you know persistent but friendly. Yeah, that's one, my pointer. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely said that when uh, when we had you on and you were discussing that incredible find and just saying that just being friendly, just just making connections, making the most of of what we've got on the forums and Facebook and celebration, etc. It's the way forward. Yeah, I mean, and and even one more time. I found I don't usually look at face. I didn't usually look at Facebook uh, Marketplace, but I just said, you know, maybe I should look. And this guy had uh, five classic Star Wars figures. There was five Jedi. It was an alternate photo: Chewbacca, Vader, and Ben, and a Luke Jedi and a Leia Bush. And he said two fifty or best offer. And so I was like, oh, is it still available? And I, I ran down there and met him. And and I was like, well, you said best offer. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, how about two forty? You know, I felt bad, but I was like, well, if you say best offer, you got to at least try, right? Oh man, good for you. <laughs> so two forty for those, I thought was a great deal too. Jesse. We've kept you for quite a while. It's only got through half of what I wanted to cover. But my, my final question is if the Earth was going to be a, be no more and we're being moved to a new planet, so monetary value, doesn't matter out there, and there's only room for one 
piece of your collection on the shuttle what are you taking yeah i mean it's gonna have to be my aerial set afa 80 uh, the first set i ever bought from bill wills sold it twice bought it back tw- three times well you've sent it to yemen and you've sent it to the uk you may as well send it to space eh? yes sir so, <laughs> well jesse thank you ever so much it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to chat with you tonight and uh, fascinating some of the stuff you've had go through you and you're so like yeah just just had that and just had this <laughs> It's been a sunny eye-opening. Thank you ever so much for your time, mate. Thank you so much for calling and for having me on the show. Um, you know, if anybody wants to send me a instant message on Facebook and ask me any questions about any of the stuff we talked about or any of the photos, that'd be great. Yeah, it's been a, it's, it's been a lot of fun uh, talking to you guys. Thanks a lot. Jesse, thank you so much. It's been our pleasure, as it was last time. Thank you. Great. Have a nice day, guys. You too, mate. Thank, thank you. you ever so much. over to Jezebel to see what gentlemen have been buying. Hello, what have we here? Ah, good. New acquisition. Yeah, so here we go, lads. This is the time of the show. New acquisitions. Well, we've scoured the forums and scoured the various Facebook groups looking for new acquisitions which people have been showing off. And we've had a look at these and seen what takes our fancy. We're going to go straight over, as we often do, to Stars Forum UK on page 217, where straight away one of the biggest posts which we've seen for a while, Sublevel Studios, shows off his elusive Thai bomber. Now, he's had this in a post uh, and he's absolutely delighted with it. Rich, I'm going to come straight to you because you've been after one of these bad boys, haven't you? Yeah, I've been after one for ages. I get loads of people sending me links to them on eBay and I'm always either the second underbidder or they hit a point where I think that's it, the one for crazy money and pull out. How much are you willing to spend on it, Rich? I would say for one that's off-white, which most of them are off-white, about 180, 200. You're quite low because I had a little look on Tracker and the average selling for loose is £318 at the moment. And yeah. the lowest sale this year was £206 that's been recorded. Yeah. So I think they've obviously gone up since you uh, set your mini target. Rich, are you, are you not in a box, Rich? I'm not budging, box? nor loose. Loose, okay. Yeah, I'm not budging. I'm telling you now. <laughs> okay, Rich, take out now, well i love the post which he's put on which mark's put on one of those moments you dream of happening on this piece newly listed buy it now with offer and the seller accepted a cheeky offer straight away then a fraught few weeks waiting for it to show up and hopefully undamaged knowing the bubbles on these are prone to splitting in transit absolutely stunning condition almost case fresh easily one of the best he's ever seen with hardly a scratch on it brilliant i mean and as we say Diecast High Bomber, 
I mean, yeah, these uh, these are really, really special. I'll tell you what I didn't realise on this die-cast type bomber until you put it in the show notes and I was having a little look. Um, have you seen who's piloting it? It's a Hoff Stormtrooper. Yeah, no, uh, it's a Stormtrooper, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's, uh, the Hoff one is very, 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 very odd combination to have him sitting in there. But, um, yeah, yeah, very cute. Well, congratulations, Mark. And these are, these are so fantastic. You know, lads, over the last couple of months, we've introduced the Vintage Rebellion Alliance. Well, we've been recruiting. And I'm delighted to say that we've got a new member of the Vintage Rebellion Alliance who's going to be coming on again later on to talk about one of the key things. But Ron Salvatore, when he knew that we were going to be talking about this, said, hey, I can tell you a little bit about this. So now we're going to go straight to Ron to see what he's got to say. Hey guys, Ron Salvatore here. Uh, you asked me to talk about the TIE Bomber, uh, the die-cast TIE Bomber, which was part of Kenner's uh, vintage toy line. So I'm here to do that. Uh, the TIE Bomber is, as I think most collectors know, the rarest of the Kenner die-cast vehicles. It's also one of the most impressive vehicles in the line, mostly because the vehicle you see in the movie was, let's face it, pretty darn cool. You know, I say cool, I think... A term you guys would be more familiar with is probably Kraken, so we'll say that it's a very Kraken vehicle. Uh, the bomber was the last entry in the larger range of die-cast vehicles released by Kenner. Uh, the previous three large vehicles in that line were the Millennium Falcon, the Y-Wing Fighter, and the Imperial Cruiser, or as I think a lot of collectors call it, a Star Destroyer. Uh, these were large, window-boxed vehicles that were pretty much nicer, more detailed, and certainly, like I said, larger than the smaller vehicles like the um, X-Wing Fighter and the Landspeeder. Uh, the TIE Bomber first turned up in Kenner's 1980 Toy Fair catalog with a dark gray paint job, so it was represented by a prototype. But really, that was the end of the road for the toy. Uh, it, along with the rest of the die-cast line, was canceled unceremoniously uh, soon afterwards. So, you know, in the later part of 1980 into the early part of 1981. Uh, for years, the story concerning the TIE Bomber was that it was test marketed in a limited area of the United States. Good story, but as far as I can tell, that is a collecting legend. In other words, there's no real good proof of that. It's just, you know, something that gets said. You know, I tend to think that collectors like to claim it was test marketed because it sounds cooler and more technical than just saying, well, it's rare. Uh, anytime a collector can, can sound more technical or more uh, official, uh, they usually take that option. So test market, it sounds good. Whether it really was, you know, who knows. Uh, in a 1993 issue of Starlog, which is a, a science fiction magazine that was, I don't think it's around anymore, but it was published in the United States, Steve Sansweet mentioned that it might be exclusive to a certain department store. So in Steve's recollection at that time, he thought it had been uh, exclusive to one of the big retailers. So that's another idea that's been floating around about the TIE Bomber for a number of years. So I went back, I looked through, this was a couple of years ago, I looked through all of the, the catalogs of the major retailers. See, there's some benefits to having a giant, unwieldy catalog collection. Uh, so I went back and looked at all the major retailers' Christmas catalogs from 1980, and I found no evidence of the TIE Bomber being offered by any of them. So it was not offered by Sears, JCPenney, Wards, etc. And those would have been really the big retailers that would have had an exclusive, at least a mail-order retailers. The closest we get is Sears in 1980 offered the three other large die-cast vehicles, 
So the Star Destroyer, the Falcon, and the Y-Wing, but they did not offer the TIE Bomber. On top of that, I have a newspaper advertisement, which is really one of the few pieces of vintage advertising material I can find that has the TIE Bomber in it. It is uh, fall of 1980, I believe it's November, so I think Thanksgiving period, uh, and it's offered by a store named Toy City, located in the Memphis, Tennessee area. Toy City was actually a chain, but this particular ad was tied to the Memphis, Tennessee uh, outlet. And, you know, they show, so you're right there in that ad, the TIE Bomber is for sale. I think it's, you know, under, you know, $10, it's like $7 or $8 or something like that. And you could have gone and bought it at that time. So that's a good data point that Toy City had it. Now, was it a Toy City exclusive? I would tend to doubt it. I don't think they were a big enough chain to have that kind of clout. But we do have solid evidence that that store had it. Um, So back when I was looking into this question, I I went and asked a few old-time collectors, people who had actually been buying toys at retail during the vintage era, if they could remember seeing the TIE Bomber or how they got theirs. I didn't really get... Uh, a whole lot of success out of that. They couldn't remember. Most of them, though, said that they didn't recall it being an exclusive. They had it had come and gone um, by the time, you know, by the time they were looking for it, it was no longer available, but they just heard about it through the collecting chain. So they heard about it through other collectors rather than saw it in stores, and they got theirs through the secondary market, whether it was a trade or they bought it from a dealer or something like that. So didn't really come up with many good memories of um, collectors of that time. Uh, so, uh, you know, my sense, if, if I was to take a guess on how this thing was available, I think it was just pretty, uh, you know, I think they made limited numbers of them. It was canceled before they really made a ton. Uh, my guess is that Kenner sold them out through several distributors or, or, or stores. I don't see any evidence of an exclusive. I also don't Um, see any evidence of any sort of test market. You know, I think that they probably just dribbled out, they showed up in some places and they didn't show up in others, and this legend grew up around it, and maybe some people misremembered some things. However, you know, I'd be happy to be proven wrong in my hunch, so I I would ask your listeners that if they recall getting a TIE bomber in a retail store to let you know or to let me know, and and we'll add that to the database here, So we can maybe come up with a a pattern of how these things hit stores. The other thing we can look at is price stickers. Um, My rough memory is that I've seen those with price stickers from a variety of stores. But when I did a rough uh, search of pictures that were out there, I could not come up with a ton in the present day to compare against. So that's another thing. If you have a TIE bomber with a sticker of a particular store, I'd be interested in hearing about it. So I hope this is worthwhile and that you got some good information on the TIE Bomber. And uh, keep up the great work with the podcast, guys. You're doing a great job. Thanks. How about that? Fancy. Right, on to page 2158. Roundster. He's put on some fun stickers. Now, fun stickers, and they truly are. All right, so made by a company called Pacesetter. Uh, and he said this is the fun sticker store card with six brand new molded stickers still attached, which he looked upon late on eBay one night. Now, lads, I put it to you. I put it to one of you, but he's only just read the show notes. Um, to, <laughs> just joking, you know, just. Um, so, that's true. Who, true. <laughs> so, lads. Who can tell me about these fun stickers? Because there's not a great deal of information out there. Any of you? Any of you guys seen them? I, I um, came across them in 
I had a little look up. Um, the company, I know. Who did you just say they were made by? Well, I'm sure from memory it said Pace Setter. Well, according to um, the Tomart guides, these were released in England and they were made by a company called Fun Products. I don't know whether they're the same company and, you know, it's just often that can happen. But um, these are quite, if you you look on eBay, you can find these stickers quite readily. But he has got the header on the car, doesn't he? Yeah. Which you would have pulled off to buy the stickers. And uh, I can't find another example of them. So he's got himself a little treat. I think with him. Yeah, so he's shown me the pictures and we'll put them on. So on the top of the header, it says pace setter. And then underneath it says fun sticks. And the the actual font is almost like balloon font, if you know what I mean. Just, you know, fun sort of balloons the way they've done. But but they're great. You you look at them and and you look at the stickers. And we often make reference to Klaatu. And and Klaatu is featured on so many different things. So they've got Paplu. Admiral Akbar, Klaatu, Gamorian Guard, baby Ewoks, and a shuttle Tardarium. So, uh, yeah, a, a really unusual range, but to have them all still on the card, I, I think it's brilliant. But I just there is um sorry, Chess, there is a, a second six as well, which would come on a different header with Vader, Jabba, Chewie, three PO, Yoda, and R two. Oh, fantastic! There's twelve in total. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! Nice. Yes. Yes, mate. Something in the art. I mean, I think they'd get into trouble for this um, on the on the main pack stickers, not on the, uh, the sort of like the main header, yeah. but on the sort of individual wrap things. The artwork is it looks like it's been airbrushed. Obviously, it's a bit simplified, uh, but also the, the logo. Notice what what's going on with the logo. We've turned into a logo. Yeah, let's have a little look. It's basically basically then. sort of. 3D, uh, it's sort of like been 3Dified, and I bet they wouldn't have been happy about that because you know that's that's against the branding. Yeah. They've taken the Turner General logo and they've turned it, and that would not go down well. I think most branding people would go, "No, what are you doing with our logo? That should be straight on and straight, not not put into a vanishing point scenario." So uh, I think there's a few liberties been taken there. Not would never heard of have them. to be signed off. Perhaps they're not officially licensed because if you look at the actual sticker card, no, it, says, it says Lucasfilm on there, doesn't it? it, 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 it does it? Like really small letters underneath C3PO and R2D2. Because so, 3PO and R2 on the packaging look very, very peculiar, don't they? Well, there's no outlining, is there? It's just, it's, it looks like it's just someone's taken an airbrush and they've kind of just painted them like, like we would sort of almost graffiti, but they've not done the outlining and stuff. It's all been done very strangely, but it's just that mm-hmm. logo. I noticed that. Normally, branding would not allow some of that because it's it's against the brand. Because you've done some, you you take the logo and you twist it. I bet you don't see that too much on mm. items. Interesting. There's one thing which I like. He sent me a message. He said he bought them off eBay for twenty four pounds as he spotted them with half an hour left at the auction, and he decided he must have them. He said there's hardly any info on them. He got some free with Return of a Jedi comic, and he's still got a couple of packs of the standard non-embossed stickers he bought for 30p each from a bric-a-brac shop in Gloucester. But what made me laugh is he said the seller's name on eBay was Horny Nursey Lynn. So he had to tell his wife what he was buying because he, he said if someone came in the post from Horny Nursey Lynn, then uh, she might she might be a bit concerned. So, uh, so there we go. Just Star Wars stuff, love. Just Star Wars stuff. So I'm quite surprised that if you up on the top right corner, it's obviously got the price where these were for sale. Yeah. A pound each. It's quite a steep, isn't it, for for the time? 1983, one little sticker, a quid. Yeah. They, they could have Maybe been later. They could have ended up in a bargain shop or something, couldn't they? 
because uh, well, this, this kind of stock does they tend to when you expect it to be even cheaper then mm, maybe that's not why as... they're all still on the card lads <laughs> yeah <laughs> Do you know what i mean <laughs> right then. actually actually sorry so just to throw something else in i guess this pace set of fun stickers i mean yeah yes they return jello ones but I, I very much doubt that they had uh just those they probably had a bunch of other stickers from all sorts and they just yeah that was just ahead of they threw them in shops i imagine yeah. it doesn't say star wars pay set of fun stickers doesn't it so then we move over to page 2160. Simon, right, you were all over this, weren't you? Spoons puts up a post and you said, right, that's my new acquisition this month. Tell us about it, Stud. Yeah, Spoons has, Spoons has scored himself a nice little lot here from his local auction house. I love this for so many reasons, but I also hate it because I saw this because uh, it came up on sales room. And I looked at it, and the p- picture that you're presented with are those. Do you remember those episode one god awful fighting figure things, the giant ones, the interactive ones that would stand next to each other and hit each oh, other with lightsabers? And you would do, yes. It's got two of those in a fruit box with a uh, scruffy little vintage diecast Millennium Falcon between them, and it gives some rubbish description. Scroll on, move on, don't even think about it. Spoons had seen it and gone, well, I, I wouldn't mind the Falcon. I'll, I'll leave a bid for a fiver. And, uh, and then as he continued to look around, he saw another box next to it, which is another fruit box full of Jedi comics. And he thought, oh, well, there's about 40 in there. Wouldn't mind those either. So he toddled off back to his, his workplace, went online to try and find them to leave a bid for them. Couldn't find them, then realized that they were actually part of the same lot. The auction house just hadn't bothered doing a photograph of them. So he left the bids and he ended up winning them for £25 all in. So he's got these two diabolical episode one pieces of tat, which Stu will probably have off him. Uh, his diecast Millennium Falcon. And then when he gets them home, he finds out he's got the full run of 100 Jedi comics which in its own right isn't a bad start. And then as he starts flicking through them, he finds out that he's got the a couple of the Letra Set transfer sets that were giveaways in the comics, and he's got the Starfinder chart and a couple of other little inserts and bits and pieces. And then he finds that he's got the FKS Empire Strikes Back sticker album and the Return of the Jedi sticker album from Panini uh, and a few other books and annuals, which is brilliant. And then he gets onto the really good stuff, which is also the smallest but it's definitely the best. The bit that I got really excited about was in there, he's got the Palatoy Return of the Jedi shop poster. So these would have been given out in store as opposed to inserting the vehicles because in the bottom right-hand corner, just if if you haven't seen one before, uh, it's a large uh, A3 piece of paper that's folded up and you've got a big image in the middle of the B-Wings having just destroyed a, a, um, a Star Destroyer, and then dotted around the outside of various images of the vehicles in the in the Jedi line that are available for sale. And in the bottom right-hand corner of this side of the poster is usually a square, a white square that is empty. And the idea there was that the shop would put their stamp on it or get it printed up and put their logo in it. I've never actually seen one with a printed logo in. This hasn't just got a printed logo. This has got the printed logo of the toy and hobby chain of shops from the northwest which was my savior as a kid for star wars because i was living in north wales you could buy clartus that's all you could buy in north wales you could buy anything else so the first point of real star wars contact was chester and the toy and hobby store there was it was 
it was heaven. Um, so I, I've got a massive nostalgic with, with toy and hobby stuff. So that for me is, is the brilliant piece, but his favorite part is the bounty hunter capture log, which if you remember when you chopped your names out and you need to, wanted to send them off to claim your free figure or your, your accessory kit or Darth Vader case, you, you filled out one of these bounty hunter logs. And some little lad called Andrew Jackson from 19 Ken- Kendall Drive in Rainhill, Merseyside, age seven, has filled out his log. Not only that, he's ticked his Dengar, he's ticked his survival kit, and he's added seven cutout names and stuck them to the cards. And it's, it's, a, it's a little piece of history. It's a little time capsule. But what happened? Why did Andrew Jackson of Rainhill never send off? to get his free Dengar and his free survival kit. What happened? Did he just fall out of love with the stuff? And there it is, tucked in with these comics, with the poster, with the books, with the sticker albums, with his Episode 1 stuff, uh, for £25 all in. What a buy. What a great buy. And what a, what a epic thing to have a search through and find all these little treasures. Well done, Spoons. Brilliant. Yeah, I love them. the fact that he had that. Chief Chirper, Low Grey, Ugnaught, Hanhoth, Powerdroid, Weakway and Reeves were the ones which he had put on, so a bit, a bit of a mm. mixture of the last two films. And you said, "Well, why didn't he send it off?" I reckon he was going for the whole hog because to send off the Dengar, he needed three; to send off the survival kit, he needed four. So that's his seven. But on that, there was also the Darth Vader carry case, which was a bargain just six. So I reckon he was holding out. I reckon he was thinking, "Oh, if I'm not, if I'm a good lad, I might be able to, you know, hang on." Offers extended, etc. I reckon he was going to go for the triple whammy. What'd you say? He could have been. Uh, it's a bit of a coincidence. He stopped at seven and it only ticked seven, but you don't know, do you? He, he might have been going the whole hog. But yeah, great, great find. And the fact that you don't actually see them with the nameplates on like that, as you say, lovely bit of history. Nice one, Spoons. So moving on to page 2164. Droopy. I really like this because he completed his loose run. I thought, how about that? Quick shout out for that. We put all sorts of stuff on here. And when someone's celebrating that he's completed his loose run, yeah, yeah, brilliant stuff. So what I've done is I've contacted Droopy, or as he was christened, Andrew Peacock, to ask him a few questions about his collecting time. So, Andy, what's significant? What's your favourite thing? What's the last thing you need? What is it you're going to go for next? Over to you, buddy. My name's Andy. Um, some of you on the forum might know me as Droopy. Now, Jez has very kindly asked me to contribute to the latest edition of the podcast after seeing my post um, in the latest acquisitions thread about how I'd recently completed my loose figure run with the acquisition of a lovely R2 pop-up saber from fellow forum member Darth Doodoo. Like most of us, I've been a Star Wars fan since I was a kid, um, but really my exposure to the toys was, as far as I can remember anyway, um, always second-hand. I was born in '81. So I'm too young to remember ever buying or having carded figures, sadly, um, or even accessories for that matter, um, as the toys that I played with as a child were mostly hand-me-downs from my two older brothers. All the figures and chips that um, we had as children were sold by my mum at a car boot sale in the 80s and 90s, which is pretty much the sort of classic tale, really, isn't it? And I didn't really think about them again until I was about 10, when a friend from school showed me his complete collection of loose figures and chips, Um, which I was just amazed by, and needless to say, that piqued my interest in Star Wars again. And that got me into collecting, but I couldn't really afford 
to buy anything apart from loose beaters uh, with no accessories. And I remember there was a, a vintage toy shop in Farnham where I grew up, um, which always had Star Wars stuff for sale. But then as I got a bit older, um, I lost interest in the toys really, and I sold all of my Star Wars stuff back to the shop at a discount, and I used the proceeds to buy a Super NES, of all things. But then I lost interest in collecting really until a few years ago when um, I stumbled across the vintage toy shop in God's Hill on the Isle of Wight which had an amazing collection and always had a few loose figures for sale um, but just before they closed down which was quite sad um, I bought a, managed to buy a loose orange snake Yoda which at the time I thought was complete but I didn't even realise that uh, it was supposed to come with a cane and this made me want to find one um, to complete the figure which led me onto eBay inevitably um, where I sadly realised that there was a repro market for accessories subsequently this led me to Google um, to look for information about identifying genuine accessories, and um, which ultimately led me to SWF UK. So, really, I felt like a collector for about 20 years, um, but I've only actively collected for the last two or three. Early on, I realised my mistake of buying mint figures, but without accessories, on the naive assumption that I could probably pick them up at a later date. You know, luckily, I was very lucky to get hold of two genuine Black Endor blasters early on, and for reasonable money through the forum but the two Black Palace Blasters and the infamous Black Imperial Blaster was just a completely different story. And the Palace Blasters in particular resulted in me mistakenly buying at least three or four you know, good quality repros that were really hard to distinguish before I managed to finally get hold of the two originals that I needed. The Black Imperial Blaster took far longer, and although I was savvy enough not to get fooled into buying any repros along the way, I must have bought about ten figures with what the sellers guaranteed me were definitely solid black blasters only for them to turn out to be blue black on arrival special mention to Aussie James and Ian at this stage as they both very kindly gave me um, the benefit of their experience on more than one occasion when looking for these blasters in particular and that ultimately meant I was able to source the correct blaster from the states and Ian very kindly took delivery stateside before dispatching it to me in the UK which was just you know above and beyond really so after spending two to three years of you know, trying to find the best quality loose figures um, with the correct accessories and trying not to overpay um, and contribute to rising prices. You know, it felt really good to finally get my hands on the R2 pop-up saber, which from day one has been, you know, more or less one of my favourite figures, um, but just always felt a little bit out of reach because of the price tag that it's always commanded. And I was quite lucky, really, because, you know, I hadn't logged onto the forum for quite a while because, you know, my list of wants had reduced considerably and the sort of the pace of collecting has slowed down massively but on my first visit back I noticed a relatively new member mentioned that he had a full collection that he'd be selling over the coming months and so I got in touch with him directly just to see on the off chance if he had an R2 pop-up saber that he'd part with and we ended up agreeing a fair price for both parties I think although it's still by far the most expensive figure I've bought the best tip that I can give to a new collector is you know really just take your time do your research before you dive into eBay and Facebook, etc. And always try to buy figures with accessories. You know, although in hindsight, hunting them down separately was quite fun um, and probably extended, you know, the length of time that it took me to complete the collection. It's definitely much easier to, to buy them with the figure and probably cheaper in the long run. And also, you know, make connections with people on the forum and never be afraid to ask for help because actually you find that everyone's a really friendly bunch 
and they're more than happy to give the benefit of their own experience, which is vast generally. Um, my list of wants at the moment is relatively small. I do still need a blue snaggletooth, but actually I see this as an anomaly and not really one of the main figures. It doesn't really count. It doesn't make me feel like my collection isn't complete. Um, apart from that, I'd really love a mint first 12 display stand, uh, as I think they look excellent, and especially when covered in the acrylic cases, um, courtesy of GW. I'd also really love to get my hands on a droid's a glass light pop-up R2 to sort of complete the the trio of pop-up R2 figures. But I suspect they might, but might both be really expensive and probably very difficult to source. R2D2, it is you, it is you. Brilliant. So that's leaving Star Wars Forum UK for a while, and we'll go over to Tantive 11. Now on page 16, Jawa57 puts up a collection of figures which he's purchased. And then someone points out, wow, you've got the PBP Death Squad Commander. That's really rare. It's taken me ages to get. So yeah, good quick shout out for you, Jawa57. I didn't know that a PBP DSC was so tough to get. So good on you, mate. Congrats. So over to the Imperial Gunnery Forum on page 26. Gornish, he's a friend of the podcast, back in the game again, buying loose. He he shows off an IG-88 and a Zuckus. Bounty hunters. We don't need that scum. Yes, sir. Those rebels run said it's been a while since he posted anything on here due to a self-imposed sabbatical, but he's decided it's finally time to finish his loose run. He said he knows these are nothing fancy or rare, but they mean a lot to him, and it feels great to get back in the game well i think that's awesome guys we've all been through it and we've spoken on a recent podcast so people can lose the love for a little bit and this is proof that he lost the love for a little bit stopped collecting back in the game thoughts yeah cool uh, we're bumping into him in celebration london he's a very very shy guy and he, I think he said that to me in London. I'm, I, I may be wrong on that, but yeah, it's all always great to see somebody come back in at the hobby. And we've always said it doesn't matter whether it's a loose figure that's common or one of the rarest items. You know, it can always be talked about on our show. So I, I think they're great, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Rich. That's exactly the guy because yeah, I remember him from London, and he did say he was a little bit shy. He didn't want to come on, but he was quite happy to say to me, you know, the sabbatical was self-imposed mainly because of funds pricing. You know, it's like the market going a bit crazy, but he had seen some uh, reasonably priced things on Instagram of all places, some loose figures, um, you know, less than twenty pound, and a few nice ones which he thought, oh, actually, that's now within my budget. So he's back in. He's been collecting since 1993 and has built up a sizable collection, but he let it go. He let it go when he got into vintage, a different kind of vintage, Volkswagen collecting. Um, but this current loose collection began in 2011 and he got completely distracted by mint on card, mailers and everything else. But now it's time to finish what he started all that time ago. I asked him what means the most to him and he said, if, he, if you mean a figure, it'd be Bosk. He's always loved the lizard dude from the moment he first laid his eyes on him. So I said, look, okay, whilst we've got the attention of our listeners, what else do you need to complete your loose run? And he said, he said he's not really going after the variants. He's not a fan of those, but he still needs all the expensive ones. Last 17, Blue Snaggletooth and 21 of the regular figures. So he's 
possibly looking at upgrading some of the ones he's got already. So if you're out there, any of you guys going to be selling some loose figures, maybe look up Gornish on the forums and do the lad a favour and offer him first refusal. Cheers, Gornish, mate. Nice one. Right, lads. I've just sending you a picture now because what I didn't put in the show notes was there was another post just after that by a chap who goes by the name of Calrissian Charm. And he shows these four figures. He said a couple of upgrades, a couple of new ones. And I looked at this photograph and I thought, is that combination possibly the coolest set of four figures? Or is that the four figures, if you had to choose some, which just epitomizes Star Wars? So for the benefit of our listeners, we're looking at Boba Fett, a DT Luke, Darth Vader, and a Princess Leia Organa, all looking absolutely mint. And and it's almost like they could be an early bird replacement pack. Do you know what I mean? So you, you've got Big Baddie, Darth Vader, Boba Fett, Luke and Leia. I think of four figures. If you had to pick four, could you pick a better four? Thoughts? Swap Leah for Han. Ah! Or possibly Leah for Yoda. That is evil. I think that's a great photo, great selection of four figures there. So you you would do away with Leah for either Han or Yoda, Rich. Pete? I don't know what Rich is on about. That's kind of freaky. (laughs) No, just me. Yeah, just leave like it. What, what's wrong with that? And anyway, what, how? What's this? I'm confused. If you're trying oh. to get um, figures for representing the films, as as the films were, okay, without the iconic effect, I would replace Fett with Han. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, Sue. I'd leave Fett in there because Fett is is iconic in the terms of people are obsessed with him. Yeah, but I I think Big. as in the movies, he's not in him a great great deal. Uh, he's a background character, and and without being all weird, from an artistic point of view, Han would work better as well. You've got you've got a whole black and white thing going on there. Han, Boba Fett is just he's given a lopsided look. Get Han in there; it would look brilliant. Straight out with the colours, yeah. I like that sign. Well done. Right, lads. So I then go on to Rebel Scum. Free. <laughs> You rebel scum. Now, rebel scum, as you know, they've not actually had anything posted for a couple of weeks now. But on page 184 of their latest acquisitions is a chap, Kenner for Life. He's shown off a hand solo carbonate figure. So not the block, just the figure, but with eyebrows. Now, is this an error, a late one, an early one? All the ones he's seen and all the ones I've seen I've got no eyebrows. Uh, have you guys seen this? Have you have you have you looked at it? What do you think this could be? Because you know, I've asked around and and people haven't really seen hand solar carbonites with eyebrows. Any of you guys seen these? Never seen one before. I'm I'm guessing it's a touch up that somebody's done at some point, whether it's a child has touched yeah. it up to put the eyebrows on. I don't know. I've never seen it. Beautiful pair of eyebrows. Whoever's done them is an expert on eyebrows. I'll tell you what, it's going to have a ridiculous variant name by the end of the month. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, to be fair, I, it, it never occurred to me that my hand carbon, I never had eyebrows. 
I'll have to go and have a look. And just they have got them, haven't they? I, I after I saw Jez's notes, I've got mine out. It's on the card. They were just very, very slim and um, that. But Mr. Bushy eyes on there. They're not like that at all. Do you think they're um, painted on, Rich? No. Touched up. I don't think they are. No, the the the, the colours are dent to the hair, isn't it? It's absolutely spot yeah. on. They're too well applied. You reckon? Mm. Mm. I just think hand-sword or carbonate eyebrows will be a known thing now. I'm looking at a post from 2017 in February, and this was, you know, one of these huge, you know, list of all-known variants, you know, like Admiral Ackbar, grey vest, tan vest. Um, when was that list made? February 2017. Um, actually, I'm just, just out of interest. I'm going to scroll down and see if I can find Rusty Glove, just see if that was actually <laughs> Oh, right, Tuscan Radar Rusty Glove isn't on there. So these are a list of all variants for hand carbonate. It doesn't have a single thing recorded next to it. So that was February 2017. And there must be, I don't know, there must be close to 100, 100 plus different variants on that list. It's disco boots on it. Disco boots. Disco boots. No. It does thin his face out somewhat with the eyebrows. He looks much chunkier without them. I'm really, really curious about this. I want to know, you know, what would Cass do? What would UK graders do? AFA. You know, what would they say? Ross Barr, what would you do with this eyebrows, whatever we'll call it, eyebrows, hand? Come on, guys. Is anyone else seen a hand solo carbonite with eyebrows? I'm going to have to get mine out now. Well, I I I think it's probably, if if it isn't applied afterwards, then it would be an idea to get a photograph of the CEO yeah. to see if it could be matched against a specific factory that's applied that when they put the you know the paint masks on. Um, but it's you know I've, I've seen so many photographs of these now and nothing has anything that looks like that. Carbon eyebrows. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> Just wants one of the uh, silly variant names to his name. Yeah, yeah. Right, should we move on? Great photo, great post. Come on, Rebel Scum, post more stuff. So then we go to the Facebook group. And Richard, you went over to the Baggy Tastic group, didn't you, mate? You wanted to talk about the AJ's Survival Kit Baggy. Yeah, so, I mean, doesn't matter how long I've been collecting uh, Star Wars items, I'm always going to get these two baggies the wrong way around. So AJ posted a picture of one of the um, survival kits and looked at it and I went, oh, now is that the one that comes with the mail away or is it the one that came with the ATAT? Uh, and I was looking through it and, and uh, I thought, I wonder why AJ is showing this off. And then something stuck out like a sore thumb. So I'll come back to the bit that stuck out in a second. As we know, the, the mail away kit, and there's some excellent research on these on, oh, what websites again? It's Sean Kemple's. Is it called StarWarsMailer.com or something like that? But there's a link to it from the Power of the Force, sorry, the Power of the Toys.com website. And he's detailed um, quite a lot of information about the mail-away kits. So the one that was in the mail-away kit where you collected the, the pops and sent them off, they came with the blue Jedi training harness, two Hoth backpacks, an Atat grappling hook and belt, three gas masks, a blue Imperial Blaster, a blue Bespin Blaster, Stormtrooper Rifle, AT-AT Driver, and Hoth Nuke Rifle. 
Okay, so normally, what I've got to get in my head now is if you see the blue Jedi training harness, it's always a melee, and that's quite a big bulky item in the kit, and I'm going to have to remember that. Now, the Atat kit came with four Hoth backpacks, two Atat grappling hooks and belts, one Atat driver rifle, one Luke Hoth rifle, one Stormtrooper rifle, and one IG-8 rifle. So I was looking at these two kits and thought, there's something in there that doesn't actually match either of these kits. And have you guys actually seen this picture? And do you know what it is that's actually in there that got AJ excited? No. No, no. mate, no. It was a Leia pistol. Now, I don't know if it's black. This is from the original Leia. I don't know if it's black or it's blue-black, but it's very dark. And he has that inside that uh, melee kit. How fantastic is that? And the price that those are at now, that's a, that's a super score, that. So it's, it's like a, it's a mail-away kit variant. It's a mail-away miss card, mate. Yeah, mail-away miss bag. <laughs> but AJ states that the other weapons in the kit are not the typical rubbery, more flexible ones that are often found in the kits. These are like the, you know, the, 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 the weapons that actually came with the figures in that they're much more, you know, they're much more firm, they're much more harsh plastic. So absolutely amazing. It was a great score. What I think they find, so I think we're going to have a lot of people now have a look at the mailway kits and, you know, have a good look inside in them to see if there's actually anything different. And what I didn't know is I didn't know that some of the Canadian ATATs, they actually came with the mailway kit and not with the ATAT kit, like what they had in uh, in the States. Uh, so I thought that was a fascinating read. So I would urge everyone to go check out that that website, powerthetoys.com, and then follow the link to the to the mailway pot, uh, the the mailers guide section of that. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. What a fantastic kit! Great post, AJ. Brilliant, Rich. Thanks ever so much for pointing that out. I mean, I knew that you were going to talk about the differences, but no, oh, that's a that's a treat. Nice one. That's really really cool. Good on you, mate. Uh, nice one, AJ. What's on Facebook? Pete, now you said that, oh, we must talk about this. We must. Was it the Empire Strikes Back group, mate? Tell us about it. Yeah, I think I I did a few few groups because it was a really outstanding acquisition. It was the Bib Fortuna in a white cape on the 47A Empire Strikes Back Warish Man card. It, It just looks preposterous being on it. But it's not like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unheard of, but it's just the fact that I would, I would imagine it probably came at a fair price. And it was by a guy called Oliver Olsen, and um, I asked him, and uh, he didn't he didn't actually buy it. He actually traded for it. So that one must have been some hell of a trade to get that one. But um, he's got he's got a bit of a <laughs> he's got a bit of a focus on the old <laughs> proto cape. Um, he has he has now two of them. He obviously has the one we discussed quite a while ago, which is the let me get this right. Is it the Poncho Lear or Lear Poncho on it's a snow uh, snow trooper card Return of Jedi card, isn't it? And there is a, there is a third one, I believe, which he's not bothered about getting, but I'd imagine the price must be astronomical. Which is the Endor Han on a Empire Strike. Uh, start again. Is a <laughs> let's get this right in my head. This is a Han. Or Endor Han on Emperor's Royal Guard card back, which he's not really that bothered with. But like I said, the price is probably going to be crazy, crazy. Yeah, it was a great item. I think we saw it for sale probably about three months ago. 
or it may have been another item because there's more than one of these about. I think Brian Rockwell was had listed one for sale, and I want to say it was somewhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars. What that it was listed for? What the um, um, Fortuna one or the or the the ERG one? The Fortuna one. Oh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a really expensive piece. Um, traded? Do you reckon he traded like a, a kidney or something? Is is Ollie Olsen Ove? Is that the right? Yeah, uh, years Ove, isn't it? Yeah. So he he has, he's had some fantastic items over you know the last couple of years. He, he's showcased a lot of them off. Yeah. Um. So I don't I know. Simon, I think Simon, you've you've dealt with him, haven't you? I have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah r- really nice chap. He he. He's just got a nose for rare stuff. He's, he's yeah. obviously got good contacts, but I had that FX7 30, uh, Palatoy 30 back off him, which he had picked up for an absolute giveaway price from Vectis. But he also, we discussed, was it last month, the 12-back Chewbacca that yeah. he found in the States for, you know, a handful of hundreds of dollars. He's just got a nose for it. He does good. Yeah, that's, so he... a, that's some run if he completes it, though, one day, <laughs> the three of them. He's like a dedicated vintage toy hunter, isn't he? So, yeah, we, we saw him on Celebration. Uh, but, yeah, that, I mean, I love these things. I think it's a great, great one for you to pick out, Pete. Thanks very much. They, uh, they, they do look kind of different. But you look at all that money. Now, if, if that was to come off, if the bubble was to separate, correct me if I'm wrong, if the bubble was to separate, is that just a regular card bag? I believe so. I, I think that there is quite a lot of questions with in terms of people saying, you know, are, are these genuine items? It seems that there were lots sort of floating around. So, ooh, that could be quite that could be quite nasty, couldn't it? If, if that happened, Jez, don't even think about it. Don't even go there. I don't know. No, absolutely fantastic, brilliant. And, yeah, um, but isn't the money on this though more than just the card back? If the bubble comes off there, we've still got a white cape bib for Juna. Yeah. Well, but wasn't it because of the um, now you'll definitely correct me if I'm wrong here, but because of the, the it was just a prototype cape thing. There's not really much. Yeah, there were too many kind of capes that were made. There's not really a, a production kind of run thing of them. Um, it's very hard to tell. There's lots of people go, running around going, "Is this genuine? Is this not?" So I think the fact that it's it's nicely sealed on there <laughs> probably probably is easier to uh, to agree that it's a genuine item. Yeah, but if well, it looks hard, it would be trouble. I know that Simon's going to, you know, cry his eyes out in a second, but it is AFA graded, and something like this would have been inspected by more than one person, you would assume, with it being such a high-valued item. Oh, I think this is genuine, Rich. I, I was just trying yeah. to, if something popped off. Yeah. Uh, you know, as in, yeah. you know, I mean, it well, seems... Well, point. If it popped off, it's yeah. still inside the case, isn't it? It's not as if it's a loose item, and if it pops off, there's no... If this pops off, it's still inside that upper protection. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that would be. I mean, I'm not a fan of grading, but I think that will be a good case for for you know, those sort of things like that. Maybe a good case. Like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, well, indeed. I, I'm intrigued because he's obviously bought this from. Uh, well, I say obviously. I'm guessing he's bought this from abroad. It's AFA graded. Bib Fortuna is not a light figure, is he? He's a chunky little monkey. With that sort of money. I mean, is there some sort of gentleman's agreement about what happens if the worst happens in the post or something? Because you wouldn't see that. It was fierce, would you? What? Bit of Fortuna. It, yeah, I would. He was a slimy he'd, little he'd toad. Sink, he'd sink his teeth into your baldy head. I'll tell you that for now. I'll tell you what, he'd have to reach it first, mate. 
name in the knackers. Well, right, okay, pull your head out of Jabba's ass and do it then. <laughs> right. uh, uh, but who takes like, the risk on that one? Yeah, you don't, do you? Something like that, you fly to the country and pick it up yourself, don't you? Well, well, you, you that would be the sensible thing, yeah. The uh, the white cape, big Fortuna, yeah, cracking, nice one, Pete, as I said. If people were to go back to episode 26, Ollie's Bad Motivator, we were joined that month by uh, Ollie Sodworks, who talks about his connection with the toys and his love for pre-production items, R5D4 pre-production run, as well as his white cape bib fortunas, amongst many other items. That was a cracking interview. So for those who want to know more about this white cape bib, get back to episode 26. <laughs> yeah, just I'm the only one's ever nice to you, sign. You treat me like that. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> right then Stuart you ready for yours oh yeah as long as the rest of them don't talk to me <laughs> oh right, go and have on. a cuddle I told you this would be done way before 11 mate you're on fire yeah you will be if you don't shut up <laughs> <laughs> nothing like threats of physical violence so, Stuart, you little bookworm, you've been out there looking at different things, and you said to me, Roy, I want to talk about something which Jess Davis has posted. Mate, tell us about it, and where did you see it? Yeah, Jess, um, I'm going to get a little bit confused now, because Jess was the marathon man. Jess Davis posted on Beyond the Toys about a Return of the Jedi bookcase. Now, you don't see many of these come up, actually, and there's not a great deal of information out there, but it was something he had as a child, which is what got me, and he's always been looking for it to uh, add to his collection, which made me query, but I'm not sure if any of you boys seen the furniture before? This this particular piece, yes. They, they, they do pop hand, up in the States. They're yeah, brilliant. They do pop up in the States. This is what made me um, first be interested in it, that Jess had one as a child, so it's always been his grail to get one. Um, so I, I asked him that I said well you know were these available in the UK and he went no my his uncle went to America and bought him back a bookcase so I bet that was cheap <laughs> just put that in your hand luggage it's uh, something easy to carry off across but he bought it across and when he was about 18 he broke it so he's been on the lookout for one for quite a while by the American Toy and Furniture Company which also made things like the uh, R2-D2 Toto, and obviously last month, Jez, we were talking about the Sire Noodles and the Rebo band, got the name right, and we were saying that there wasn't a great deal of oddball items. There's only when looking at this furniture that they popped up quite regularly on the side of the furniture, which is really, really strange. All the furniture is under Return the Jedi or the Ewoks line, yeah. and most of this was available in the Sears catalogue, and I've totally lost what I was doing. The bookcase, you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His uncle brought it back from Canada or something. That was the one he had as a child, mate. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm trying to help you here, you. <laughs> <laughs> this that one's um. The old shit on a plane. How did he get this one over? Because I assume he bought it from the states. Um, no, no, he found it over here. But oh. this, this one, this one's still boxed. It's unbuilt. So he's now on the lookout for one that's uh, that's built. For him to have in his collection room, but um, it's taken him all this time to find find one. So I should think it's going to take him quite a while. They're very nice. It's three, you know, the size. It's um, forty inches high, twenty inches across, nine inches deep, and it's like three shelves. And each of them have got depict a, an image of 
Return of the Jedi, so the top one's got like a Star Destroyer in space, then you've got like a skiff scene, and on the bottom you've got like an Endor battle, which is, um, I haven't got it in front of me, but I've got a funny feeling, it's like a picture of a Rebel Commando on it, and you don't see that image very often, do you? But this this toy com- this furniture company, basically, they did a range of Star Wars stuff and a range of strawberry shortcake stuff, and rolled it out via Sears, but um, it was more the fact that I thought perhaps it was uh, available in the UK, but he corrected on me on that today. So, yeah, nice little piece, and I'm glad he's got it because he's a he's a stand up guy. Jess does a lot for charity. <laughs> um, Stu, was there many others in the range? There's tables and chairs. Yeah, I think nearly everything. So, like this, this is regarded as um, a bookcase or a showcase. It's got like a slash on the cover, and it's. I think most of the items came out with a Jedi design and an Ewoks design. So you've got bookcases, there's desks, there's dressers, there's easels, toys, chests. There's even a, a rocking chair, which um, was a bit random. But yeah, yeah, quite a few little bits and pieces. But I've had a look on eBay. I can't can't find much much to go on. So I don't know how well they were made. They were constructed of wood and hardboard. And it actually advertises on the box with a non-toxic finish. <laughs> You'd just expect that, wouldn't you, on children's furniture? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that back in the day, toxic-free paints and stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. advertising it as a selling point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, not much else to say on them, to be honest with you. Well, nice one. No, it's great. And, and as you said, found on Beyond the Toys Facebook group, yeah? Yeah. Nice one. That's the one, Pete, that he's got. That's his, because of the stickers. No, no, I just, I just found another, uh, some nice clear pictures of it, so you can see the, uh, yeah. the artwork, I mean, it's really nice, actually, the, I love the skiff one, the skiff art on the, That's uh, the middle shelf, don't you yeah. think that looks really strange, like, is that actually, it might not be a Rebel Commander, it might actually be Luke, Yeah. now I, you've, now you've made the picture bigger. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's his poncho, but, but, and Han Solo caught in the background. But isn't that weird, having <laughs> Logray just stuck there? <laughs> just stuck, but he is just stuck there. It's like he's so, just crawled I, out of his butt. <laughs> also interesting to see the ATST in the background there with that coming up. Oh yes, but yeah, Locker is just kind of wandering sort of around. It's like, oh well, the stormtroopers are there. I don't care. <laughs> see, the images I've seen were really small. We couldn't really make out. I, I thought that just looked like the back of a Rebel Commando, but it's clearly Luke because he's got his lightsaber in hand, isn't he? Yeah, I thought. I thought for a moment it was something shooting at him, but it, yeah, if you turn your head, yeah, it is his lightsaber. But it's very odd. It's a very odd. Com- oh no, Han's been Han's been manhandled by stormtroopers. Yeah. You're right. He's actually fighting them off, isn't he? Mm. There's a blaster kind of thing going through the middle of the stormtroopers, isn't there? <laughs> a little red blast. Someone been sh- oh, oh no, isn't that coming from? Is that not coming through the from the biker scout on the left hand side? He's shooting yeah. across. Oh across yeah, it is. Luke, yeah. isn't he? Who's Might be worth keeping this um, image, Jez. Yeah, definitely. These, it's a lot clearer than the ones I've been looking at. Really unique artwork, isn't it? I mean, the hand being pushed around is kind of almost episode seven as well. But yeah, the the skiff one I love. I love yeah, the clouds. Really I love the sails on the sail barge. And the opening image, you can clearly see with non toxic finish. <laughs> I love all the boards, the Jedi boards, those two, basically, the sides of the cabinet look like yeah. some sort of banners, don't they? They're brilliant. And the artwork, yeah, you could just have those panels up on the wall. Oh, man, I need some of these. Let's get a container load across. We could sell these all day long. And they they go cheap in the States. They're like, what? I've seen them advertised for sort of 40 bucks, built ones for 40 bucks. Got to get some of these. 
<laughs> it's just a skiff composition again. I don't know where they're going. They seem to be sort of turning around a corner and going towards some some built up area. Maybe they they're going home. I don't know. But um, but Luke's yeah, we- ready. Um, yeah, Weakway's entirely ignoring Luke. <laughs> yeah, always got lights like about. Uh, sorry, we're, we're on a skiff. It's okay. And and Lando's just loitering in the back there. And that image, the the top panel with the Star Destroyer going towards the Death Star with Return of the Jedi, I I love that because it just reminds me of the Panini sticker album. That's fantastic. Ah, oh, I need one. Get it, Si. Uh, no, I'm just going to get lots of them because I want one to display in bits everywhere and then one to build. You could use it as a triple bunk bed, Stu. <laughs> what would I want three of them for? But you, could, you, could, you could swap scenery each night, couldn't you? Work your way through the film. Right? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Thought it was too good to be true. <laughs> oh, there's a little bloke. <laughs> Let's pick on him. What do you think when those sketches with the, uh, I'm, I'm the tall bloke, I'm looking down on the middle bloke, I'm the middle bloke, down the small bloke. You know, it reminds me of, like, this This isn't really for podcasts, but Only Fools and Horses, when Rodney's being kicked out by Cassandra and he goes to Del, I'm going to go and find a little bloke to have a fight. <laughs> that's me is it yeah <laughs> right I'm completely off off I'm really, I'm, there, Jess, I'm over to you mate it's nice I was happy to roll with it because I'm the most chilled out guy here who doesn't get you angry or upset I didn't want to I didn't want to have words with anyone or just you know spoil the fun yeah 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 let's move on yeah <laughs> so lads lads Go back to Star Wars Forum UK because, as you know, we've enjoyed it recently when we've been discussing a ship or a playset or a mini rig monster, who knows what. I was looking around and I couldn't see anything. Uh, and looking on the forums, was I think lots of mint on cards, lots of loose figures, lots of beyond the toys stuff, and we couldn't really find much. And that's when I was thinking, you know, there's all these different groups out there, and we don't actually have. Is there a dedicated Facebook group for ships, vehicles, and accessories? Uh, I don't know. That genuine question to you guys: Is there? I've not come across one. I remember all sorts of. T- yeah, I'm. I'm seeing people posting all sorts of stuff, but it's coins. It's beyond the toys. It's figures. It's carded figures. Are and you um gonna start one, Jez? Well, it made me think. Well, a. Does a community need another Facebook group? The answer is no. Community probably doesn't need another one. But would it just help this section? Um, it's, <laughs> it's always lovely to see ships, vehicles, playsets, just stuff in, in crate box or loose or what have you. But what are your thoughts? Do we, um, do you think we need a vintage rebellion, a ships, vehicles and accessories Facebook group? Lads, what are your, what are your thoughts? I think a ship's one's quite good. Should we do it? Should we set up a Vintage Rebellion Ships, Vehicles and Accessories Facebook group? Where that people can show off their stuff and, and they can tag and, and they can sell maybe. I mean, there's all these things. I mean, we're not going to do battles on it and, and we'd have to be a bit careful. We might have to consider this. Oh dear, I said it now. What if someone gazumps us? Oh, we're going to have to do this, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you want the work, Jess? <laughs> It doesn't need to be work, does it, if it's run? Yeah. Or Jess. What we could do is we could say, right, we'll we'll have this group uh, and some of the admins from some of the other groups who are really, really good at doing that stuff and know what they're doing, 
like, all the we'll time. get them to run it for you. Just say, come and Brilliant. get the hand, lads. Come and get the hand. <laughs> Jez is going to start a group up, but he's not going to have any of the work. He's just going to get his... Um, that's well, what happens. So, I, mean, I tell you who's got a lot of respect for you and is massively in love with you. That's Sai. He'll be involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah Great idea, Jez. I'll do anything for you because you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shut it, Romba. Yeah. Anyway, so, whilst Let's I said on. that there was nothing, <laughs> then on page 2163 of Star Wars from UK, the Jabberwocky shows off a gorgeous, really, really lovely ATST Scout Walker in packaging. I contacted the Jabberwocky and I said, mate, this is a an amazing ATST Scout Walker in the Return of the Jedi packaging. Mate, tell me about it. So before we go into this, lads, we're just going to go straight to a recording from the Jabberwocky. I guess like most of us, Star Wars was my favourite movie and a favourite toy line when I was growing up. But since finding my way onto the forums earlier this year, I've come to realise that what my girlfriend and my family think is a massive obsession pales in comparison to the vast majority of the guys out there. I don't have that many definitive memories of my childhood with Star Wars. A lot of people can recollect the first figure they purchased, or more impressively, have even recreated their childhood collection. I have two distinct memories that I can bring to mind. The first was walking down the aisles of the brand new Tesco Superstore in Colchester and being awestruck at the amount of Star Wars toys they had, how cool they were, and then finally settling on the Darth Vader TIE Fighter. The other was receiving two Gamorrean guards for Christmas. I wasn't, and still aren't, an army builder, but I decided to keep them both because I really liked the figure. Though I can't remember the figures I had, I do remember the vehicles. The Millennium Falcon, X-Wing Fighter, TIE Fighter... Imperial Troop Transporter, Slave One, the Attat, Scout Walker, Jabba the Hutt, Rankle Monster and some of the mini rigs. Regrettably I sold them all with boxes and all my figures in a garage sale for 30 quid in what I thought was a great deal in 1986. As an adult collector I've been collecting since 1996 when I picked up my first figures at a boot sale whilst at uni. I started collecting in earnest in 2003 when I joined eBay but I didn't really obsess with it until earlier this year. My main goal since then has been to complete a set of figures, but I've also been sourcing some of my favourite boxed items of my childhood. I have the Falcon, Jabba and Rancor, but the Slave One and the Scout Walker have been on my eBay search list for months. I kind of enjoy searching out a bargain, and I try not to pay more than market value for the items I want, so it's been a long time waiting to get my hands on the ATST. But I'm glad I waited, because the one I finally got my hands on is a real beaut. It doesn't look like it's been played with to speak of. It's beautiful and clean. The stickers are all present and in great condition. Not one of them has edgeware or is lifting in any way. It comes with the original instructions, and in more importantly for me, the harder to find inserts, which are all in immaculate condition. The box is pristine too. The only faults I can find with it are a little bit of edgeware, a very minor tear to the top flap, and the sticker price has been partially removed. In fact, it was in such good condition I had to turn to the forums to get a valued opinion on it before committing to the auction. They gave it the thumbs up, and incredibly I won the auction at a little over 60 quid, including postage. When it turned up, it was all I'd hoped for, and more. I'd say it's in C9 condition, in my opinion. But then I'm not one for grading. I like to get my figures out, to touch and to smell them. The smell of the plastic evokes so many childhood memories. And the best thing about the Scout Walker is that it's a great toy to play with, so I'll definitely be getting it out. 
even if it means a possible minor deterioration in the overall condition. I'll be careful with her, I promise. No, I know what she means. I'll take good care of her. She, she won't get a scratch. All right? Right. I got your promise. <laughs> Not a scratch. <laughs> Would you get going, you pirate? Guys, you've seen this. This is clearly a film favourite with Rogue One making an appearance as well. Come on, Lance. Let's talk about this beast. Who's going to go first? Well, Jez, you asked me for pricing information. I did. And uh, I have to say, it's now this is, I think I've had this theory before, and looking at statistics on StarWarsTrucker.com backs me up, is that ships don't have a lot of movement. I'm not talking, before Richie gets very upset, I'm not talking about things like the higher-end stuff. I'm talking the bog-standard motor ships and the ATST is definitely in there. And the price over in on Trekker for the last two, three years, the price just has not moved. It's, it's it almost, I would say almost, come down a little bit in prices. And that's across the board in, in obviously, you know, your box ones and your loose ones. For, for a nice loose one, it seems to be the average price is around a £25 mark complete. Because normally there's a few guns missing or a flap here and there missing or one of the legs doesn't work or something. But for, for complete ones, 25 quid. And that has been consistent over the last three years. Isn't that incredible? Just that hasn't budged. Brilliant. But, I mean, obviously, if you want your Minton-sealed boxed ones, Jez, which I know you're obviously, you know, a fan of those sort of things. <laughs> no, I've got anything and, sealed. <laughs> but uh, 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 across the versions, I mean, I mean I've, I've got here a Kenner one, a Palatoy one, and an Empire Strikes Back one, which I had no idea it came out, an Empire Strikes Back logoed one. But um, again, the prices, there, there hasn't been a lot of them recorded. There's not been many. I think it works out less than 10 in the last three years on Trekker that have been recorded. But the price never goes above, the absolute highest never goes above about 240 quid, even for, even for, an, uh, for a Kenner ESB mint in seal box one. So it's quite an affordable collectible. Um, if you're looking at more the sort of unsealed packaging, Average, again, the price hasn't really budged. There's not been anything absolutely outrageous. The highest anyone's paid for something sort of loose in a box, about 150 quid, seems to average around about anything between about 30 and 70 pounds, depending on condition, obviously. And, um, and that's complete, clearly. But, uh, but again, there hasn't been a lot of movement in, the, in those years. It's just, it's, it, it's a nice item. I've got one in a box open, which I can get it out. Um, but the pro- price wise, it has been consistent and it still seems to be staying like that. So. A nice collectible jazz. You get a, nice... a significant amount for your £25. I mean, yeah. oh, you can hear me playing my mind now. £25 at <laughs> Secret Santa. That's what the Stars Forum UK is looking at. £25. Pounds. Go on. Did you have one as a kid? Yeah, I've got mine. I've got my original, original one. In front of me. Yeah. Was it because in the loft line, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah I, I found, found it. I, I always found that, that ship as a bit, because I had an Atat, I always thought, oh, it's a bit of like a cheap version of an Atat. Yeah. So kind of never had one because I thought, oh, you know, Atats are better. Let's face it. But I like it. I like it now, but I didn't then. Well, that's exactly it's... right, shit. Yeah. That's, but but Pete is exactly right there because my parents were a mix of too tight and couldn't afford to buy me an Atat. And then when that came out, there would have been, yeah, yeah, that looks like one. In fact, you know what? To tell you the truth, I bet you they didn't even notice a difference. I bet you they just went to the shop and went, <laughs> that one's that price. That one's cheap. I was getting that one for Christmas. 
But when I was a kid, I don't think any of my mates had that. that. Never saw one at all. And we all had these scout walkers, every one of us. You know, great sellers, very, very popular, fantastic toys. Absolutely brilliant. You know, we were all amazed at the, the action when you held the button down the back, the, the, the walking and the legs. It was a, you know, it was a genius idea. It was a great toy in that respect, wasn't it? The walking mechanism. Amazing. Yeah. Really based, isn't it? But it just works so well. Yeah. And you know what they say on the box? It can stand unassisted. Yes. What more do you want from a toy? Exactly. Unlike, uh, unlike Stuart after a few pints. <laughs> His walking action wasn't so reliable after that. No, but if you press his button, he definitely ran. <laughs> but I, I, liked, I liked the way that it had the hatch at the top, you know, and the way the figures went inside it. I thought that was, you know, it was a very simple way of putting your figures in there. Whereas, you know, the, the attach, you had to lift the whole top of the head up. I thought that was a good idea. And something so simple made it much more film accurate. Even though obviously clearly it wasn't film accurate, but it made it more film accurate. I thought that was that was, that was great, a fantastic idea. Rich, Rich, did you uh, did you Ewok your ATST or or Chewbacca it, or did you go down the traditional route? I would imagine a Chewbacca did. Oh, I would have thought so. I think I do actually have vague recollection of it. it was difficult to get Chewie actually inside it because of the height of the figure. On the original box, it's got an attack driver piloting it, isn't it? Yes, which is replaced by a stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah. changes. ATST yeah. driver was too late, wasn't it? It never appears on the artwork. But even such a small thing, have four guns. I mean, that was that, that was great, wasn't it? Four guns, one the top, two sides, and one the bottom. It was great idea. Very, very, very cheap and very effective. The guys at Kenner, the bosses at Kenner, when they see when they saw that on the conveyor belt, they they you know you see the dollar signs dropping down from the sky to them when they looked at that and went, wow. Lads, recently, as you know, over the last couple of months, we've had the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance with Chris Georgulius just telling us some amazing bits about some conceptual work with regards to the speeder bike and then to Cy Snootles and the Rebo Band. This must have been an engineer's nightmare trying to get this to work, a real engineer's challenge. Well, I'm delighted to say that the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance has grown. It's got a new member. I'm over the moon to introduce... Ron Salvatore. Hey guys, Ron Salvatore here. I do have one story about the ATST or the Scout Walker. A while back, this is, you know, 15 plus years ago now, some friends and I, Chris Julius, Todd Chamberlain, uh, Gus Lopez maybe, maybe some others, uh, I talked to an engineer who had worked on that toy and he had told us, um, or basically just mentioned in the course of conversation what a bear the design of that product was. In particular, the uh, design of the walking mechanism, which if you've ever played around with that toy or if you had it when you were a child, you, you undoubtedly remember that there's a button on the back and when you press it, the legs move alternately like it's it's running. So it's a pretty cool action feature. And then there's a little switch on the back that if you can, if you move it, you can switch it from walking to standing mode. So if you put it on standing mode, it basically just stands on its feet. So it seems simple, but when you think about it, uh, it's probably more difficult to get all that stuff to happen than you would imagine just looking at it. Because it stands on two legs, 
Um, you know, there's a reason most animals don't stand on two legs because it's pretty unstable. And it also walks. And it has that head, which probably puts it off balance to some degree. So getting the balance right to get it to stand still when the switch is in the right uh, position and then have it walk freely when the switch is in another position was apparently uh, quite difficult. And the way this guy mentioned it, you know, you could tell that he still remembered the, the pain of having to, to get that just right. So every time you take out a loose scout walker and you play with it, you can think of that story and just imagine how difficult it was to design some of these things we played with as kids without even thinking about it. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. Was it in the Was it in the Empire Strikes Back, or was it put in later? For about, for about a second, it came yeah. out, which which always amazes me that they ran with that as an Empire ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't realise was... it came out in the Empire box until yeah. I got back into collecting. I always just assumed it was um, Return of the Jedi, and then yeah. to see the Empire box was like, uh, oh, it's kind of a. I believe that the model was created along with a lot of other models for the Hoth battle scene. And George looked at the model and liked it. And from memory, I believe they had to completely break it down, rebuild it again to get it walking so they could shoot it on the actual movie. They had to disassemble it for the stop motion. I'm pretty sure it was George's call that he specifically wanted that in there once he saw the model. I assume Kenner knew it was going to be in Return of the Jedi. Because they released this in 1982, didn't they, on the Empire? Mm-hmm. Obviously, a year before Jedi, it would have been a bit of a bit of a risk to hedge their bets to put something in that was in the film for a second. Yeah. Without knowing that in advance. Yeah. Um, Imperial Troop Transport, Cruiser. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, you're absolutely right. I, I completely agree. The Kenner guys must have been absolutely delighted when this featured so much in Return of a Jedi. But yeah, Stu... Take us back then through the packaging. So as you say, it came out eighty two on the Empire Strikes Back and the and the photo art on the box depicted what scene? It's it's on Hoff, isn't it? So it's got um I've got him in front of me. It's got Snore. Yeah, Hoff's on uh, at driver in the cockpit and then who is there's four characters on the floor, isn't there? Vader's on there, isn't he? It's it's all Hoff right. characters. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously the same image was released on the beginning of the Return of the Jedi line, yep. but that was quickly re- changed in late 83, where the Stormtrooper was now cockpitting it, and it still had Vader. Um, I think it was Chirper and Low Grey by the feet as well, um, as, as an indoor scene, and they, they were the two the two boxes, weren't they? Now, and it was released, the, the, the Leddy box obviously uses that image, but the Leddy box is beautiful to look at, isn't it? The Palatoy wasn't... Sorry, you put it in that Palatoy release with the black and white logo. Yeah, it was a bit of a funny one actually because the Palatoy black and white logo, and it's interesting to you say that that uh, Endor scene came out in '83. I, I then they could release the images of the Ewoks. But what's interesting is the black and white Palatoy logo appeared on the Hoth scene of the Jedi box, not on the Endor scene of the Jedi box. But the the that logo itself only appeared, from what I can see, on the hot scene of the Jedi box and on the Rebel Troop transport, which which continued into the Jedi line, of course. But it, did that Palatoy was it. re-release? Did they release the Skywalker with the Endor scene? Yes, they did. But it was on the sort of uh, not quite by logo box. So you had the Return of the Jedi on one side, and then you know the ages four plus 
yeah. and uh, Ab Foyar, and so it was it was in the multilingual box, if you like. But that yeah. was then without the Palatoy logo. But the, trying to nail down exactly when that Palatoy logo appeared and disappeared because it obviously never made it onto any figures because they had been dropped in the on the Empire era. They'd gone from the cards and. I had to look across a number of toy lines to try and find out where it appeared and disappeared, and I couldn't really nail it down other than saying 1982. But now you're saying that the Endor scene appeared in late 83. That means that they still had Palatoy branded stuff going through until after the release of, of Jedi, which is quite interesting because that would have been the only thing that it would have appeared on. Educate me. What, why did Palatoy have a black and white um, logo? I tried to speak to Dave about this, Dave Tree. And uh, he was he was uh, his usual communicative self when it comes to uh, other than picking up the phone to him. I, I unfortunately, didn't have time to do that. I believe it was because the the red, white, and blue of Palatoy was was clearly you know British. This is British product, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When they're towards the the uh, start of the Jedi line, Kenner, who now own all the little subsidiaries that are producing and manufacturing, distributing these toys, want to go for a more uniform distribution and package across Europe, hence the rise of the Tri-Logo cards. So they're looking at a way of cutting costs, making everything into more of a, a, a mono product, a mono brand. So the Palatoy logo, just like the Meccano logo, had to go. And I think this was a way of, of perhaps Palatoy just trying to hold on with fingertips to say, look, it, it's still us. Uh, b- but it didn't hang around for long, and then it was gone, gone entirely. So it was, um, yeah, sad end, really, for, for the Palatoy logo. Uh, that logo also appeared on the Spirograph in 1981, the black and white one. It also appeared, oh, sorry, with mainline trains, it went from the colour logo of Palatoy in 1981 on the cover to no logo at all by 1982. So they were already removing the Palatoy brand in early 82 and sort of dulling it down in 81. So it seems that Star Wars was quite the survivor for that for that brand. And in terms of the mini rigs, as you know that you had Palatoy branded ESB mini rigs, by the time they came out on Jedi, they had lost the Palatoy logo. Some of them went by logo, etc., etc. But they used the exact same print because if you look where the little warning signs are, they're exactly where the Palatoy logos used to be. So where it says, you know, uh, vehicle energizer with tools, you know, hazardous to three-year-olds and all the rest of it, that that would appear where the Palatoy logo used to be, except now in a white box. That's all I could find, though. The last echo when I helped you sell, did you not sell it? One of these with the black and white logo. I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wayne Totty had it, who, who's got a, a nice collection of uh, ATSTs. Uh, in fact, I was chatting to him today, and he's picked up an absolutely stunning, uh, unused Empire Strikes Back Canadian boxed one. And it's absolutely beautiful. No, never seen one before, but it's ap- the, the box looks brilliant. It's the Empire box. It's Canadian. It's just brilliant. So, yeah, he, he had it. Hmm. Would you, would you guys consider this being a remote-controlled toy? No. It's not remote, because no you've got your hand on it. Right, but if you read the description from the 1983 CS wish book according to SWCA, remote-controlled scout walkers sought us in search of enemy rebels. Bloody, bloody, blah. 
Yeah, but then, in fairness, they said realistic laser sound on half the vehicles. I don't know how you dare. I don't know how you dare. Those are clearly realistic. you just got no imagination outside. That's a, that's a fair point there, Rich. Yeah, remote-controlled skywalker. It's, it's far from it, isn't it? And it saunters. Yeah. It saunters. It doesn't walk. It saunters. One Sachets. Thing, one thing that I do like on this, and it says um, removable gun included. Yeah, because it falls off. Well, no, it, it doesn't fall off. You actually you, you have pull to it off. really, really pull it out there. Yeah. When I was looking on the Star Wars Collector's Archive, they've got the Hoth Battle with Kenner Toys area header, and it's got this picture of a Skywalker with a Stormtrooper standing up inside, out of the top hatch, and he's holding on to that weapon. No, so this is this is art. This isn't photos or anything like that. But the way they've got it is that gun, which is on the top, is meant to be held in the hands of a stormtrooper or, or a vintage action figure. And I didn't realise that. I thought that was great when I read that the other day. I think that's a clever bit of marketing, isn't it? Someone's mm-hmm. so they've made it. They put it on, and someone went, "Oh look, you could have someone holding this. Why would you want to? It looks stupid." I have some interesting latest news on prices. Now, in 1982, it says it was, what, $14.99? Dollars, yeah. it, Using the rate of inflation, today's price would actually be in the remit of what I said earlier, about around about sort of like 50 quid mark. So it hasn't actually gone up in price since it came out. It's actually still at a very nice price. It works out about roughly the same. So they must have been um, very well sold because oh yeah, whenever you're at conventions and people have got beat-up ships under the... The tables. There's always three or four scout walkers knocking around in those. Well, there's plenty of um, examples on on track as well, especially the loose ones. So yeah, I mean it was because yeah. I mean I mean yeah, forty nine nine. I mean if it's fifty quid back back in the or the equivalent of fifty quid back in the day, that's still quite a lot of money. Yeah, they were they were heavily discounted quite soon because it was a great budget vehicle for me. It was the biggest vehicle that I had because you know the, the old spending 130 quid on a falcon or atat in today's money wasn't happening and i picked this up in 83 local quick save and i only paid about three pound 50 for it so they they were discounted quite quickly you got a lot of vehicle and you got a lot of playability so yeah no wonder they were they were good sellers and you could crush ewoks with them oh genius I'll tell you what, as a ship, okay, this one is actually quite a, a decent little um, little focus or side focus for people because there's some lovely looking boxes, like we've yeah. already mentioned, some different variants in the boxes, which are all reasonably priced. But I was absolutely shocked when I started looking through like oddities and um, the gimcrack type items. It came out on tons and tons of stuff, and there's some real... Uh, some real nice stuff, you know. It came out on the belt buckles that which came out in Mexico. It's on T-shirts, bedding. There's tons of types of stickers. The Amiga arcade game in the UK that has got it on the front. There's snap together kits, all sorts of lovely stuff. And we're saying it was only in Empire Strikes Back for one one second, whatever it is. But in England, a company called Penshill actually released some ESB montage pajamas and it's on there. So it obviously was in the mindset and yeah, advertised quite well. But there is tons and tons of little bits and pieces. So you yeah. could make yourself quite a nice collection. I love it. That's a great find, Stu. Oh, 
I found it interesting in Empire Strikes Back when you see it, and he's pegging it along, isn't he? He's yeah, like a little, little Jack running. Russell trying to keep up with a big dog because he's there just a little bit shorter, a little bit. He's there half the size of the eighty uh, of the Atats, and he's really going for it. But in Return of a Jedi, he's like, oh, log, oh, oh, bit of, oh, bit of wood, oh, 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 I've fallen over. Well, it was. It was a different model back then, so maybe there was a design flaw. But obviously these companies who make like pyjamas and things like that, they would have looked at production stills, wouldn't they? So they wouldn't have known, or oh, the bath vehicles would want to be there for a few seconds, and that vehicle yeah. was going to be on screen for three minutes. Equally, they would have looked at it and went, oh, look at the size of that. At we're not going to be able to you know, merchandise that too well, whereas this little ATST much easier to, to merchandise. Actually, to be honest with you, Rich, the pyjamas have also got the at on. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a nice little scene. But, uh... um, so, Jez, I looked at some of the uh, repo items that are available yeah. for these. And as you'd expect, the Top Gun is by far the most common item. But of all the repo items I've seen, which is the Top Gun and the Side Guns, they are probably the poorest quality repo items I have ever seen. They are You could see them from so far away. They're absolutely dreadful. The, the, the slightly different shade of grey, but they're so rough. And the flash on them is absolutely appalling. Uh, so I know that we've seen some repro items in the past and we looked at them and thought, actually, they're, they're not bad quality. These are terrible. And I think, from memory, the top gun's about a fiver and the side guns are about 350 each. So they're certainly not cheap. If, if Pete's in for 20, 25 quid, you can get a loose ATST. Then why spend 12 quid on, you know, three repro guns? It's, it's madness. I expected to see things like a top hatch, but I haven't seen any of those. Um, I even thought there might even be somebody selling rep or chicken walker feet. Uh, but uh, no, nothing to have at all. Nice one, Rich. Cheers, mate. I then looked at pre-production items because, you know, where do you go when you look for pre-production items? You go straight to the SWCA. And I, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see any first shots. couldn't see any hard copies. I looked all over. Did you see the Skywalker photo sample? You must have seen that on the SWCA. Scott Walker photo sample. Is that the Sparks one? No, so there's a photo sample which it says, uh, whilst it looks the same, it is significantly different to the to the production one. It's a fully painted, assembled prototype made for use as a sales model or photography sample. Most of these were made out of a combination of resin cast or proto-molded parts. The latter of these require an, an aluminium mould such as the one seen here. So there is something. It is but it's a photo sample. It's not actually. It's not actually the piece itself. That's still cool to see. So I did as much searching as I can. I, I cast my net wider, but the first link took us straight back to the SWCA. And have you heard of the Power Sparks? Yeah, yes. yeah. So the Power Spark came out in 1994, and it was Kenner trying to kickstart the Star Wars toys. And there is a Power Spark ATST prototype. And it was a new toy line called Power Spark, which was to include the ATST and an X Wing. And there are three photographs on the SWCA. Two of the photographs are owned by, well, they were owned by Dennis Gunman, who used to be on Stories from UK. And I met Dennis in Germany. Oh, what was his username again? Remember Maniac79? I think, I think his username on Stories from UK was Maniac79. And he hasn't been posting for quite a while now but he had some fantastic items um so for those who aren't away oh sorry and the other one was owned is owned by joe's joe y so he had the third of the three images that's on there so the principle behind the power spark line was that you could and i'm reading this from the swca because i haven't heard a lot about these before 
You can build, crash and weld together your own toys using the supplied welding gun. <laughs> I was reading this thing and what? That's amazing, isn't it? It is absolutely amazing. So there's a photograph of the ATST with some kind of device plugged in the back of it, which looks as though it's simulating welding. Now, when I looked into this a little bit more, I don't, it's certainly not welding as in uh, acetylene gas and, and sparks and things going. It looks as though it's more like some kind of power charger that you plug into the back of the ATST and it gives it a boost. And I don't know if it had lights and sound i don't know what else it had in there but it certainly looks as though it's an electrical feature that's trying to charge the atst but but sadly it wasn't made there were two toys that were made in that timeline one was batman and one was a gi joe helicopter so two of those toys did make it but sadly they didn't go much further than that and i think there's this first shots and there's hard copies of part of a plastic based playset um, that was available that had a a, a mini ebook and a, an atst driver in that and then once I'd looked at the power sparks, I cast me net further wider than that. And I had a look at other pre-production items that I could find. And I found a photograph from Goko Racing. I don't know who, who actually is Goko Racing, but I see a lot of his posts on um, the Star Wars pre-production groups. And he had a shot of three ATSTs. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. And uh, I've put a little photograph there in our in our text chat. So we've got three prototypes. One of them is, or two of them off the Power of the Force 2 line, and the other one is from the Legacy Vintage Collection line. And the colours on them are absolutely fantastic. One of them is bright red with green legs. Another one has green hatch at the top, green eyes, parts of green legs with a brown body, and, you know, in, in grey, grey elsewhere. And the colours of those are absolutely fantastic. And, you know, when when we've heard the likes of Ron and Chrissy in the past, they would just, you know, whatever colour plastic they had available went straight into the machines and they made these items. The, the colour combinations are absolutely amazing. And it looks like somebody's hand-painted these. You've given you've given an ATST to a kid and said, there you go, there's 20 paints, go and paint them. It's absolutely brilliant. But then in the middle, in the middle of these, is a is a smaller ATST which is in grey. It's in the correct colours or very very similar colours. And and what's fascinating about that one is that it's actually it's actually marked with the 1980 copyright date, even though it is of a later toy line. So Goko Racing's put on his post there. Uh, the middle one is a new edition with a 1980 copyright date in front of it, making it one of the earliest prototypes of that vehicle from the modern line. So so nice to see, absolutely fantastic Goko Racing. Wicked. Great stuff, Rich. Yeah, welding, mate. That is that's so so cool. What was the year of those again? What when were they looking at doing that? Ninety four, ninety five. Yeah. So lads, I've got mine in front of me. We've all said how. Excuse me. Well, there might be some background noises because I'm just having a little look at this now. I've got the stand and walk feature. A little look at this now. Look at that. Oh, everyone enjoy. Everyone get involved. Yeah, this is the business. I do love it. The TV adverts, right? I've seen... Oh, hello. Oh, no, don't break. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the TV adverts. So I saw two different ones. In fact, so as we said, this came out in 1982 on The Empire Strikes Back with the Hoth. It was then re-released, Return of a Jedi with the Hoth, and then Return of a Jedi with uh, the Endor scene. Now, according, again, to uh, to our Bible of Star Wars Collector's Archive, to find it in the original Empire Strikes Back packaging is uh, it's pretty hard to find. 
To find it in the Return of a Jedi with the Hoth is almost impossible. And then the, the more common one, the one which we've seen, the one which, uh, which sparked this whole conversation this evening, the one which has been shown off, has been in a Return of a Jedi packaging. But looking at the TV adverts, looking at the old 37 TV, uh, 30 second TV spots, the first one which I saw, American one, nothing to do with Endor whatsoever. So I'm thinking that this one may well have come out at the time of Empire Strikes Back. And, and actually the YouTube video says Lucasfilm 1981. Now, I don't know what that means, whether or not that was made just before it was released at the beginning of 82. Who knows what? But definitely on YouTube, it says Lucasfilm 1981. But it showed some guys using this and using also. Do you know what else has been used in that advert, guys? Have you seen it? What else are they using with it? The Vehicle Maintenance Energizer. We've been hit! Going for repairs! New Scout Walker, Vehicle Maintenance Energizer, and Action Figure, each sold separately. Tough battle at it, Commander! Rebel Ambush! Recharge the overdrive unit! Recharging, sir! Check leg for battle damage. Looks bad, but this'll fix it. Lasers at full power, sir! Let's go! We're fully operational! Good hunting, sir! Scout Walker, Vehicle Maintenance Energizer, and Action Figure, each sold separately. New from Kenner Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. There you go. So they've completely sexed up the vehicle maintenance energizer by trying to fix the stricken Skywalker. And there it goes. And the way they've got it, the way they're moving the feet of this, it's like some sort of tiny little scrappy-doo. Because they haven't seen this walk properly in a movie, I'm, I'm convinced this one came out well before Return of a Jedi, this advert. They're just using their own imagination with it. It's, it's a great advert. It's a completely office rocker advert. So definitely going to be putting that one on Instagram. But then the one which we'll all be familiar with, the one which was definitely shown in the UK, is, is the one going through Endor. Love it. Return of the Jedi. The Scout Walker's attack. The walking, fighting Scout Walker prepares to attack. This great Star Wars model has walking action. Push button controls to stand and attack. Swivel head, movable side cannons. The Scout Walker can fight his own battles, win his own wars. But will he? Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. Boom! That's one right at the end where it says, only you can decide. And you've got the, the log just swinging through the air. And it's just about to take the head off the uh, Skywalker. Amazing stuff. Jez, did you say that uh, it's next to impossible to find the Hoth box in, on Jedi? Hoth on Jedi, according to Star Wars Collector's Archive. I don't know if that's um, Palatoy. No, no, well, certainly for Palatoy, it's, it's, it's harder than the Endor one, but it, it's absolutely not impossible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's relatively common. Okay, well, yeah, I'm sure a great deal of what they're making reference to is indeed their own, you know, yeah, other country, uh, the Kenner, Kenner counterpart. But as we said, we could harp on about it, but what you get in a relatively small size is an incredible amount of engineering, a great bit of, great bit of kit. As you said, with the weapons, it's all good. Wow, fantastic. What an amazing way to end 
this month's new acquisitions. We've covered a whole plethora of things. People completing their collections. People starting again with collections. People getting the highlights. Diecast High Bomber. And we've gone through it all. We've seen some great stuff. You guys have found some amazing bits and pieces. And we've seen some quite funny stuff. But to talk about the Scout Walker. Something which we all had. And as Stu quite rightly said. Would be a great focus. It's been great. We did also discuss about the Facebook group. Maybe that's something we need to look into. Thanks very much, lads. See you next month. So, on to this month's song, and here's a musical mashup of Star Wars and Grease as Darth Vader takes up the role of Danny Zuko. This is by Randy Turnbow and is called Padme. I betrayed my best friend, killed younglings at school. Force choked my wife I lost my cool Padme, can't you see I'm in misery I broke your heart I'm torn apart Our love is history Ship has flown, my arm is gone. A Sith should never cry. Why did you leave? Oh, Padme. you really, 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 really bad. I know that's true. But baby, you've got to believe me when I say I can't breathe right without you. Your ship has flown, my legs are gone, the surf should never Just a bit of a health warning with the Senate, really. As you know, this was meant to go out last month, but the sound quality was so poor that we had to push it back to this month. It took the best part of two months editing just to get it in, into this state, and even now there's a good 90 seconds where the sound quality isn't good. I didn't want to bin it because the guys put in a lot of effort and made some really good points. Please bear with it. It's worth a listen, and I promise the sound does get better. The rebellion will continue to gain a support in the Imperial Senate. Yeah, the Imperial long- Senate will no longer be of any concern to us. I have just received word that the Emperor has dissolved the Council permanently. The last remnants of the Old Republic have been swept away. 
Welcome to the Senate. We're going to try something new this month. Whether it becomes a regular feature will entirely depend on the feedback received, so please let us know what you think. As the Star Wars collecting market evolves and grows, so it seems do the controversies surrounding it. Just as we get over one thing, like Toy Tony carded figures, Blue Harvest figures, or even the recent fake baggy scandal, there always seems to be another one just lurking around the corner. Look at the square back layer blasters that appeared on the market, turned out to be fake. And whilst Facebook is great for discussing it, it's not great for recording it. Forums are superb for recording the information and the evidence on a longer term basis. But all that aside, you just can't beat a good old argument. To that end, the Vintage Rebellion brings you the Senate. The idea is, each month we'll choose a topic, bring together a selection of collectors, some well-known, some not so well-known, from across the hobby, and get them all arguing and discussing the rights and wrongs. This month is going to be, yet again, a current favourite, Toy Tonys. These fake carded figures have been known about for years now, but they're still causing problems. Barely a day goes by on Facebook where you don't get someone else popping up with a question. Is this a Toy Tony or is it genuine? And the ones that are surfacing now, having been in collections for years, some of them are really quite doubtful. And even the better informed members of the community are struggling with the identification of some and hard pushed to call it one way or the other. Like them or loathe them, Toy Tonys are here to stay. The sheer quantity that he had means that they are going to be surfacing for years to come. If you're not sure what the Toy Tony scandal is, then I suggest you Google Mr. Palatoy Toy Tony, T-O-N-I, and you'll find Jason's excellent resource on the details of the various cardbacks that Tony's believed to have obtained, bubble variations, and telltale signs. However, a potted history is, back in the 90s, a reputable toy dealer obtained around 12,000 unused General Mills and Palatoy cardbacks. He then spent years sealing perfectly nice figures onto those cardbacks and selling them as original factory sealed figures. A lot of collectors hate these things, seeing them as representing the dark side of the hobby, the greed and the forgeries. Some people like them, some are indifferent, some go out their way to collect them. Opinion really is divided on the subject. And so, on to today's debate. The debate is titled, Toy Tonys Have a Valid Place in Vintage Star Wars Collections. The Senate today is made up of two teams of two. Each team member will have two minutes to convince the other team and you that their argument is the right one. Following the release of the show, we'll put up a poll on our Facebook group and ask you to decide who you thought won the argument. So, without further ado, let's find out who we have today with us. Arguing for equal rights for Toy Tonys, we have two straight talkers from opposite sides of the Atlantic. He's Jabba's right-hand man, but he's no goon. It's Mark the Undertaker Baker. Mark, welcome to the Senate. Can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what your collecting habits are? Yeah, I think most people know me. I've got an A in between my names differentiate between the other Mark Bakers that are around. I'm admin on the groups and Booty, and I also started Lego Star Wars Collector a few years ago, so I'm deep in the thick of Star Wars in general. Back in the hobby about five years, um, I'm a collector of variants, droids and Ewoks, cartoon, toys and memorabilia, Lily Leddy, and, well, Star Wars is my focus, basically. Brilliant. A very collection indeed. Well, thank you for joining us. And your teammate, your master-at-arms, He's a very quiet and demure man from Michigan. It's only Mr. Todd Osborne. Welcome, Todd. Tell us a bit about yourself. 
Well, hi. It's just really, really great to finally get out there and talk to everybody. You know, I've lived in Michigan most of my life. And I tell you, this, it's kind of cold up here right now. But anyways, uh, I've been a vintage collector oh, since the early, early 90s. Uh, I absolutely have no focus. I buy anything and everything that is Star Wars. Uh, I go to Shaggy Jeek. Um, been at it for a lot of years and uh, just really, really happy to be on the show today. Uh, also, shout out to the Star Wars Forum UK. Uh, love those guys. So, hey, let's get on today. Taking the opposite view that Toy Tony should be consigned to the fires of damnation are two titans of tirades. They're well known for saying exactly what they think and take the egalitarian view that everyone is equally entitled to their informed opinions. Firstly, we have the man behind the Imperial gunnery. It's John Paul Ragusa. Welcome to the Senate, JP. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the excellent work that you and the rest of the Imperial gunnery crew do. Well, thank you for having me. So I'm John Paul Ragusa. A lot of people um, will know me by uh, you know my affiliation with the Imperial gunnery, who along with, you know, AJ, Paul, Brian, um, Stefan, you know, the, the website that helps people authenticate vintage items. So obviously, I'm going to be a little predisposed to things being as they should be um, of paramount importance. My main focus is collecting foreign carded figures. So I have a love for anything that was um, a non penalty So that's, you know, Harberts, Letty, Pano, PPP, Poke. Um, so I love my carded stuff. And I'm glad you invited me and looking forward to the day. Well, thanks very much for joining us, JP. It's good to have you here. And uh, now on to meet your teammate. Uh, and last by absolutely no means least is the Force Awakens number one fan. He originally hails from Farnworth in Manchester, but now calls Canada home. It's Ian Cuddly Cowley. Hello, Ian. Welcome. Hello, Simon. I don't know if I call myself Cuddly by any means. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody uh, probably knows me best from uh, the forums over the years as ENC. I've been collecting as an adult since 1995. Pretty much anything production-wise, uh, loose, carded figures, uh, vintage um, creatures, playsets, vehicles, 12-inch. Pretty much thumbs it up for the most part. Excellent. Well, many thanks for joining us, Ian. Good to speak to you at last. Well, that's enough of the civil discussion, I think. Let's get on with the main event. There's been a gentleman's agreement first that Mark and Todd will start, and I believe it's Mark going first. So, Mark, your three minutes on the Toy Tonys have a valid place in vintage collections starts now. Well, this latest drive kicked off on Jabba's Palace. We've got an auction running up for a 65-back C-3PO, and I've got a bit of a focus going on C-3PO, so I, I dropped a bit on it. Um, the bids were quite low. Within half an hour, I'd had a few people messaging me to tell me that this was a toy Tony. So uh, we made the seller aware and we stopped the auction. He said, hold on, this can't be fake. I've had it 15 years. But what we didn't realise at the time was that toy Tonys had been, been knocked out for almost 25 years. So even though we ended the auction, a lot of people started to discuss it. And a couple said, well, I want to buy it. In the admin group, we started to discuss the options so that maybe we should allow what they wanted and this led to a vote on the palace, which appeared to be mostly in favour of allowing them to be sold as long as it was with full disclosure. Anyway, we had quite a few weighty names behind this vote, uh, including Jason Smith. We were in touch with him and he gave some advice and he thought it was a good idea as well. Uh, he told me this, when the Palatoy factory closed, Antony purchased nearly 12,000 unused card backs 
a thousand loose figures and six cases of bubbles, and all this was good, legitimate stuff. These card backs were 45 and 65 backs, and the bubbles, unfortunately, while new stock, didn't match up with the specifications for these official release figures. So why are we allowing the trial of them? If we don't allow sales of them, we drive them underground. They'll be sold on eBay, and on there, there are no rules. If they want to post it as a legitimate mock, they can get away with it. And Jabba's Palace, all the admin are dedicated to teaching and advising the community about fakes. And we've already done a lot of work on the fight against repro weapons. Secondly, these are not, under any circumstances, repros, and they can't be compared to them. All of the components are original stock. And the only thing that isn't authentic is the way it was sealed together. Thirdly, they're no more being made, to our knowledge. So this way they become part of a Star Wars history. But that doesn't mean that we're in favour of them. And finally, while we allow sales, we educate the members of the group. The sellers need to disclose the fact it's a toy Tony, and hopefully we can learn what makes this toy Tony, and create a chain of accountability. It is suggested that the cards mark the symbol designating the toy Tony's, but the problem with this is because of the weak seals, the balls are falling off every month. And when they do, the perfectly mint card has got a mutation on the back. And to use a possible dramatic analogy, heroin is illegal. The modern way of thinking is we aren't going to stop them from using it, but we can create a safe house where they are controlled, educated and safe. And that is where we are with our thought process, with allowing Toy Tony's for sale as a trial period on Jabba's Palace and Jabba's Court. OK, Mark, thank you very much indeed for that. And now we pass over to the opposition, where I believe Mr Cowley will be responding. Well, thank you very much for the chance. Um, basically, I'm very opposed to anything that can defraud other collectors. And the simple fact here is these were created with only one purpose in mind. Full people into thinking they had something they didn't. Um, common argument, I have to admit, uh, many people consider them repros. And I know the other side scoffs at that because they're usually all legit parts. Um, in my view, they all fall into a gray area. They're legit parts, but the seal is not a factory authentic one. Uh, it's not a reseal, as they were never sealed in the first place. Um, it's a stretch to say the seal itself is a repro. Um, I'd argue that while well, repro usually refers to the material, in this case we're talking about a reproduced state. However, because of the confusion in terminology, I think it's better to refer to them more like misrepresentations. They misrepresent being factory sealed items, sure, but with the prices of some figures today, there will always be some who will try to pass these off as the real deal. In that regard, the principle is the same as when it comes to repros. You have honest sellers and you're going to have scammers. I heard the argument that uh, they should be sold uh, in the open just to educate people. I don't understand that one at all. The irony here is that if you substitute Toy Tony with repros, you can make that exact same, same statement. Uh, selling them in the open exposes them and educates people. But that just doesn't happen with repros. Uh, what does happen is discussion about them, and people provide links to reference sites such as TIG. I don't understand why the same approach wouldn't work with Toy Tonys. I also don't buy into the idea that these are the same as reseals. Just because they're generally accepted, does that make them right? Uh, the majority of resales are obvious, but when someone reseals a card in such a meticulous way uh, that it's hard to tell if it's original, I think that makes it a bad thing. The bottom line is that in principle, these are the same as repros, uh, created with the intent to deceive by closely resembling something they're not. Uh, even though they're using legit components, they're not the same as a figure assembled at the original factory, and therefore shouldn't have the same value. Honest collectors will declare them as Toy Tonys, but like repros, the risk is just too high they're going to be sold on as real, and therefore it's better to accept them as part of history and leave them there in it. Excellent. Thanks very much, Ian. Now, over to the opening team again. I believe it's Todd's turn. Okay. Basically, there's two parts to this. And the first part I'm going to bring up is just reseals in general. Reseals have been around probably since we started opening these things when we were young. 
lot of them I remember seeing back in the early 90s at shows where some of them were very telltale and some of them were done very well. Um, reseals in themselves have been generally accepted within this hobby for decades. Can you fool somebody? I've seen some that can. Uh, could they contain repro weapons? Yes, they could. Um, there's a fine line as to how far we can go to protect this hobby. Um, people need to be a little bit diligent, a little bit educated. I mean, if someone's going to try to pass something off, they're going to do it. Basically, the second part of this argument here is is that the Toy Tonys, basically, for me, are the same as reseals. They're genuine parts, the bubble, the card, the figure. Could they contain reproductions? They very well could. But to ban the sale of the Tonys, we might as well ban the sale of reseals, which, in my opinion, would be the wrong way to go. It's only so far that we can take and draw a line to what we're going to do and what we're not going to do in this hobby as far as sales go. Um, the best thing that we can do is put out the product out there, fully disclose it, and educate people on how to look at the telltale side of the Tonys and reseals as well. So that's basically my argument. I'm not going to take up a whole three minutes. The only other thing I can add is is that people need to understand the terminology of reproduction in this hobby. And it definitely is not actual manufactured factory parts from back in the day. Production is something that's modern made, and the components are modern made. And that is the end of my argument, sir. Nicely done, Todd. Thank you very much. As you say, less than three minutes, but uh, beautifully put. Now, JP, you've made the claim we're saving the best until last. Let's find out. Over to you. Well, maybe it was loudest for last. I think everyone's progressively a little louder. So Mark's nice and quiet, then Ian, then Todd, then me. Um, So I understand the logic um, from the counterparts. And my my argument is, it almost, to me, feels like it's a middle ground. I don't believe that these need to be completely and utterly banned from the face of the earth. And Mark kind of alluded to the logic I had, which was identifying them through some kind of physical change that would eliminate any any possibility of them being mistaken. My overall thought on them is real simple, and I don't know if you guys know the terms, but there, there's a paradox called the Shipping Thesis, or in America we might call it George Washington's Axe. And this is George Washington's original axe, but over the years we've replaced the wooden handle three times and we've replaced the actual steel axe part twice, but it's still his. So the point is is that all original can sometimes be misconstrued, and some people might look at it and say it's legit. I don't even think that's really the crux of the problem. To me, the crux of the problem lies in the fact most of the arguments about selling them is based on, well, we're going to properly disclose them. We're going to let people know. But we are, no matter where it's sold, whether it's on Jabba's Court, Gunnery, Rebel Scum, whatever, it's only one little piece, and no matter how arrogant we all are about how important our pages or our forum is, the collecting world is much larger than any of us. And there's no way to systematically control what's going to happen after that one little step in that card figure's life. You know, there's also factors that no one brought up, like the fact that there are people who have legitimate versions of some of these cardbacks. So they're not... Well, it's not like, well, if it's a 45-pack, it's absolutely a Toy Tony. No, there were real ones, there were fake ones. You know, and you can't educate the entire world. So for me, I feel that just saying, well, I'm going to have people properly disclose it, I think you're just saying, well, it's cognitive dissonance. 
You know, I'm going to look at it through the prism of my own page, and at least I know when it left my page, it was sold legitimately. But you're completely ignoring the history that that card will have. And that's, that's kind of the reason I'm against it. On the other hand, if there was a mechanism to properly mark them, which I don't understand why people would be so opposed. It's, it's, already, uh, it's already being sold as something it isn't. Why is taking that one step further and clearly identifying it for all time so verboten? I, I can't wrap my head around that. And, and that's kind of the crux of my argument. Super. Thanks very much, JP. Okay, and that wraps it up. That's the last of our four team members putting their views across on Toy Tonys. Why not head over to our Vintage Rebellion Facebook page and vote for the team you thought was more convincing in their argument. One thing is clear, Toy Tonys will always cause a dividing line in the community. The question is, how do we deal with them? Should they be accepted? Should they be marginalised? Should we mark them in some way, as JP suggested, to permanently distinguish between Toy Tonys and the real deal, and thereby protecting future collectors? Let us know what you think. Thanks again to all the participants, John Paul Ragusa, Mark A. Baker, Ian Cowley, and Todd Osborne. Thanks for joining me, guys, and hopefully we'll be back next month for another debate. If you've got any ideas about topics you'd like to hear discussed, or even want to be involved, then get in touch. And now it's time for the Market Watch. Sadly, there wasn't enough time for any market-related discussion this month, but there will be a pricing-related roundup in December. Ladies and geraniums, children of all ages, place your violins into the fridge, rearrange the items in your unused spice racks from Christmas 2009, and Mr Moynihan, play that funky music. Game crack, show us your game crack. We value your game crack. Show it to me. Let's talk about game crack items. I just want to try and clarify what I believe defines an item that can be labelled as gimcrack, as Richard has been struggling a little bit. Rules. Um, I know what gimcrack is. I don't like the rules. <laughs> Well, this is what I'm going to clarify for you, Rich. I'm going to clarify it. Now, at first, it was kind of anything that was off kind of the, the, the normal scale of figures and ships and that sort of stuff. But I think we can go lower with Gimcrack. I think Gimcrack shouldn't just be bits and bobs and, um, you know, stuff you find that, that's maybe sort of like beyond the toys kind of stuff. It should be a lower, lower than that still. It can still feature items from there, but I think we're aiming for the, the kind of the rugs that we saw last month which was an awesome winner the rules are quite simple the item must have appeared this month across the various forums or as a current or completed auction or recent acquisition there we go rich one rug update is that the rug has sold it went for about i think it's about 50 dollars in the end but it did sell yeah crushed absolutely (laughs) gutted about that i agree yeah. I know. I, I, it's, it is disappointing that it went so quickly because I think uh, its original price was far too high. But I don't know. Well, do you reckon that was down to us, boys? I was think that... so. I'd like to think so. I mean, it was initially I... over two hundred pounds, yeah. wasn't it? it? It was initially over two hundred pounds. I was like, you know what? But then it had been buy it now. It had been relisted as a buy it now, and then they must have relisted it as an auction, a really, really low auction, 
or something or other, or maybe someone made an offer because it was just one bid, mega low, far lower. I mean, we're talking, yeah, what, 25% or something or other of what it had been previously. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, please tell me that was one of you guys, and I showed it to you. I, I thought it was Stu. It's not, was it, mate? It wasn't you. Oh, I was gutted when you put it up at the price it sold for. Gutted. I did find an item, which I sh- I did share with the boys, but Stuart went and bought it, so I guess please explain <laughs> what it is. Well, obviously it's not um, not with me as of yet, um, so that's why it hasn't been in my acquisitions, but um, yeah, it's arrived at Ian's, and Ian has said it's massive. It's an item in the States, bought it, and you've allowed your transport chief and logistics engineer, Mr Ian Sanderson, to send it over to Britain for you. I think you should explain what it is and why it's having issues. Right, what it is 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 a, a Darth Vader vintage ceramic lamp. Now, it's a bootleg lamp. One of a kind design. Um, the wiring looks like it was done in the 1960s. <laughs> it looks like an history wiring. But, so it's like a bust. It's from his waist upwards. Uh, he's got his cloak on. He's holding a lightsaber, which is part of the lamp. And then his head... His eyes glow as well with the lamp. It's an awesome item. And uh, <laughs> as as we own it, we can use the image, can't we? For our, for our <laughs> groups, just to show people it. But it went for next to no money. Um, it was on a, a make an offer thing. So put in a really laugh and they accepted it. So for that sort of money. But um, yeah, like I said, Ian is wondering how he's going to get it to the UK. Happy, happy days. But how big is this lamp? <laughs> well, it says on here, it says in the description that it's, 12 and a half inches tall but the base across is eight and a half inches which i think is what's causing the problem i should think so it's as wide as it is tall near enough so um, i'm assuming it's quite heavy then as well yeah i hope this is going in your front room not to your garage no no it'd be in my office my bottom shelf in my sigma cupboard has a few other um bootleg ceramics from that era so i've got a really freaky c3po mug <laughs> and the funny chewbacca money box which looks more like something from planet of the apes and it's like that down there so it will be a but i want to try and plug it in actually because it looks awesome lit up please consult a electrical engineer before you do that <laughs> on the fire brigade hopefully we'll put the pictures in on the facebook group um, we did get some people asking right i just want to cut very quickly before i come to the rest of the boys who i'm sure have got gim crack coming out of their ears this month to make it for previous months the boys on Tantive Forum have been really frenzied about Gimcrack this time. Commander Clint again. A couple of nice little entries. Um, our Chicken Shack. I'm not really sure whether, whether I'm missing a joke here. But uh, real name, James T. So I'm going with James T. He added a couple of really nice press kits, um, which may be, may be too too nice for Gimcrack these days, things I've just redefined it. But uh, I'll urge you to look at those pictures. They're really nice. There's one of an X-Wing fighter with kind of a stand. And there's one of an R2-D2 as well. So um, a rocket hero flying R2-D2. So there we go. Interesting. Then there's also uh, from Commander Clint, our good friend Commander Clint. He has shown me a really nice sort of R2-D2 Coca-Cola badge, which was uh, apparently a French-Canadian Cobot badge, which is worth looking at but uh the one that kind of took my fancy because it had a slave lair in it and this was from nico or well, real name andy and it was like a little keyring. i remember having these keyrings as a kid but i never had a star wars one it's all it is 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 just five little pictures from return of the jedi on a keyring, and you can just like you know flip them over and have a look at them and uh i remember having these from museums and stuff and i'm not even sure it's an official item but it's a, it is a nice little item 
Jim Crack enthusiast Dave Moore has been sending me many pictures of things this month. One of the things he got, um, if you remember, uh, Random House did Return of the Jedi uh, book of masks, cardboard masks you could just pop out. Now, he bought a lot of stuff, and in that lot were these loose masks. And he sent me some rather disturbing pictures of himself wearing them. But uh, there was one, and I have to say, it takes disturbing to a new level. Because uh, it has a message on the end. Of, now, I think it's the Chewbacca one, but I'm not sure. But he showed me what it, what it had been written on the underside of the mask. And he always, this sort of thing always appears to me, because there's clearly a story there. And this is quite a sinister story, if I, if I have to say. So I'm just going to read this mask to you, because it is rather odd. If you want to see your boy again, leave £2,000 under the rocks. <laughs> yes, that has been written on the underside of the mask. So goodness knows what the story is there. I'm assuming it was a bit of fun, but I really hope it was a bit of fun. Yeah, check the mask with DNA, mate. <laughs> well, there seems to be something rather odd. You'll see on the picture whether it's some sort of sticky mess on the on the top. I don't know, but uh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, definitely a story there, Dave. If you ever find out more information on that one, fantastic. Okay, guys. So it's your turn now. What have you got? Let's let me start. Well, Stu's already gone. Jez, you always have something good these days. You've you've recovered. I'm going to go with Sai. Yeah, Sai. He had a one. He got lucky once. <laughs> Sai, so, well, it's only well, been going for two months. Is that, yeah. <laughs> Very true, Jess. We're the only winners in the room. Simon hasn't won yet. So, Sai, let's see what you've got for this month's game credit. It better be a good one because you're behind the two badge boys here. I know, and I, I, I'm feeling it as well. It's a bit mainstream, Pete. It's not on the level of Stu's I'll be honest. But I, I like this because I quite like the Ben Cooper masks and costumes yes yes. they're really cool in their naivety and their cheapness and they were cheap at the time and it's amazing how many have survived given how flimsy all the constituent parts including the packaging were but the one in particular that i really like is the klaatu Mm -hmm. because it 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 first appeared in the empire strikes back box Mm -hmm. it came with a return of the jedi flyer in it uh, leaflet, I guess, instructions about how to wear the damn costume. But on the front of the Klaatu uh, vinyl costume thing, it said Revenge of the Jedi. Ooh. So it's it's got, you've got three logos in there. Um, I love that. I love the fact it's a Jedi character in an Empire box. Yes. And and I also love the sort of the mystery behind Klaatu, because I, I do not get it. And this was a discussion on Star Wars Forum UK uh, about a month or two ago. What's with Klaatu? He appeared on so many things prior to Jedi coming out. He was he was sort of quite pushed as a character. And let's face it, he wasn't exactly a main character in it, was it? But what an interesting choice for a, for a, a mask and costume um, from the upcoming Jedi film, and to put it in an Empire box with the Revenge logo and the Return of the Jedi logo. It's just a, it's a great little interesting mix of history in a box. I guess it, I, I would think that it was just because it was a monster. You know, and monsters are always quite popular, aren't they? Because it was just a bloke's face. I mean, I always found those Bane Cooper masks a bit odd when they were like Luke Skywalker because it just looked Positively a bit... creepy. Yeah, very creepy. But then <laughs> when, it, when it's a monster, it's like, well, you know, did they have any monsters left? I, I guess they couldn't use... The ones they were trying to keep, you know, couldn't you do a Jabber one at the time? Because they were trying to keep that quiet. And I don't know whether they, they ever did like some of the, you know, the, the Akbar ones. Maybe they're trying to keep those quiet. But I guess, <laughs> you know, here, give us give us a one from the new film. Oh, you know, this guy will do. 
Yeah, yeah that one. The green one. He'll yeah, do. The green guy. He didn't do anything in the film, given that. So, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's something along those lines. But not bad, Cy. Not bad. But I think, I think Stuart's already ahead of you with the find that I found oh, him. I can see to the lamp. There's, there's, there's no one going to beat that lamp. Well, I think, I don't know, I think there's a couple of contenders. Right, let us have the item, Jeremy. Well, I'm not resting on my laurels at all because I know that the rug is a cracker, but um, along my searchings, I found some beautiful, for every pocket, vintage Star Wars sticker sets from the 1970s. Now, these are classed as bootlegs. They're classic images, uh, three inches by three inches. Got 11 of them here, but they've actually got it spelt out C-3PO, as in to see S. E-E, Sierra Echo Echo 3PO, which I thought was great. Um, the Force. They've got Obi-Wan Kenobi looking like Jeremy Corbyn in a hooded <laughs> garment there. And so we've got a yellow Imperial Trooper, mm-hmm. Princess Leia in a beautiful flowing red dress. It is very 70s, very retro. And uh, for £45, whilst it might not have the ooh and the ah of some of the other items, for £45, I think that um, elevates it to a pretty good status there. Can I just put something out? You could have got three of my lamps for £45. I love that Leia is showing a lot of leg, isn't she? She is, yeah. It's a great image. And um, I've seen the hand solo image before. Old Steve Savory's got that uh, forefront of his hand solo collection. I do actually own the Princess Leia sticker. Someone gave that to me at the, uh, the first Secret Santa they did. So I, I, have, I have seen some of these before. And, uh, you know, obviously that's, that's, the, that's kind of a redraw of the Hildebrandt image, isn't it? But, I mean, it's, uh, that, it's good, Jed. It's good. £45, though. It's not a gimcrack kind of price. But um... The C3PO is off the mirror, the bootleg mirror that you get. Whether the bootleg mirror nicked the image off this or the other way around or the same manufacturer, I don't know. But I've certainly seen C3PO like that before. This has got to be really early, isn't it? Chewbacca reminds me of Beastman, Man. Yeah. But Jez, it's good. It's good. I like it. It's um, you know, it's it's an effort. Are they actually okay. used stickers that are on a piece of paper? No, no, they are. They're still in the original backing. Oh. Um, eleven of them. Uh, very. Nice. I, I do oh. like the force. I think the Luke Skywalker one is very sort of He Man esque. Maybe not a winner, Jez, but definitely a good entry. Okay, Rich. Right, this is your time to shine. I think you've you've finally got it. The first one was the one that I thought was going to win because it's such a fantastic item. Now, we have talked about this a long time ago on one of the really early episodes. And unlike the other lads, I'm not going to do an eBay search because any idiot could do that. I'm actually going to look for something that has actually been purchased. So what I've got here is it's a lamp. Okay, so it's a bit of a lamp theme. I'm going to put it into text chat at the moment. So this was this was the one that I thought I'm never going to beat this, but I did then go and beat it. So it's the UFO lamp, which comes with um, a small R2 figure underneath. And I found that that was that was purchased by Kristen Lee over on the Imperial Commissary, and he posted on there saying, "Does anyone have information on this bizarre lamp that I picked up today? Um, have we not covered this lamp before?" No, not seen that before, Rich. Okay, so it's it's a UFO lamp. (laughs) Uh, Ron Salvatore posted a link to the SWCA um, unlicensed products article, and there's a small ceramic R2D2 which may or may not have come with that lamp. (laughs) Other people have said that they had that lamp as a kid and it came with a different item, but this one that that, uh, Kristen's showing off has r2d2 or an r2d2 type figure underneath so i look at that one i thought right that's it i've got it in the bag but then i've went and done one better yet again no no google searches for star wars crap or anything like that i 
have this one, which is the one that I think is even better. And that there also appeared on the IC very recently, and that's from Jeff Hollick. <laughs> and he said that um, he was helping his friend sort through his childhood collection and found that ceramic Jabba the Hutt. It's, the, it's a Jabba the Hutt throne with salacious chrome and all of the bits and pieces that come along with it. But the Jabba the Hutt is actually um, a piece of uh, ceramic that was handmade by the brother of the person who had this item. So he made this as a kid and then they painted it all. Um, it looks like it's been glazed in, in whatever kind of um, glazing fluid that they use. And it, it's absolutely fantastic. It. But it's on, you know, I mean, just explain to people who haven't seen the picture yet. I mean, it's on the normal vintage yeah, it's on the normal um, Jabba, yeah. Jabba, Jabba throne. Yeah. I love the fact that, that <laughs> when it's very green, it's very expressive. Yeah. The eyes, the eyes. I mean, it's it's actually better looking than the uh, the first version of the special edition Jabba they did. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's got more expression anyway. But uh, and I love the tongue. The, the, tongue, the tongue looks like a um, the jelly baby. <laughs> no, yeah, no, the bigger one. What do they have at Christmas? Turkish delight. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> Let's just enjoy looking at this item because not only, I didn't realise I didn't see it. I'm looking at it in, in a large format, and it's got the arms as well. I didn't notice the arms before. They just yeah, I thought no. it was just a one big green blob, but that's almost possible. left arm. Bomb's fantastic, yeah. Because yeah, he's off the body, isn't it? It's like, I'm not sure, people. I mean, but also he's also designed it or you know, or made it so the uh, the pipe can go into the mouth. So it's actually an open mouth with the tongue coming out. So you can not only reproduce the the Princess Leia scene where she's strangling him, but you can also have him, you know, pu- puffing away on his pipe. I think and it's the like, salacious crumb fits well. Yes, in his left arm. You'll appreciate this, Pete. Is primed for a slave Leia. Oh yes. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Someone's really put is. real so thought into this. Have a look at things. I wonder what happened to his yeah. original Jabba. Do you reckon he thought I can do better than that? Because it's, you know, it's a decent thing, the Jabba. But I mean, do you reckon he's, you know, what I can make a ceramic out of that, make it look much nicer, much more mm. interesting, much more devious looking, green and slimy? Because he's done a very good job. He has. Well, it's certainly better than this job because somebody else posted in the. <laughs> Text chat now, Jez. This one is dated, and this one's dated 1983. Mm. So, this is another Jabba that was created in 1983, and this one is from <laughs> yeah, this, right? This one's from somebody called Orby Rod. Call that Stu's bottom by the looks of So, that's another ceramic Jabba. But oh, there. my word, slightly. <laughs> <laughs> Rich has well, almost. Like on it. He <laughs> looks very, very relaxed. <laughs> so he's been squashed. It looks like a frying pan. He's a bit more episode one, isn't he? He's got, that, he's got a bit slimmer. <laughs> <laughs> looks like he can still get around and tanned. There was something slightly odd about one of the eyes. It looks like he just punched the eyes in with his thumb. But also, it looks a bit too human for my liking. The ear, it looks like his arms are like ears. Yeah. Rich, I, do you know what? I'm going to have to. I can't split your three crazy items. They're too good, <laughs> so I'm going to have to give you it because you've made massive effort and you've made me laugh because that's what yeah. King Crack should be about. But I'm intrigued by the lamp. I need more information on that. That's the mad. I'm really convinced that we've talked about this UFO lamp before. Oh, Do you think this last one, Rich, you've put on is actually an FG of George Lucas? <laughs> <laughs> so, so to c- conclude then, the Richard is the winner. He will begin their badge, which is now in production. Sorry, you need to pull your finger out, Sunshine. It's the new because, chair, isn't it? Yeah. You, <laughs> you need to bring the oh, table. Right, right, easy with the insult. Hey, it's not an insult. You're the new chairs means you're the fittest one of the podcast. You're the funniest one. You're the one who people want to go for a pint with. Take it as a compliment. So, Sai, 
The pressure is on, young man. And now the top five highest priced ATST related items from StarWarsTracker.com. In at five, did anyone think of designing a metal box on legs that actually had a hatch with a lock on the inside to stop hairy creatures getting in? It's a loose, ungraded ATST drug for £69 in Australia in 2016. Number four, my childhood ATST driver was always Han Solo in disguise. If I'd had another one, I would have called him Alan. It's a Lady Lady Loose ATST driver for £94. Ain't nobody here but it's chicken walkers. It's an ungraded complete box ESB ATST for £243 in 2016. At two, sadly, the all terrain didn't account for freshly cut logs underfoot. It's a loose graded AFA 90 ATST in July 2017 for a whopping £400. In it one, what exactly were the ATSTs doing on Hoth? Getting in the way, or did they run off and marry a Wampa? The highest price paid for an AFA 85 mint seal box ESB Hoth Snow Scene ATST was £1,477 in July 2017. See you guys next time on the StarWarsTracker.com Top 5. Since the last show, we've all been on little road trips to a couple of different events. Firstly, Rich, on the 14th of October, you headed down to Echo Live. Now, I attended the last one with Simone, and I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good event, really well put on. Sadly, I couldn't make it for this one, but this one looked twice as big in the images I've seen. What did you make of the event, Rich? I'm glad I went to you. I tried to get to the one that you went to the last time, but because the distance is quite far for me, Everything has to slot into place. I thought, you know what, I can make this one. So I contacted Andy Norton and I said, Andy, do you fancy going down? Because he lives in Sheffield, which is about halfway between uh, where I live in Redditch. So I picked Andy up and I went down. I thought, it was, I thought it was fantastic. It was a little difficult to find. There weren't that many signs. And, you know, we almost passed the shopping centre three or four times before I found the right car park. Uh, the one-way system was a nightmare. And then when we actually got in the shopping centre, we were looking around thinking, well, where is it? Because there weren't any obvious signs anyway. But then, obviously, when we saw the five or first guys or whoever was cosplaying, we found the place. But no, I was really impressed that they did a good job and, you know, well done to them. It was, a, it was a good event. You would attend again then? I would definitely attend again. For those who haven't been before, they had a great mix of vintage Star Wars and a lot of modern, as you'd expect. There was a lot of guys who you see it farthest from. And because it was bigger, they could bring more of their stock. So if we just take somebody like uh, Mark Daniels from Pebble Studios, he always has a table at farthest from. But because Echo Base had the bigger place, he could have twice the size of the table. And some guys like Nick Dykes had, you know, you probably couldn't even fit his display on one whole side of the hall and father's from so it was it was really good to see more items there it was it was great 
there i did do some recording as i was walking around most of the recording was unusable because there was that many people there and you know so, so some of the bits that i recorded when i've listened back to them later on is absolutely pointless but i've recorded a few little interviews so my first one that i've got here is a short little interview that i've recorded with jamie brown from gw clinic i met paul roundstaff for the first time he was on andy davis's store and they were in what they called the small room but the small room was quite a, a big size so it's cut to a short little interview that i've recorded with those two now well, I'm here at Echo Base Live, and I'm with Jamie Brown from GW Click UK. So, Jamie, um, Echo Base, has it been quite good for you today? Hi, Rich, how are you doing? Yeah, I mean, um, been a busy day. Been a busy day. They opened the doors up at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, and so we came up the night before, and uh, I've seen photographs of a queue outside, and it was very long. So, successful, it's huge. What's been your best sellers today, then? Best sellers of acrylic? Uh... Well, actually, to be honest with you, the 40th anniversary cases have been going well. And obviously our standard mop cases uh, constantly sell. Um, it's funny with Echo because this show in particular, we have much more of a diverse uh, range of products that get sold. Um, people seem to be looking for the more obscure um, items to sort of case up. So, yeah, we've been pretty constant right across the board of our products, to be honest with you. Yeah. Now, Jamie, at the front here, um, I've seen your first 12 display stand before, but you've done something different this time because I haven't seen this before. Now, I've seen your photographs on Facebook, but nothing does this justice. So what have you done to your first 12 display stand to make I've, it look even better? I have been so creative, Rich. I've basically, with Christmas coming, I've added Christmas lights to it. Well, not quite Christmas lights, but... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, with uh, those first 12 um, made a display... I think it was crying out really to be lit up and uh, so I've added um, a set of lights to the top which has got remote control where you can change different colours, you can set it to different settings and I personally think it really adds an extra element to the whole case. Oh, it does, it looks absolutely fantastic and it really sets off um, your, your first 12 display there really well. So if somebody's interested in your products, Jamie, and they want to find more about your first 12 display stand, your 40th anniversary corded figures and your 12-inch uh, that you've got here, where do they go to buy your products and view them? Um, as always, Rich, uh, website's probably the easiest, www.gwacrylic.co.uk. Um, you can email me, sales at gwacrylic.co.uk, or I'm on Facebook, I'm in the groups. I'm happy to talk and uh, yeah, look forward to hearing from you. Many thanks, Jamie. Pleasure as always. Right, I'm just having a walk around Echo Base Live at the moment and um, it's in two rooms. I'm in the smallest room at this moment in time. I've got to say that uh, there is a fantastic range of loose items um, and say lots and lots of loose figures priced from £10, including weapons, going all the way up to. Uh, £100 for uh, a looser man man with weapon and even you know Yak Face is coming in at about 165 170 which is a fantastic price I saw some pop up R2s with Sabres that were about 250 $280 um, so it goes to show that sometimes it's worthwhile just actually shopping around a little bit before jumping on some of the uh, the Facebook groups and auctions in order to buy you know your, your harder to get ones like the R2 pop ups there's a good range of modern here as well. Okay, so I can see some black series. Uh, 40th anniversary seems to be really popular. Um, lots and lots of loose. Um, what I do particularly like is that we've got some artists here as well with some dioramas. 
Um, and I'm going to put some photographs of these on, on our Facebook group. Some of these dioramas are absolutely fantastic. Lots of Ewoks and vintage figures used in some of these dioramas. We've got um, like Ewoks um, tree houses, and we've got uh, forest scenes with crashed uh, ATSTs, um, Dago bar sets. Um, you know, absolutely fantastic. The detail in these is, is, is stunning. Nice, really nice um, Meccano Jawa. Good price at £135. I've seen some of those go for a lot more than that recently. A little bit of a tear at the top, but very good condition. So if anybody's after Meccano Jawa, um, In Demand Toys would be the place to go. Some proof cards from Andy Davies and um, Forum long-term member Roundstar. Got some Fantastic Empire Strikes Back proof cards, some Return of the Jedi proof cards. Uh, they're all, always nice to see. I really like that Empire Strikes Back Power Drive proof card. That's fantastic. Got a nice Vlix here. Um, the Vlix is armless. <laughs> As in literally armless, it's missing an arm. Yeah, or is that a custom Vlix? It is, yeah. yeah. It's Andy's. I'm having that to do a custom jacket. <laughs> no, I don't, don't blame you either. A bit of super glue, be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a few people looking at our Vlix. He doesn't generally get these things. No, I've never seen that one before. It's a weird one. The posh Eddie Rowe. The Force 2. Exactly. It's a bit bizarre mix. Yeah, you don't have to put Power the Force together with proof cards from the vintage line. But never mind. Each to their own, yeah. Mr. Palatoy. Pond would not be the same without Mr. Palatoy sending his card back. This is my first Echo Live, so I'm uh, oh, really fantastic. So, obviously, Jason, we've met you loads of times at Father's Forum. This is the first time that you've been at Echo Live. What's your overall impression of it? Uh, very impressive. It's uh, Apparently, this is twice as big as the previous one as well. So, uh, we've got two rooms instead of one, and there's another room out the back. Yeah, it's, um, it's a kind of steady flow of people all day long, by the looks of it. Um, we're currently at midday, we opened at nine, we're three hours in, and we've got another another five to go, so uh, I think I'm going to break for lunch in a bit, and then uh, come back. Have you bought anything nice today, Jason? I, I've had a look around, I haven't bought anything yet, but um, uh, what, what I do is I come to these shows, and I kind of work on my, my, my hotel cost, my train fare, your table cost, and then if I if I get past all that, then I can stop paying for last night's curry. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really good, really. Yeah, good stuff, Jason. And uh, we'll see you for this form and uh, Christmas. Yeah, be uh, looking forward to that. Cool. I'll see you later. You're right. rich. Yep. Just got here. Yeah, just got here. <coughs> okay, so I'm just moving down through the, the corridors. I'm with Martin at the moment, who goes by Long on the forum. Martin, you've got some cracking items on your store here. And I bought, a, or should I say bought a stall, an Atta driver off you for a grand £40. Now, I know when I put this on Facebook, people are going to say, oh, I've took advantage of you. But Martin, that was the price, and I didn't even try and haggle you. No, absolutely. No, it's perfectly fair. Yeah. And you've got some cracking items here, Martin. I mean, I, I'm looking at this um, Empire Strikes Back Palatoy set that you've got here of uh, Vader Star Destroyer. It is all oh, yeah. But that is a, that is in really cracking condition, and it's uh, it's on use as well. Now we were talking about that uh, recently on the podcast uh, to say that we didn't see many of those in the shops, but by all accounts, since then we've had loads of people come out and say, "Oh no, they were they were readily available." Um, you had a good day here, Martin? Yeah, good. Yeah, managed to sell a few bits and pieces, so it's uh, all going well. So you've covered your beer and curry for tonight, have you? Absolutely, yeah, that's taken care of. Yeah, so uh, certainly happy with that. It's nice to meet everyone and uh, see some people. Right, cheers, Martin. So, Vintage Rebellion podcast here, and I've stopped to look at the TSW Toy Box daily podcast also. What can you tell us about what you've got going on here? 
Well, what we're doing today is something for cancer relief. We're having a little bargain hunt where we can spend £50 each and trying to find some items and either auction them off or just, just, just sell them, really, for as much profit as we can. Yeah. Um, so it's for Cancer Research, did you say there? Yeah. Yeah, Cancer Research UK. Um, so you've got some nice items here. So what's going on in the rest of the store? Are these things that you're going to all auction off? Yeah, they're, well, they're for sale as well. Yeah. Um, just bits we've bought today and things we've brought in. Now you've been you've been Echo Live before, haven't you guys? I have, yes. Yeah, so what's the difference between this Echo Live, which is my first time, and uh, an Echo Live that you've been to in the past? It's a lot bigger. A lot bigger? Yeah. Hotter? Yeah, well, no, last year was quite warm. It was quite warm. A lot more cramped. It was about half size of this, this room. And they've also got two rooms now. So, a lot more stock. Now, we've, we've interacted with each other on Twitter and Facebook and those other things, but some of our listeners may not have heard of your show. So if they were interested in your show, what can you tell us about your show and how can they interact with you guys? Well, we have the monthly Toy Box podcast, which we talk about uh, a lot of vintage, mostly vintage, but some modern as well. And I do the silly uh, Toy Box podcast where I talk about a lot of modern because that's mostly what's in the news at the moment. But I do, I do like to talk about vintage mostly. I would love to talk about vintage all the time. Uh, I listened to your show not too long ago, and you did say that there's not a lot going on in the vintage news recently, and you were right because we're, we're starting to we're starting to scrape the, the surface for some of the stories. Going on for six hours. Yes. <laughs> right. Pleasure talking to you, Mark, and good luck and raising money for cancer research. Thank you. A lot of people on Echo are extremely talented artists and they're, they're far more talented than I would ever be. So we've got some fantastic shots here of some uh, artists from Chris Rose Photography. Um, what Chris has done though is, is these are quite unique, is he's taken photographs of different toys and placed them in scenes from the movies. So we've got different vintage items here, we've got Lego items and we've got various other pictures of modern items as well. So these are fantastic, great stuff. These. Is that you one know, of those um, comes from uh, episode I, I one? Do, I do think they're complex. These, these are extremely underrated. These I do really like. I, them. I was there's saying to James earlier. There's more I of this. Absolutely love the artwork. Yeah, they're very underrated. There's more at this show than I've seen for a while. Yeah. In terms of there's there's a sort of talking Darth Vader one down yeah. there. Yeah. Sort of. yeah. I've seen that one before. And they're still quite reasonably priced, aren't they? Not, not gone. Right, so I'm with Andy Norton. Um, a lot of people know Andy as Oons on the forum. Um, the diecast guy is more commonly becoming known now. Um, Andy, first time you let go live, what's your general thoughts? It's really good. I'm being very impressed, actually. It's, uh, it's, it's got a very vintage feel, but there's also a lot of more modern stuff, a lot of families wandering around, but also some old faces and, and diehard collectors. And you've bought some interesting items as you've described them before today. So, so what items have you bought? Well, I've gone for the, the cheaper end of the of the scale so far. I've got uh, an Imperial Troop transport for five pounds, missing most of its elements. I thought it'd be a good project to do up, and a Stormtrooper blaster, the, the kid-sized Stormtrooper blaster. Again, missing a few bits, but for ten pounds, and I thought I couldn't turn that down. Oh. Uh, also, a long long goal of mine is to get a, a better attack driver. So I've got one of those in my loose collection. Yeah, um, I think uh, Pete will certainly be uh, praising you with that one, Andy, because he likes to pit by projects like that where it's incomplete and he, he rescues them in his words. Uh, so further down, we've got lots and lots of prints here. Dave Trees here um, selling his stuff from all the cool stuff. 
got some uh, mix of mix of vintage, a mix of modern from Dave Tree, a mix of Lego, a mix of comics, Helix stationery, Dave Tree. You have got the lot, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Is this your first time in that go? Uh, it's the first time I've done this naked. Ah, um, right. So right. That's why. That's why we're packed. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So everybody's come to see um, see what is making an echo but um, no 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 actually I was, I was here earlier this year so it was all good mm. it was all good are you having fun today? I'm always having fun today every time I see you I see fun yeah well you know fun's my middle name <laughs> what are they walking around somewhere like this is especially what, like what you do on a Saturday where you try to get the families into Star Wars yeah 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 well I mean they're the future you know kid, kids are the future of all of this Richard yeah you know, you should be aware of this. Yes, very aware of it, Dave, with my job. Oh, hang on. The next time I'll probably see you, Dave, is the Father's Farm. Have you got any Father's Farm news that you can give our listeners at all? Have I? Wow. What Father's Farm news haven't I got to tell ah. you, Richard? So, 9th and 10th of December, uh, you have the weekend of uh, Father's Farm in Fordingbridge, incorporating the third... Moncalcon, the world's premier convention for Mon Calamari and Quarren fans. Uh, Admiral Akbar and Te- uh, Squidhead as well. Oh God, I nearly yeah. went too far then. <laughs> One of the funniest uh, nights, though, isn't it? Have you Dave Short? Uh, I'm assuming Dave's coming down again with, uh, with the being Aquarius. Very, very funny guy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, D- Dave is uh, a good friend of mine and. Uh, the whole thing is just done for trolling him more than anything else. Um, oh yeah, there's certainly very little seriousness in that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you, Saturday you got the family fun day uh, going on, and so you'll have like a, more of a general Star Wars show, uh, and then in the evening you then got Moncalcon. So a lot of uh, guys over the last couple of years have come down, and it's like a Christmas dinner that we incorporate in. Crackers. We'll, we'll try and get some crackers this time. Not uh, just Jason Smith, I mean. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, but there will be like a, a Christmas jumper competition. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I can jump. Well, yeah, uh, you certainly can. Um, but, uh, and then on the Sunday, you then got uh, Father's Prom, so like vintage tour show. Oh, the weekend before the new film comes out. So, so people will be super hyped and pumped for, yeah. for all that goes on there which would be pretty cool so sign up for a Facebook group of um, all the from Toy Show Facebook group that you've got going now so all the details are going to be on there so if anybody's interested join the group and uh, start PM and Dave swag uh, yeah there, well no, there's uh, a couple of things on uh, that will be announced very shortly. Pin badges. Pin badges. So, Farmers yeah. From and Mon Calcon exclusive pin badges. Oh, we'll keep Amongst other that. things as well. So, watch, watch this space. Awesome. Nice to catch up you again, Dave. No worries. Cheers. And as you've just heard there, an exclusive from Dave Tree, God's to Father's Form, enamel pin badges, which are going to be exclusive to Father's Form, limited edition. So for everybody who's thinking of heading down to Echo Base, if you want to see another great con towards the end of the year, just before Christmas, December the 9th, December the 10th, Ford and Bridge, that's the place to be. The week after Echo Live, myself, Pete, Simon and Jez headed off to Ghent in Belgium for the Fax event. Now, we went to Fax 
back in 2014, which me, Rich, Pete and Grant at that point. Now, Rich, do you remember when you said I nearly got killed uh, at the event back in 2014? Yep. Oh, here we go. This year, Jez nearly killed all of us, but I would have taken much of the impact to start with. Jez, can you just tell people how you nearly wiped us out? Well, it was a very simple human factors error, uh, which was a sort of um, end of a long day. And what happened, Rich, is we were on the, the motorhome. So I had hired a motorhome, the Falcon, which is a six-berth motorhome. And I said to the lads, don't worry, I'll organise everything. So as you can imagine, it went like a dream. Uh, and the thing is with this, when you get off the ferry, you're immediately on to the motorway, pretty much. So it's 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 not technical driving. Yeah, you're driving a big vehicle on the incorrect side of the road at night time in a foreign country. And it, you know, it's just all lots of things to consider. But the fact is, because you're straight on the motorway, it's not drama. So then coupled with the fact that I was surrounded with a collection of drunken idiots who had been drinking for the last two, three hours whilst we were driving through England and then um, on the ferry and then all the way through France. And then as we were going into Belgium and we were singing away, it it didn't matter that, you know, there wasn't a good voice amongst us. We were singing. We were having a good time. We were bonding. It was a shame that you weren't there, Um, but we we were having a really, really good time. And I think I just relaxed a little bit too much because if you can picture the scene, Rich, we had just been on the motorway for about two hours, get off the slip road. And I think, right, I need to turn left. And it was about 11 p.m. So I look right, nothing coming. And I pull out onto oncoming traffic uh, and I'm faced with a juggernaut, with an articulated lorry just flashing and beeping. And I'm immediately swearing, ramming it into reverse and managed to just hoy ourselves back off of the main roads up onto a slip road as all these vehicles go past. And at this point, my heart's racing. I realise that we uh, we all had a close call. And at this point, all the drunken idiots were like, oh, what's going on? What's going on, Jess? So, um, yeah, I was a little bit shaken up for a while because my life literally flashed before my eyes. Typical podcast in Jez, where it's um, everybody presents problems but don't come up with solutions and then they blame the driver. Yeah. Well, whether he was the one that was turning down the wrong way, wrong side of the road. I was totally <laughs> oblivious to it because I had my back to it. Jez was swearing and I was like, oh, what's wrong with him? It was Pete, was Pete not doing the navigation like yeah, when he, he did <laughs> when we were in Belgium and we ended up on the far side of Germany. I, I was staying well away from Jez and his little home in the back with sight on that cheese. Yeah, I was staring at the oncoming traffic and, and was quite lost for words. Uh, as Stu said, he was completely oblivious. I had no idea that there was 38 tonnes at 60 miles an hour heading straight yeah, for him. it was close. And so I had to sort of, I was really, really worried that I was going to have all sorts of issues and nightmares later on. I was like, oh, a few seconds later, and we would have been brown bread. And then I was thinking, no, a few seconds later, and I would have definitely seen that articulated lorry in my peripheral vision, and, and all would have been well. Crazy times. I'm not going to return to Ghent, because I've got a feeling it might be third time lucky. Now, Pete, if we get to Ghent, we're going to be staying shut, isn't it? Well, yeah, Jez has decided to book campsite that closes at like eight o'clock in the evening hang on hang on hang on, uh, hang, on, <laughs> hang, on hang on hang on we have to uh, we have to go and park next to a canal the campsite Which is shut at 11 p.m we just yeah, had to yeah, wait for Stu to finish work if, uh, wait there wait there none of you were here like i'd asked you said to us uh, oh uh, uh, don't uh, come uh, around till half five if jez had got a bit quicker 
got into second gear maybe once or twice, you might have got there. <laughs> I was at and your home help waiting for you, Stu. Wait there, though. Wait there also. I would just like to say Storm Brian had come in and the ferries had all been delayed. So you can't blame me for that. Oh, yeah, the ferries had been delayed by two hours. Uh, but again, <laughs> so that um, might have had a bit of a difference for it. I know we got on an earlier one, you but it was still late. The ferries were delayed. I was camping with 69 kids in the middle of Storm Brian, just getting on with it. And you, Fip and Southern Softies, had to have a ferry cancelled. That might have spilt our beer. If it had got too choppy, there could have been beer spillage. And, exactly. and nobody likes that. What kind of knob decides that they're going to go camping in October? Yeah. Exactly. Especially uh, in the north. There was very north. nearly beer spill on the ferry. Because uh, we ended up in the wrong restaurant. We we wanted to get something to eat, so we, uh, we were there following along. We ended up going into a restaurant which was a little bit sort of spit and sawdust, not necessarily what we thought. And we thought, oh, these are reasonable prices. Yeah, a lot of lads in here, um, but all reasonable prices. To which the chef at the cafeteria was like, right, uh, you're all drivers, aren't you? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we're all drivers. We quickly got all of our food and sat down. And uh, we realised that there was daggers everywhere. We were we get a few dodgy looks. The fact that Stu was dressed in Bermuda shorts and flip flops, <laughs> it wasn't really the best trucker um, uh, attire. I mean, the rest of us could get away with it, but Stu, you didn't look anything like a driver. And they were kicking people out. The others were walking into this restaurant, and it was a trucker's only restaurant. But we managed to get away with it. I think primarily because we had Pete. And Simon us, who were both, you know, the size of Wookiees. As you know, we were meant to get to the campsite. Well, we said, look, we don't think we'll make it in time. And the campsite owner said, well, well, the night guard is here till 11pm. And if you're not, you can camp by the canal for free. And that's what we did. When we pulled up at the canal, there was no cars around, Rich, right? The next morning, me and Jez were sleeping um, at the back in a double bed in a single sleeping bag. We wake up and open the curtains, and literally, I've never seen somewhere so busy in my life. Dogging. <laughs> it was just cars everywhere, people rowing on the on the canal, and there's us little like, what's going on? So, yeah, so the Saturday, we get up, we move into our campsite, cook a nice little breakfast, bit of team bonding. And unlike last time, we decided to cosplay in Ghent. Pete, you designed all our heads for our costumes and we all got our outfits. So could you just go through the heads you made for each of us and who we all were? Well, Jez was recycled. I'd, uh, I'd made some carnival heads for a carnival in Leamington and uh, my hometown. And uh, I thought, oh, one was a bald headed kind of thing. I thought it would suit Jez down at the ground. Stick a couple of uh, buns on the side of it. And we had a Princess Leia looking a bit like Frank Sidebottom. You know, there wasn't really that much difference between Frank Sidebottom and Jez anyway. So I thought it would look, um, it would look quite cool. And Jez obviously has, you know, loads of costumes lying around his house. Well, while you're going through the things, so Jez did have a full on layer outfit, didn't he? And what I like most about Jez's costume is, the bloke's got no hair, and he's got this massive paper mache head. So he insists on underneath wearing a Princess Leia wig mm-hmm. under the hat, under the fake head he's wearing. And, the, and there was a lot of hassle in getting that on and off again for no reason. I'm a no. method actor, and I, mean, uh, you know, I, I was there. I was in character, shaved my legs, did everything really, bra fitting, the works. Yes, just just in quite enjoyed. Everyone should know that. Uh, he got really into the whole bra thing and wore the whole bra all the way through the weekend and on the way back. And uh, I think he's probably still wearing it now. So he really did go for the, the look. And I think I think the bra suits him. He seemed to enjoy wearing it. Well, Sai is hideously tall. 
I mean, he's, he's probably 14 to 15 feet tall. So um, he decided to go as Chewbacca. So for, for this one, I made a brand new box. So I did a paper mache kind of frontage to his Chewbacca costume for his head. But I think his uh, his, his overall costume, I think, outdid the hat in the end or, or the, the, the head. I mean, it was tremendous effort for what is basically cardboard. Boxes. He did keep saying it only taken him half an hour. But I reckon he'd been putting in hour after hour. It mattered days. Size. What was your outfit? Can you describe it? It was was topped with Pete's excellent square chewy head, which was fantastic, particularly after I'd shoved my eyes, my my thumbs through the eye hole so I could see where I was going. That was brilliant. And then the, the costume was cardboard just cut, like sort of feathered, like a comb kind of thing. And then glued on to some old scruffy clothes and a, a, a lot of it so it was like a Chewbacca by a thousand cuts and then Pete had also out of an old suitcase his mum had blagged from some homeless person made a bandolier which had fag packets strapped to it to complete the effect and me mum's handbag which I copy dexed to the uh, bandolier so all- that was the finish that suitcase, I mean, I said my mum got it for free from a charity shop she works in. It, not only uh, I stripped out the straps from it, it was it was quite a tacky looking thing, but but it was all damaged. Um, made a b- lovely bandolier for you. And then the rest of it made a lovely helmet for Stu, because um, I made him a, an Ewok, because <laughs> <laughs> Stu you know, is, is a similar size to an Ewok in all proportions. So he looked very good as his Ewok thing. And... Uh, she also got me a stole, which is a very furry thing, um, like a furry kind of scarfy thing, and uh, that was his hands and feet. But um, yeah, the the um, I painted his face in, added a couple of furry ears, and cut the <laughs> cut the billy out of uh, that suitcase. There wasn't a, a lot left of it in the end. I think it was only a frame left in the end of that suitcase. But considering it was free, I think I thought your head looked pretty good with the uh, suitcase on. But um, you did, you the, did give me a good head and yourself. And then myself, I, well, I had this thing about wearing a Spectrum for some no apparent reason. It's just one of those desires you have in life. So uh, I had an old Spectrum, stuck it into a, into a T-shirt, took out the front, drilled it through a T-shirt, did some cheeky gaffer taping for the uh, the kind of shiny chest plate, got a beautiful cloak again, mother at a charity shop for a couple of quid, lovely black cloak, and uh, I made myself a box and I was Darth Vader. So again, a bit of paper mash on the front. Seeing as I'm tall and large, looked impressive. I also had some rather disturbing rubber gloves that uh, that my father, many many years ago before he passed, used for drainage, and they were so hot. <laughs> you were so hot, full of water, weren't they? Just filling up with sweat. It was disgusting. And uh, when when I put, moved my arm up, uh, just a big lot of sweat would just come out. I was like, oh my word! It was like wet patches all over the floor. I had to quickly move away to look a bit dodgy. If, um, out of interest, if, if Richard had been on this trip, who would you have uh, made him ahead of? Well, I thought he was, he's always been a bit of a Hammerhead fan, hasn't he? So That's exactly I think what I was thinking. So let's go, let's go back to the event, right? So we've, we've, we've got up on Saturday morning, we've had this breakfast, Pete's done the last few touches on our outfits, we've got ourselves dressed up. We're already running a bit late. So we look at it, we try to get a taxi and get now. Uh, I got through to a couple of them and people said, no, we don't work on a Saturday. Surely the busiest time for a taxi. So getting there was a nightmare. So we decided to walk. Now, we all set off. Pete is going to walk us around the one-way system in the completely wrong direction. <laughs> but I, I see a little opportunity to cut a massive corner off. Would you, lo and behold it, the Navy SEAL in our crew 
is scared of the woods outside. <laughs> if you're in a white dress, <laughs> this was it. beautiful. This was absolutely beautiful. So we're stood halfway into the campsite at the reception, and uh, Stu and I made to go left because there's a road there, and Jess and Pete made to go right, and in the end we just follow Stu and we go, we go striding off. And bear in mind, it's it's October. It should be quite cool. The sun has begun to come out and things are heating up already because it was what already eleven eleven thirty by I'm then. I'm wearing a thick dressing gown, <laughs> yeah, sweating with fur strapped to your hands and your feet. Uh, we've got boxes on our heads. It's beginning to get a little bit warm. We walk for about five ten minutes and end up in a field, for want of a better word, where the tents would normally pitch, surrounded by woods. And Stu starts making a beeline for the woods, knowing that at about fifty meters through the woods. There is a road. What lies within the woods? What fences and structures? Who knows? But he's going through. And Jez starts going, Ew, no, we can't go through the woods. We don't know what's in there. And and has a, and he's, he's by now, it's Stu. He had a proper strop on, didn't he? Really? Oh, yeah. You could tell. Right, that's want, it. Fellas. Who followed this idiot? Well, who said go this way? We're going back this way. Here we go. And he, he was he was full on he was full on officer mode, wasn't he, mate? We've walked ten minutes to get to this the edge of the woods, and Jez is like, "I'm not going in there. It's very very scary." I've so we have to go all the way back. <laughs> Another fifteen minutes of walking just to get to the main road. We get to a bus stop in the end, don't we? So we're all sitting there. There's a couple of great photos of us sitting at the bus stop in our outfits. <laughs> with some random people and the bus takes about 45 minutes to arrive doesn't it and eventually eventually we do get to the event and we think to ourselves let's go and enter the cosplay competition so we make a beeline for the cosplay stage we uh we did brilliantly we we were in time we had seen the program it's like yes we will make it these these little hats these head things we're wearing there's hardly any vision but we did a good job of all staying together bumping into people and we get there uh, and the MC is like, right, everyone, are you all ready for the competition? And we're all like, yeah. Right, are you guys all ready? Yeah. And then you hear him say, are the contestants all ready? And then in the distance, you hear a slight cheer. And with that, slowly the penny drops between each and every one of us. Naturally, me first. Um, it's too low. <laughs> uh, and uh, and it, it's quite obvious that actually, hang on a second, we, we thought we needed to be here to then enter the competition and no they had already you had already had to register and stuff so we were just dressed up to the nines in amazing costumes but we were just members of the audience watching some other cosplayers then go on and they weren't as good they weren't uh, as we good. would have we would have pulled that off on the stage when we had to come out and do something the day goes on we wander around we could let's be honest about it you couldn't really see the um the event because like you just said the vision i was trying to look out of a pinprick hole with both my eyes I kind of forgot to work on the eye bit. I'll have to. <laughs> it was probably the only thing that was an issue, wasn't it? Because nobody could see where they were going. I think at one point, people that behind us must have been getting so, so cross because we were like literally pigeon stepping around. I mean, they say cosplay is not consent, but I definitely got fed up a couple of times and that bloke posed for a photograph and gave me a kiss. I didn't dare show him my hands because that would have been an obvious giveaway. Well, your hands were probably still shaking from the wood scenario. <laughs> So we go around, we had some photos there. A nice day, wasn't it? I've, ne- I've never done that before. 
it was a, a different experience, wasn't it? But we get to the end of the day, we head back to our, our campsite and we get a bus back there. And lo and behold, buses only run to about half seven on a Saturday night. So for us to get back out, we literally got back, didn't we? Showered and straight back out for a cracking Saturday evening. Now, last time we went again, we didn't find the town. We hit the town, we get there. And what UK shop is still well, it wasn't. I don't know whether it is a UK shop, obviously a European shop. What shop is still in full flow in Ghent? Vintage High Street chain CNA is there in full effect, right in the town centre. Three stories of terribly unfashionable clothing for all to see and behold. Wonderful. It really was. We decided we were pub crawl basically around Ghent and we all took in turns to choose a different beer because you go in these places and they've got 100 old beers available. So Pete, we chanced upon a lovely place for dinner, didn't we? A monkey burger or something. Some completely daft name, but beautiful beer. The place was called Three Monkeys. If you're ever in Ghent, I recommend it. I don't know if it's Three Monkeys. It was always like Monkey Trunk or something. Three monkeys, mate. Three monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not three monkeys, though. You're thinking of the film. No, it was definitely three monkeys, and that was was twelve. Three monkeys, yeah. (laughs) Well, I think there was too many monkeys going on there. I think, but yeah, big burgers, lots of burgers, burgers. You would have loved it, Rich. Not a pee in sight. My burger was amazing, and I'm I'm going to go back to Ghent just to have another one. We 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 crawled around a few pubs, and eventually we settle into one bar. Seemed to be quite a happening place. Ten euros for four beers, can't be wrong. Brilliant. You then decide to spend forty euros on one round because <laughs> you're just out of control. Why let the truth get away of a good story? Wait there, wait there, I mean, no, 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 no. How is that? How is that an exaggeration? Right, we're drinking beer. Well, it wasn't forty. Euros. I've gone off. I've gone off a little boogie. I come back to be given a poncy glass with a bright red drink in it. And uh, every now and then, if you're having a long, you know, seven course meal or what have you, you have something nice just to sort of, you know, um, refresh the palate. Listen to you and your seven course meal, (laughs) fly boy. (laughs) (laughs) We all enjoyed it. Did you all finish him? Yeah, you did. I I had to finish you. I had to finish stews for him. Do you know what? It's the kind of drink I would drink regularly if I was afraid of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> so the Saturday was all very nice. I think a couple of you were a little bit more, how shall we say, um, intoxicated than myself. Oh, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Again, can we just rewind a little bit? Yeah. We, we, we finish at the, the, the very trendy bar full of the uh, very trendy people and lovely ladies and stumble off to a rather empty Irish pub where we order a pint, Stu sniffs the barmaid's apron and promptly disappears outside for a sit down in the rain. Yeah, it was very, very hot in that pub. <laughs> so we get back to the um, the caravan. I think we had a little nightcap. And so we, we, we get off to sleep because we've got a big day the next day. You know, it's the Sunday event. We go in normal clothes. We decide that, you know, eight, half eight would be quite a nice time to get up. So, we, you know, we don't ruin the day. So obviously we've got to get back to front, um, Calais. Pete wakes up at half eight and forgets everybody else's what we decided the night before. I'm just going to sit there and let them all sleep. I think, Jez, you were tickling my neck when I came round. And uh, it was about half ten. <laughs> I thought, I thought you, you'd had a rough night, Stu, and I thought I'd let you sleep because, you know, my, my bladder woke me up anyway. And uh, when I peered in and you two were snuggling, spooning in a lovely way. So uh, I thought I'd leave you. And uh, go and visit the facilities, which we had a well of a time in the facilities. Lovely. We, we pack up and we head over to the event. Now, Jez had already had a couple of angry moments, but um, 
the traffic jam <laughs> going into the convention centre. <laughs> um, no wonder he's lost his hair. <laughs> because he was getting seriously stressed, wasn't he? I was really happy Simon was uh, sitting in the front of this point. I know. I was getting the blame for the crap one-way system. Have, me having not been there before, Jez knowing the one-way system is crap, and I'm getting the blame for it. Oh, and for the Belgian fire brigade being there as well. That is also my fault for taking him past them on the oh, one-way man. system. Sai, that's a classic mistake that you never take Jez past firemen. He, ha- <laughs> he has a thing for them. <laughs> so we get to the event, and um, we have a good look around this day. And there was actually a, there was a, quite a, a bit of vintage, considering. Who wants to give me an overview of the floor? Okay, so had the main dealer hall. Which was, I don't know, I'm going to guess, I don't do these funny girl ball games, but about the size of a football pitch, would you football type say? It's bigger than a football pitch in there. What, the main hall? Yeah, easily. Really? It's probably about to get four on there. Probably. No, yeah. it wasn't that big. It I'll didn't feel what, that you big. Couldn't... I wouldn't have a football pitch that big. <laughs> It's all, re- it's all relative. I guess you are little people. Anyway, okay, so you had a nice big main hall with uh, a, a pretty good selection, actually, of dealers. And you, so you had everything from artists doing one-off commission pieces and selling prints. You had uh, weird sort of Japanese cartoony pop culture clothing sellers and odd stuff like that. Uh, lots of weapons, Lots of medieval, pretty harsh-looking weapons, which, considering Stu nearly got his rubber spear taken off him on the way in, the fact that you could then go in and buy a steel sword replica from Highlander or something was fairly odd. But So there was, there was weapon sellers, lots of vintage everything in terms of toys. So there, there, was, there was a reasonable amount of Star Wars stuff there, but we'll come on to that in a minute. But there was also loads of other toy lines. So you name it, it was there. I, I know Pete found some Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. There was some He-Man bits dotted about, uh, G.I. Joe, lots of retro gaming consoles, quite a few of those stalls as well, selling SNESs and NESs. And yeah, so it was a really good selection, wasn't it, of dealers? There were some vintage sellers at the back. They were in fact last time we were there. They were at Celebration London. That's where people his Millennium Falcon Smiths thing from. They had quite a lot of nice stuff, didn't they? They had a led leddy a shuttle. What were your highlights on that stall, Jez? All sorts of leddy stuff. Leddy speeder bike, leddy Falcon. It, it was a great stall, uh, which was yeah, yeah. It was very close to our store at Celebration Europe. Uh, in London and the guys were really really on side they were really uh, really really good lads but with regards to the vintage mate I also saw not on their store quite a bit of repro there was one guy selling two absolutely mint X-Wings uh, one Palatoy one American and he was saying yeah this that and the other I cleaned up all the motors applied some uh, brand new stickers what and uh, yes, he just he just coughed. He told me that he, he oh they're the very best reproduction stickers from Australia. I think there were a few comedy prices though on those some of those vintage stores. I mean, me and Stu were looking through the beta box for my sort of very short run of blown up <laughs> figures, and the guy wanted like ten euros for three decimated figures. He can oh you know a couple of couple of euros max, guys. Not ten euros for three. You know, I mean, there was, was figures without heads. And he wanted, you know, effectively yeah. three and a half euros. And it's like, come off it. And they, and they weren't budging on it either. I don't know. They sold. I mean, like, there were a lot of those figure kind of stores, figures and bags. And very few seem to be selling anyway. Well, that, that bloke that um, my lad is loves a power droid. And I'd picked up four in a store. We had five, five euros a figure in this. They're only loose episode one figures. And I picked up a fifth as to be doing for 20 euros. No. <laughs> and they're kind of like... 
So I didn't get a chance to buy them because I, I have a Pios. So I had kind of like put them back in the box and was pushing me back out of the store. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I didn't want them anyway. <laughs> but there were a lot of people like him who, so I mean, when, when we were kind of going around at the end before we left, and their stores just looked as much as packed as they were when we got there. They didn't seem to have sold anything. I don't know whether they, I don't know whether they sold anything or they just had loads of stock and they kept following up. I mean, one of the best best stores I, I found right at the end, actually, which is quite annoying. There was a guy who just had a bunch of crates of just you know ship parts and all sorts. He had no idea what they were. That's where I got the uh, the the probot base from for for Euro because he just didn't know what they were. But there was some nice little bits and pieces in there if you were looking for parts and stuff. He just didn't, you know. I mean. That's that's always the fun finds when you find little little bits of nonsense like that. That you know, someone is realistic with their pricing. Because I bet you any money if that had been like a celebration, it'd been like twenty dollars or something. Well, there was some interesting, as you say, interesting pricing going on because on the very first day, in fact, one of the first vintage stores we found, that guy had the first twelve mail away stands mm-hmm. with the mail away box. And it, neither was in great condition. The box was a bit tatty with the address crossed out in black pen. And the, the stand had a bit of wear to the, the cardboard backdrop. And he was asking 250 euros, which was a bit too I went, much. And, it, and he put it up by the Sunday, wasn't he? Because I'd gone yeah. back and I'd re-asked him and it would come 300 euros at that point. It, exactly. It had sort of gone the wrong way on the price. So having not sold it on the Saturday, he marked it up on the Sunday. Genius. That, that was happening a lot. That, that's uh, that MPC Slave 1, which... Uh, I was almost going to buy on the Saturday. I mean, it was doubled in price on the Sunday. I went back to the store, uh, saw the guy. I went, oh, okay. I, I would have probably bought it when you had it on Saturday. So, well, it's like in Belgium. And, um, yeah, so I just went, okay, fine. So that, that got up from 50 to 100, had it? Pretty much, yeah. I think, I think it was like 85 or something. I can't quite remember. But it was, it was just ridiculous. I think, I think it was thir- almost 35 on the, the Saturday. But it just doubled it in price. It was just, it was just silly. It's just bizarre. <laughs> people don't want to sell the stuff isn't it They're kind of like gone there and a bit too attached to it all i'll tell you what we didn't mention on saturday back in one of the early episodes we obviously had tim vakeoven we knew he was on site and we walked over to tk421 stand the fan club he runs in our costumes with our heads on and we all just stood there and stared at him whilst in full cosplay and you could see that to start with it was like oh hi he went kind of like but none of us moved and you could see he was getting a little bit more um agitated what are these people doing just staring at me kind of thing i think we scared him more than anything else <laughs> yeah but it was great to see tim um so it was nice to to catch up with uh former guests and people we've met before yeah so basically that was the experience of facts we then got on the camper van jez was actually pretty pretty happy on the way home and um, managed to get on an early ferry so yeah it was all good wasn't it the, the the highlight for me was on the way through immigration on the way back and we've done the french side of things <laughs> we go we go to the british side and i'm sat in the passenger seat jez is driving Stu and peter in the back and i pass all the passports over to the to the guy and he goes see so, uh yeah, mr arlinson yeah okay mr mccowan yeah Stu pops his head through uh, mr. yeah yeah mr skinner right all i need to see is mr davis pete pops his head between the seats goes Hello! He goes, oh, Christ. Wasn't really worth the wait, was it? <laughs> not quite sure what you was expecting. right off, Pete. I know. <laughs> I might go back and, like, you know, <laughs> shoot him or something. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Right, now I want to welcome back Jesse Cedar-Soberman for this month's Rapid Fire. Are you ready, Jesse? Yes, sir. Your favourite Star Wars movie? Empire. Uh, your favourite Star Wars scene? You gotta go with 
Bespin, I think, you know, um, the, the fight between Darth Vader and jumping down into the air ducts or whatever they're called. Your favorite on-screen character? Gotta go with Luke Skywalker. Uh, your favorite on-screen costume? The Snowtrooper. Which actor or crew member would you most like to meet, dead or alive? Princess Leia. Your favorite figure as a child? I want to say Luke Bespin. And your favorite figure now? Princess Leia. And which character do you wish they'd made a vintage figure of? Wow, that's a tough one. Grand Moff Tarkin. Your favorite toy vehicle or playset? Boring answer, Death Star. Favorite car back photo? I always liked Adat Commander. What was the last vintage Star Wars toy you purchased? It's kind of like the the drawing of the Power of the Force coin from somebody's binder or something like that but, uh, from Kenner. What is your favorite foreign license? I've been liking Lily Letty. Your favorite Star Wars book? Empire Strikes Back pop-up book. And finally, what is your Holy Grail item? I mean, other than three packs, um, I've always wanted the Power of the Force Toy Fair mock-up of any figure, especially Princess Leia. Wonderful. Well, Jesse, thank you ever so much. Right, on to our question for this month, which currently sees Jez languishing at the bottom. <laughs> but I have high hopes for him this evening. Um, <laughs> so no one's going to know why we're laughing. Brilliant. So the question is, what car back photo art is your least favourite and why? And let's start with Jez, who's currently on two points. Well, I'm going to go for the Return of the Jedi, Kenner, Death Squad Commander. And the reason I don't like it... It's, it's just nothing about it. It's just too dark. It's just a very, very dull picture of a man who I believe is no longer with us. But the fact the Return of a Jedi on it doesn't make anything. I've seen the Empire Strikes Back one. It's better. The Star Wars one is the best of those three. But it's, it's just nothing to it. And I think proof is in the pudding. I've never bought that card back. I've never bought that just because it did nothing for me. It, it's just not dynamic. It's very dark. I do enjoy the figure, though. I had a look at a lot of them because I must admit it's, it's. I think I said this a while ago. There's loads of fantastic card backs and there's loads that aren't as good and there's very few in the middle. So I've chosen one and I'm going for Anakin because when you look at the Anakin card back, he's got a big, stupid, cheesy, cartoonish, fat, turnip-shaped head, and I think that head is just really ridiculous. Why couldn't they have got the actual image of Sebastian Shaw or something like that instead of that? I can't even describe it better than what I've already have done. The cheesy, cartoonish, turnip-shaped head. I think you're right. It doesn't fit with the rest of the cards, does it? This isn't me sort of trying to win points or, or this, that, and the other. The first one I wrote down was Anakin, but then I put, but I get it. Because Anakin's face was all hacked up, and it was just a you know pretty terrible scene. And if they're putting this in toy shops and kid shops and something and the other, they're not going to want to put an image of a guy with a big... Axe wound in his head. No. In, in all they could have used the ghost. They could have used the ghost image. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I, I no, you're trying well. to win points. No, trying no, to win I'm not points. trying to win points. The first one. I'm <laughs> to be honest, with you, I think with they're you. both pretty, pretty good shouts at the moment. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Rich. But at the moment, you're definitely both top two. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt, Pete. Well, there's only one. Oh, you know, I can look at any Star Wars card. I can go, oh, that's nice. But there's one that I just no enthusiasm for the imperial dignitary. I mean, what if I was seen that as a kid? If it'd been in you know, when I was still buying things, I'd seen that. I'd have just gone, "What's use that?" I just it wouldn't have. That's not Star Wars. Just some old woman in a purple cloak thing with a silly hat on. 
It's not Star Wars. There's no dynamism there. It's kind of there. It's awful. It's just, I mean, the figure's awful and the car back's awful. It's just boring. I don't think I even own, I, I do own a pill of dignitary, but the car back, oh no. Awful. Just purple. It's not a good colour. So finally, Sai, you haven't had a very good night generally. Let's see how you get on with this one. I'm going to go with B-Wing Pilot because, yeah, I know it's controversial. There's an awful lot of empty space on that car back, and they've got one B-Wing. Not even the characters visible. I'm just not a fan of it. It only ever appeared on the the, the Jedi and, and later cards, so the Jedi logo doesn't really do much for me. Anyway, as Joe said, and it was just... It was. It just felt like an empty card back, and I'm not even a big fan of the figure either. It has to be Beaming Pilot for me. Oh, do you know what? It's, it's difficult to points this this month. Oh, do you know what? Mm. One point is. Oh, this is going to shock everybody. I'm not giving it to Jez. Sorry, I just can't agree with you. <laughs> I know you can't. You get one point this month, and and Pete, I'm only going to give you two because the dig, dignitary is not that bad. It's, it's not in the worst five. Jez, I'm going to give you the three points this month because um, I do like the figure, but it always annoyed me that Descore Commander, and I understand what you're saying about the thing, but I have to agree with Rich with Anakin. So, yeah, Rich, four marks this month. So that leaves it Rich on 13 points, Pete what? on 10, <laughs> and then Jez has jumped right up and levelled himself with Sai. It is, it is a real battle at the bottom there of who really is. The biggest sad sack of the, of the crew. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I don't need to hang about for this sort of abuse. I've got <laughs> lots of people wanting to abuse me. Talking of abusing side, do we have much in the feedback? <laughs> um, thank you for everybody who did send us feedback. So over on Stories from UK, a few people rolled their virtual eyes at the impossible quiz, which provided a good laugh, if nothing else. And we thought that side really couldn't look any more foolish, but that quiz last month really was something different. So uh, it's, it's good that a lot of people got a chuckle out of that. Ed and Joe discussed the trilogo points are brought up and believe that there is evidence to suggest that the Empire Strikes Back and Jedi Corbacks were lying around in the Palatoy factory after the Trilogos were first introduced and, the, and were in production. Therefore, the Trilogo bubble is the correct term. Perhaps we should have contacted Joe and said, you know, Joe, what, what's a deed about the Trilogo bubble? So so that's a fair point, and it, it you know, makes makes total sense, seeing that we've said that Tritoni has managed to get himself a, a batch of Empire cardbacks during that time. So, so cheers for that, Ed and Joe. Spoons and many others have said that Jizz Wheelers is by far the funniest thing that they've ever heard on the podcast. Really enjoyed the discussion, and we had a fair bit of feedback back on the second Chris G section which I think we all said was absolutely fascinating to listen to and whenever we get items like that from, from Chris G and, and the likes of him it's always great to listen to because everybody learns something different on those. A few comments on the Hakes auctions. Gonzalo Tor said you know congratulations on getting James Gallo on. There's a few people said that they found that in- interview very interesting. A lot of people are watching that auction with interest and at present that DT Ben has hit the $55,000 mark so it'll be interesting to see how high that gets. More most people I've looked online seem to think I've run about the 70, 75,000 mark is, is what it's going to level out. But it's still got eight days to go, so let's see. 
I had lots of nice feedback on the Jason West interview, um, and he in particular was really delighted to be on. I think Jezza contacted him asking about images, and we've been putting some of the images on Instagram, and he, he was very gracious and thanking us for being on the show. And Jason, you know, it was great to have you on. We learned a lot about it. And what I really enjoyed is Stephen Savory's comment because he pointed out that as focus collectors, we are often expected to know everything and want to know everything and want to own everything about the items that we collect. And it really isn't true. And, you know, that was something I didn't really notice up until about a couple of years ago because we're all aware that Bill McBride is the, you know, the Darth Vader guy and he's in the Guinness Book of Records having the biggest Darth Vader collection. And I always assumed that Bill McBride was just, you know, collecting Darth Vader items left, right and centre. And and when you've got somebody like him saying that he's careful in selecting the pieces that he wants for his collection, you know, when I first heard that, I thought, wow, that that that, that was amazing. I, I didn't really contemplate that. So it's a nice one, Stephen. That was fair to point out. Over on Rebel Scum, we were delighted that Johnny Six Six Six. Um, had made a comment on there and he, he pushed us on Rebel Scum which was fantastic I'm just going to read a small part of it out I have to say the Vintage Rebellion has become my favourite Star Wars podcast the mix of personalities hilarious ball break and among the guys makes for fun listen all the vintage content is comprehensive and in depth each host effectively covers a discrete topic in each episode so it's a great mix of material and differing approaches across the usual 4-5 to five running length yes that's 4-5 to five hours and then goes into discussing how our inclusive strategy of inviting as many different types of collectors on as we can possibly get on the show is absolutely great and that's always something that we take pride in in that we're looking for collectors who've got an interesting story it doesn't matter how big your collection is it doesn't matter how long you've been in the hobby if you've got anything interesting to share you're always welcome on the vintage rebellion podcast i did i must admit like i looked at that hilarious ball breaking comment and i just wondered how one of the guys would take that so, so si considering you've got no balls how, how do you view a ball breaking comment do you are you offended by that <laughs> do not know what to say to you but i tell you what farthest from in December let's see who ends up walking funny with a couple of broken balls because I know mine are cast iron safe <laughs> I really I didn't, didn't think know it was where possible. that was going then for a while no neither did I I didn't think it was possible to break them either <laughs> no, never, like, over on Facebook so lots of usual air comments on Facebook so David Anthony put out an interesting question so why isn't there more love for Jawa clothing variations such as large hood small hood and the multiple stitch colours and that's a, that's a total fair point I do know that there's some Jawa collectors who are actively seeking for purple stitch Jawa etc etc but when you say things such as the rusty glove variant of Tuscan Raider, which they get a lot of feedback. Why is there not love for large hood and small hood Jawa? Now, I can virtually bet Simon's left nut here that on the next Jawa's Palace, you know, big drive, we're going to start to see large head Jawa, small head Jawa, except except going left, right, and centre. Stephen Downey from the Kive Cast really enjoyed the Jizwheeler section as well. He promises to revisit that area when the Kive Cast get caught up to the Rebo section. So I can't wait to hear what those guys can do with the Kive Cast. And I know Stephen is really really keen on the Sky songs so I'm sure that Sky can get a Jizz Whaler kind of rap haiku, skyku, whatever you want to call it. Let's see what Sky can do just to impress Stephen. Over on Tegan, we'll have a few comments on Take Vintage Viewport and Gornish both gave us some great feedback. Thanks guys, thanks for the support. On Twitter now, this is something that I haven't checked out, but I think possibly we may have discussed this before. Lumpy the Ewok has urged us to check out the Turkish bootleg Star Wars movie. So, guys, have you heard of that? No. No. When we are talking about the Uzais, he said, why didn't you just talk about the Turkish bootleg Star Wars movie? And I was like, what are you on about? Well, apparently there's a Turkish bootleg Star Wars movie that's cut scenes from Star Wars A New Hope with Turkish actors in it as well, and it's on YouTube. I did reply back to him on Twitter to say that we're going to check that out, so I think our mission 
jump before the next show is to check out Turkish version of Star Wars. I think that's going to be hilarious to, to watch. Huge thanks to all the guys on Tantive as ever. Uh, Commander Klimt with all these breakdowns of posts. That's really good to urge everybody to go over to Tantive if you're interested in some of the sections and areas that we've talked about. And Jez in particular over the last few weeks has absolutely been hammering Instagram. We've had lots of new followers on Instagram. We're getting lots of communication on Instagram, lots of likes, lots of shares. So so thanks very much to everybody who's following us on Instagram and everybody who is, you know, sharing our posts. We do comment very, very quickly on posts on Instagram and Twitter. So reach out to any of us. Let us know what you're thinking about the show. So, Stu, how do people get in contact with us? What's the best way is? Yeah, you can contact us by searching Facebook for Vintage Rebellion, where we do most of our updating on there to start with. Email us on swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, again, by searching Vintage Rebellion. And like Richard said, that is worth looking up and exploring as we're pretty proactive on there at the moment and will be even more so in the coming weeks. And, of course, find us on Twitter at SWTVR Podcast. Failing that, you can find any of us individually on Facebook or across the forums. Don't forget, you can go back and listen to the previous 41 episodes and the previous three Christmas specials on both iTunes or at SWTVR Podcast. Dot podbean.com and next month we'll be releasing a double dose our regular show and then drop in just before christmas will be an xmas special for you to enjoy with a mince pie and a glass of sherry over that festive period huge thank yous to all our guests this month quite a list jesse cedar soberman todd osborne ian cowley mark baker John Paul Ragusa, Ron Salvatore, James Brown, Andrew Droopy Peacock, Roundster, Mark Airy, Andrew Norton, Martin Woodgate, Dave Tree and Jason Smith. Thank you all for taking your time this month. So for another month, it is goodbye from Rich. Later, guys. <laughs> Laters from Jez. <laughs> See you later, guys. Cheers. Au revoir from Simon. A bientôt. And a fond farewell from Pete. I need someone to show me my place in all this. And it is... Good night from me. And remember... Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Oh, it's Jez all right? It's very quiet. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Some stuff. Just regretting all your all your bullying today. Now you're face to face with people. <laughs> you're kind of a bit quiet. Yeah, yeah well, good job. It. I wasn't in the same room as you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job. I in the same room, mate. You'd have been oh, Richard, me boy, you would drink, mate. <laughs> exactly. Oh, sausage roll. In, uh, in this, <laughs> they don't sell sausage rolls in this pub. Oh, oh, yeah, that was like that was the first ten minutes break I'd had all day, and I was ready to jump down the virtual line and tear your throat out with me bare teeth. <laughs> your bare feet. <laughs> teeth. I love it. I, Rich is just 
constantly on the internet and on Facebook. Constantly ooh, on. I've just Ten news. minutes. Ooh, I've just written down for GNR News. Ooh. Oh, I'm the hardest working guy there is. Or, 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 haven't I got such bad luck? <laughs> <laughs> You want to get in with your bare feet at farthest from it. <laughs> Jez, if you were a um, a vintage ship, you would be the Scout Walker because they claim to be all terrain but are absolutely terrible <laughs> in the woods. Yeah, very good. Um, He's got chicken legs as well. Is, is the... <laughs> you, you guys are so funny. Is facts coming at the end? Yeah, so it. anybody that joke there, you'll get it a bit later on. <laughs> All the guys editing it will just go, yeah, whatever. Oh, he's putting me down, I'll uh, remove that bit. 